exactly every one of the top 40 records being played on every radio station in the United States is a communication to the children to take a trip, to cop out, to groove. The psychedelic jackets on the record albums have their own we want you to smoke the real thing. We want you to smoke the natural herb. Some call it marijuana. Some call it sense media. Some call it lamb's bread. And some people call it... Welcome to another edition of the Adam Dunn Show. I'm your host, Adam Dunn, and I did not do my fucking dab at time. I was t- <laughs> last dab of the year, and he fucked it all up. Hold on. All right. Didn't totally fuck it up. At least I got something. Um, we have a very cool show today. We have Steve Tuck calling in in about a half an hour, um, chief, chief cannabis advisor at Weed Maps. But this guy's been around for a long, long time. We met in Amsterdam years ago. Um, and I didn't know, I mean, I knew part of the story at the time because there's like a lot of cannabis refugees coming over to uh, Holland. And lo and behold, we got to meet almost every one of them. And so we definitely knew the, a bit of the story, but there's a lot more, which uh, we're going to be talking about today, where it was, you know, this guy's been through a lot. And uh, he's in Canada now, uh, and we will uh, delve into the 90s when he was really, you know, the man on the scene as far as uh, go-to guy when it was about genetics. And uh, we'll talk about his strains like heroin and a few other strains that he helped develop. And... Uh, that's how this whole show started, actually, was I was checking on Facebook, and I saw that he was kind of schooling some kids about marijuana, and it was just like one of those, like, hey, you know, that's what we do on the show. Why don't you come by? It worked out well. He just had to check, make sure it was cool, and of course, because now he's working for Weed Maps. I mean, he's got to, you know, got to make sure he's doing the right thing. But of course, if they said no, I would have been like, are you kidding me? Come on, this is the best way to get this out. Um, but we're also going to have, uh, besides... Steve, we're going to have Cheesecake Lady calling in for our last, uh, our last report of the year, right before 1220 kicks in, which is, if you're not from Colorado, it's not affecting you, but if you are in Colorado and you are a grower, then it is affecting you. Um, new plant limits, just like all these other places where every time it happened, I'd just be like, damn, like Oregon, you know, they got their plant. I mean, every state, whenever they, especially people that were already you know, rolling along, and then all of a sudden you get told, put on the brakes, there's no longer a 99 plant count, or there's no longer even a 72 plant count, we're talking like 12, and that just fucking cripples you, cripples me, cripples everybody. For breeders especially. Well, for breeders, it's fucking death nail, I'm already like, okay, where are we going now? So I'm already got to start making plans, uh, just because it's not going to work, you know. Uh, So we're going to talk about that. And uh, whatever else she's going to bring to the table. So that'll be, I think, in a, uh, well, it'll be after the other thing. So whatever. I'm not going to put any times on anything. We know, you know with us, you do not want to uh, rely on any kind of time constraints because we will never be on time. Um, have never, I think it's ever happened. Well, it has. I mean, there's been a few on point. But sorry, guys. Just, that's just the way it goes, you know? We, know. we know there's that 15 to 20 minute sort of window. If we get beyond that, then it's just like, it's mayhem at that point. 
So we, uh, we want to go right into the sponsors because I, once I get Steve on the line, we're going to just roll on through as we do. Rolling through. Um, going to start off with New Millennium today. We are going to start off with New Millennium, as you should, because that's the start of every day at the plants at my place. So they get their New Millennium for the day. We're, we're in the autumn now, so it's always nice. That's a great, great, great season to be in. Oh, yeah. Um, getting close to the winter frost which is their, their finishing product. Uh, their Carbonaria, which we talked about on the show the other day, great amino-based uh, uh, <laughs> carbo-load kind of product. Right. But uh, super, uh, it's nice because the plants really uh, thrive on it at the same time. They're not just feeling like they're just getting packed on with a bunch of extra weight with nothing kind of behind it. Uh, but you go to newmillenniumnutrients.com, you can check out their website. They've got a calculator on there for you if you need to figure out your, your square footage and how many plants you want to grow and what medium you're going to be using and et cetera, et cetera. And that'll calculate that all for you, which uh, will save you a bunch of money so you're not buying all the wrong sizes, coming home with two and a half gallons, something you only needed to have a gallon of. So uh, You can also go back to a few episodes ago. We had them on the show, we, but we've had them on the show at least four or five times, so Look for them if you need to get a little insight into the company. Uh, also, the guy who started it is also one of, responsible for a lot of sort of base products from back in the day, like Bud Blood and a few other ones, and worked for some big industry people and uh, decided to go in his own direction and at the same time um, really understands plants. One day we'll have Neil on the show. That's our goal. That's our goal with New Millennium. It's like, come on, Neil, let's get on the show. Because he's one of those guys who I think once we let, once we let the cork out, it, oh, might, yeah. get, it might get crazy. So they're, they're always worried, like, I don't know, but that's, that's, that's what we need. That's what we need for the show. Um, what you also need for the show, what everybody needs, any show, is uh, Incredibles Edibles. Man, I picked up some of that orange soda concentrate last night. It was only like 25 bucks out the door. It was deli- we, I, we dabbed it all last night. Nice. It was delicious. Yeah, it is. It's one of the, it's one of the um, proper citric-flavored ones that are worth every... Worth its waiting beyond gold nowadays. Nowadays, it's not even, you can't even say worth its weight in gold when you talk about anything because it's like gold ain't shit compared <laughs> yeah, right. to some of these. It's worth its weight in Bitcoin, bro. <laughs> and you know how light Bitcoins are? They don't weigh nothing. So it's like, whew, right. that's a lot of money. Uh, but they got all sorts of new products. Um, they've got, uh, they've also got wellness products like bath salts, but not, not come on, guys. Not those bath salts. <laughs> um, they've also got, uh, some tinctures, some CBD products, and, oh, I see a suppository in there. Yep, those just came out, I think, <laughs> those, a couple weeks ago. Or they, or they just went in, actually. <laughs> Going in since last week. The yep. suppositories. Okay, see, once you got your suppositories on your on your venue, you've pretty much gone all the way around. You know, right. And like, uh, I think Eddie Funksta's got his, uh, uh, what does he call his? This has got a funny name. Uh, I've never heard of it, so I don't know. The fifth something, yeah, it's like a, <laughs> the fifth method, or I don't know. I can't remember. I'll remember it in a minute, but yeah, everyone. Every, when you get the suppositories, that's when the names get really funny. Yeah. Uh, but you can go to iloveincredibles.com anytime. Check out their store finder. They are moving around. They're everywhere now. They're in, they're in uh, uh, Oregon and they're in. They're in, coming to Oregon, right? Yep, they're in 
Colorado, California, Nevada, and coming to Oregon. They're going to Oregon, Illinois, Arizona, Michigan, and Puerto Rico. You got to say it like Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. Okay, there you go. Good. You almost did it just no, naturally. That was na- was that natural or was that just you were doing it like him? Uh, because it wasn't, it wasn't a very good impression <laughs> no. of Trump. No, I just. So I feel like you were. That's just how you do it. It's funny. I. I so I'm, you're the guy who probably yeah. Everybody yeah. does it. See, that's the funny thing. He he just got busted for doing what everybody does, but he forgot he was standing in front of a fucking bunch of people when he did it. Dumbass. Yep. Not a dumbass. I have to see guys see a good transition for each one of these. That wasn't a really hard one to end off on. Dumbass. <laughs> Trans- transition. Build a soil. Uh, now, I saw some guys griping about their shipping costs, but, I mean, it's, when you're shipping soil anywhere, that's what I talked about the other day, is, like, you know, you've got to take into consideration if you order, sh- if you order soil from these guys, it's going to cost you a lot for shipping. That's like, just the way it is. Don't Don't... But you can buy a lot of their other products and make your own soil mix, which is a lot smarter uh, when you think about it. But if you're local here, if you're close enough to get it, then they have every option you could ever imagine. From a, you can get, you can order truckloads of soil, but you definitely don't want to do it through the mail because that's like woo truckload through the mail. Uh, anyway, anyway, but you can get all hard to, hard to find amendments. Uh, you can get your IPM figured out there. You can get your uh, beneficial bugs and you can get any kind of advice you need in that organic realm and also um jeremy will have to have him on the show sometime soon too because uh it's been a long time and uh we love to have his knowledge because this guy knows his stuff and when it comes if you have any kind of issues it's always good to know that you can always contact them at both uh telephone which is amazing i mean most people don't even have those anymore 855-877-SOIL um you can also go to buildsoil.com and uh, get a quick response. And also, I mean, pretty much everybody that we work with, it's all about customer service and, uh, you know, and or direct uh, ability to contact these people direct. Now, speaking of that, see, we got guys working in the back. (laughs) 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 The perfect background. Uh, So uh, speaking of direct contact, this guy here, Mr. Ron Wallace from... That's, why does my brain just stop whenever I sit on his website? I'm like, what? what uh, WallaceWild.com. Exactly. You have to hit me. Have, we have to do this as a tag team every time. Sure. Because I'll just talk about him, and you tell me the, the contact <laughs> address and any specials or anything he's got up on his site. Because, man, I somehow, uh, he's got to change it for me personally. Uh, but Mr. Ron Wallace is an amazing grower in Rhode Island who has uh, won rural records with his, his uh, pumpkins and his uh, squash hybrids that he worked on with other people it was a collab there which is he's doing collabs inner 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 plant we're doing collabs like you know inner name uh but he has the uh company now uh, wow wallace uh, organic wonder uh which is you can get uh amendments and uh products for your rhizosphere which is his you know his his specialty because you got to know what you're doing to produce that large of a, of a plant in general, and he's on point. He's got his things down to the to the day, and uh, we can learn a lot from each other, which is great because when we had him on the show, we just all realized like, wow, we're all kind of working in the same time frame, and you know, he's he's going for world record on individual plants. We're just constantly trying to improve our product, and you know, obviously everybody wants to get good weight, uh, but. Lately, everybody's realized it's, you know, obviously it doesn't matter if you have a ton of good weed if it ain't no good, you know. So 
you got to have good weed. So uh, same with any every product. And when he's doing pumpkins, it's more about not splitting the fruit and having all the right timing and the right thicknesses. But like, like I said, a lot of crossover uh, information. So listen to some of the shows that we've had together if you want to pick them. Those are always around Halloween, so it's pretty easy. Just go to October shows. It's, it's always going to be around a show in there somewhere. Um, and, uh, you know, again, just like our harvest season is right in the same time zone. So take a look at his stuff and give him one more time, Mr. WallaceWow.com. WallaceWow.com. All right, good. See, it's not so hard when you say it like that, but just <laughs> it's the wow. It's too much. And Seeds here now. You can go to uh, our pretty much our main sponsor for the longest time now and uh, also delivers us great breeders to have on the show that's what keeps everybody uh rolling both ways and you know one of the things about these guys is their return policy is off the hook if you have a problem with anything that you buy from them they will replace it make you happy which is you know that's the customer service at its big at its core let's say and you can go to seedsherenow.com and you can also go to seedsaholics via that site and or it on its own and that's like their uh, auction site so you can go there check out sock drawers that have been opened up and whoa I didn't realize I had 10 <laughs> of those left there's some of those in there there's a bunch of charities in there to check out and those all those charities are go 100% to the charity itself so it's not like some we give them a little bit no it's all made for them and there's a bunch uh, obviously for the Santa Rosa fires and uh, you know you should definitely take a look there and see if we can Find some really hard-to-find genetics and help out and give for a good cause. Seedsherenow.com. Seedsherenow, seedsherenow, seedsherenow. That's it. Okay, that it? No. That's it. Okay, so that was it. Right. And uh, we're going to have, I think, in about 10 minutes, I'm going to give him a text in a second. We'll have Steve calling in about, yeah, let's say five minutes because we don't really need much more. How was your week? What's going on? You know, every time you ask me this, I wish I had something, something for it. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> Did you go hang gliding or something? No, I got next week off from work. I don't know. So maybe come in the studio and figure out some software. See? See? Might be this. This may be the time. You're waiting for that thing to fall down on you mm-hmm. or what? Yeah. You can, it can just lift it. I think it's, it's just that thing that's on the end. Just lift it a tiny bit and slide it up. Don't, it won't hurt you. Yeah, I can already, I can, it's making you tense. I can already see it. It's fine. I'm all right. We're working at a like, tree fort technology. That's <laughs> off screen, but it looks pretty much like, literally like tree fort. So, um, Welcome to Adam Dunn's studio. Oh, yeah. A.K.A. Tree Fort. <laughs> In a really nice building, but it's, it's cool. Um, so anyway, so Steve and I met, like I said, back in Amsterdam, 1996, maybe, seven. I will find out when he, I mean, like I said, it was kind of one of those things where I didn't realize at that time, I did realize about they had problems and, uh, like I said, I like there was a lot of refugees on that side, but I also knew that he was responsible for some some genetics. And um, it's actually interesting because when I saw that it was the heroin, I was like, oh, I didn't even realize. I mean, kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember him, and didn't realize that was actually his sort of protege from you know, or progeny from like beginning. Um, so, well, not really. I mean, and then he, and then all, well, I guess that one, yes, and then also the train wreck he helped stabilize, which we're going to talk about. Um, because that's one of the stories that I kind of wanted to do. And then I just knew that there was going to be so much open-ended things. And I kind of wanted to get somebody who could actually give me the story from the beginning. And so we'll, we'll see what Steve can add to that. Because from, you know, it isn't, again, it isn't that long ago. But there was a lot of hype thrown around that just because of the name. And I think a lot of confusion 
when people see names, they think one thing, and then they want to they want it to be real. Yeah. <laughs> so, so at a certain point, it's like, yeah, train wreck was a train crash, and the guy, and the story gets a little ridiculous. Anyway, we'll talk about that. Um, and uh, I'm trying to think. Oh, well, something must have happened. Didn't you do any news checking or nothing for me? Come on. I thought this oh, was. Um, I know we don't have KTI this week. So normally we have KTI who really doesn't go to do any news checking himself. But, but he could at least be checking right now while we're pretending like we're checking, you know. If it's something happened, I don't know what happened. Come on, I know, good, not, uh, I know for sure something happened. <laughs> something. <laughs> oh yeah, I read a big long article about the the undercover investigation. It had been going on for months, I guess. Oh and, good, yeah, give us an update. And they were too. and they were like, uh, I like to hear those. I guess like so it all started with a complaint that someone who lived by the 38th and uh, I forgot there, there's one on 38th down here downtown uh, Sweet Leaf and there was a, a a resident who noticed out of state license plates going back in and out you know, parked uh, out of what view of the camera. And I guess, like, the employees were saying that it was okay as long as you go off a camera and all this stuff. And, like, yeah, it was really detailed. Uh, they had a, 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 a discount if you brought in, like, a blanket or a coat. So there's people who are going in, buying an ounce, or bringing in a blanket, you know, for the food drive type thing. And then they would buy an ounce, come back out, bring in another blanket so they can get 10% off the next ounce. And they were doing that all the way up to, like, like pounds and stuff. Is that really worth it though? Blankets? How many blankets? What are they? Do? These guys have just truckloads of blankets. You know, if you come from Kansas and you're bringing all the coats and blankets from your closet, you know, maybe That's it's a weird worth one. it. That's crazy. I don't know. That's super crazy. But yeah, and then uh, then the cops got involved because they were just busting people pulling away from the stores eventually, and then the people in the store got wind of that, and so the looping location moved to another Sweet Leaf. Uh. So yeah, it was a pretty interesting article. It went on. It was a really long one. So um, that's on the cannabis. Um. Well, there you go. It's breaking down. They're starting to get to the bottom of it all. But it's all at the end. Of, and then in the end, you realize it's just a big, huge waste of time mm-hmm. because it's like also. I mean, well, I guess it's just a cat, another cat and mouse. It's another thing for them to, uh, you know, concentrate more on. And in the long run, I mean, I guess. If you write your laws stupidly, then you're going to expect people are going to always exploit it, right? That's what, that's that's the nature of that's human nature, right there. Right. Uh, so, uh, anything else exciting happening? Or are you just every like, week there seems to be someone trying? Someone gets busted for shipping a whole lot of pot somewhere. <laughs> this guy just got busted for uh, claiming a 112 pound marijuana shipment. Nice. Yeah, he showed up to claim it and uh, got arrested in Massachusetts. So it went to like a, a central agent, central spot, and he actually went there. That's ridiculous. <laughs> he showed up at a shipping company in a brand new pickup truck that he had paid cash for to claim two crates that contained 112 pounds of marijuana. Nice. <laughs> that that went well. Yep. So yeah, every I mean, last week there was some guys who shipped FedEx via FedEx and got busted, and they went to their house and they had like all kinds of pounds of weed there too and all that stuff so well the thing i mean colorado it's like it's funny because every time i ship a hoodlum out of here it's like it's it's i go to the same ups guy now because ups are the most anal and they're like you never you should never ship anything with ups you should never (laughs) ship anything with you should actually never ship anything with anything really because it's stupid but you shouldn't ship definitely if that's your thing you don't go to those companies because Mm -hmm. they're like working with the man so hard and they love it and they're just like I just stand in there with my hoodlum things, and I watch guys come in, and I can just tell 
when they're like, they're just like the guys. The thing about UPS is they want all your IDs and stuff. They don't mess around. Right. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You can't just go in there and give them something and be like, whoa, whatever. I actually do shipping for my real job, and I have to drop some things off to UPS, and I'm always like, why do I have to give you all this stuff to just ship this out? You know? Yeah. I mean, it's like pretty insane. But. Yeah, they're real, 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 real strict. Um, so, yeah, I would not suggest going to them anyway. But FedEx, same thing. Like, you go there, and it's like they kind of assume half the time because people are coming in just kind of they're so used to people having accounts and being like boom 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 the minute you go in there we're like oh dude wow. <laughs> like okay yeah. so bad idea anything else exciting for real though I think all I know is that once we're going to have Cheesecake Lady and it's not going to be exciting in a good way it's going to be bad oh, exciting. Yeah. <laughs> and that's kind of the only real news that I've sort of been sure. following lately as far as the locally and then um Weed wise, internationally, it's just like I think we got the fucking sessions idiot still reaching and trying. Well, and it's funny because the China drug czar also agrees with sessions by saying that uh, legal marijuana legalization is to blame for the U.S. opioid crisis. Oh my god, that guy knows what's up. It's like, yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna trust that guy about yeah. what's going on with this. That guy's got that has nothing to do with uh, the fact that everybody who goes in with a broken fucking toe comes out as a junkie now because they overprescribe when you go in right out of the gate and that's what they've been doing and then on top of that you got pill mills going like crazy in southern states and people supplying people with those and then you get those are even those are too expensive and when there's a shortage of those people go to heroin it's pretty fucking obvious you know what i mean and then the heroin is coming in from fucking places that we're supposed to be in control of it's like it's kind of like a really hilarious scenario in the sense of that it's not hilarious in a funny way but it's hilarious <laughs> in the fact that like people don't see it it's kind of like not like hello the reality is that we are totally backing all those things it's yeah that's china yeah. china hasn't really got a grasp on much so right, yeah. definitely so now we're going to take their advice on our local, that's kind of like a who's this through anyway this is through uh, oh, this I got this from. Well, this is off the Associated Press through okay. the cannabis. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I don't. I knew cannabis, but I was saying who, who for real? Who for? I didn't think they yeah, broke yeah. the story, but no, it was the Associated uh, Press, the AP. Interesting. So, well, China, like again, we, they don't have much of a, a good drug policy themselves. I don't think you want to deal with. <laughs> I don't think we want their them in charge of our drug policy in any way, shape, or form. That would be. Oh, yeah, and then Can, uh, California is gonna. Is uh, flip the switch on uh, January first. I know they are. That's yep. well, I guess that is the big news, right? That's that that is the big cannabis. News. So it's it's like a wah, 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 like <laughs> the light goes on and it's gonna be like everyone's gonna be like no lights are on now. It's right. Sorry, I feel sorry for everybody there because the the reality that we've seen here in Colorado is that all it really does is limit the. You limit your freedoms again because you're like now in the situation of like oh okay well these people are going to do it now and you're like well, wait that's not so I think anytime you feel like that's changing because that's happening already in, in places there where you know they're banning outdoor and that's there that's what they do there's no fucking reason to be there if it's banned from outdoors because that's where the climate's perfect so all of a sudden you're like well you're going to set up an indoor operation in the most perfect outdoor climate that doesn't make any sense right and so so some people are dealing with that and then other places i mean obviously had 
fucking fires, and there's just, there's, oh, there we go, Mr. Tuck, welcome, welcome, right on time, how you doing there, Mr. Tuck? Doing okay, how you doing? I'm doing good, it's been a long time, uh, it's, uh, it's great to get you on the show, I got a lot of, uh, feedback from a lot of people, because, uh, your name is still, uh, one of those ones that kind of got stuck in people's minds from years back. And uh, I think a lot of us are reminiscent of the 90s and the, the situations that were happening then. So uh, yeah. right when I said your name, I got, a lot of, I got a lot of feedback from a lot of old friends who were like, well, I haven't heard that name in a long time. And, uh, it made me a cautionary tale. That's why yeah, I you know. I'm kind of like the boogeyman they tell the kids about when the feds stomped on me and that. Right. Well, I mean, did all the books that they did. You know, it's like not many people want to grab that line by the tail. Well, you know, um, like I said, you've gone through some crazy stuff. I was kind of, I mean, vaguely going about it just because I I, I hate to tell stories that I don't. Because back in the day when when we actually met, I was trying to piece it together, and I was like, actually, I think I'd only know if you tell me the date because at the end of the day, I don't even know what dates you were actually there. But I know you were there in like the kind of mid '90s at some point. Yeah, I probably spent 92 to 96 on there off and on a little bit, mm-hmm. um, going back and forth. And uh, I'd say it was around 93 or 94 when we sit down. Yeah, exactly. And when I had my CIA place, I think, and you were... Uh, yeah, that's yeah. exactly what, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, because like pre... So like in 92, I was still working at Sensi, and then in 93, we started the CIA. And then I knew yeah. you were there kind of in those, like, key moments there where it was a little uh, yeah I was hanging out with Richard around 90 and positronics and all that shit bouncing back and forth and uh, I grew up around a lot of weed shit in Kentucky we should say and uh, a lot of my family and people went distantly you know and uh, I consider that and uh, was in the business and uh, so what was the so, so I kind of was so you, to college at a young age and put in thrown into it you know Right, and that was, um, and you were from, uh, were you from Kentucky, or were you from exactly? Kentucky, yes. Yeah, yes, okay, yes. that's I right. grew up in Kentucky. Okay, and um, because we had another guy out there, which um, I'm not sure if you if uh, you remember, there was another, because I was saying earlier, there was a lot of refugees, we had a lot of refugees in Amsterdam, kind of literally in those years where it was like. Oh, yeah, there was crawling over before Canada jumped off. Exactly, and everybody then kind of found, uh, you know, being closer to home, and on top of that, uh, you know, a little more uh, space <laughs> compared to living in Amsterdam with these little tiny apartments exactly. and shit. Yeah. So, um, or trying to get paid by Dutchmen. <laughs> That's the funniest part. My Richard always had a cool joke about that that I always thought was funny. Uh, Callan, uh, that Hotel Wire was invented with two Dutchmen fighting over a penny. And is anybody who's been paid by a Dutchman knows. Uh, yeah. They's quite. They's quite frugal. <laughs> they are. They are, and it's. Um, it is one of those real difficult. Real difficult to, uh, to get your work kind of janked out from underneath you, which happens a lot in Amsterdam, yeah. where people come or get out. paid what you're supposed to. I, that's, I, I always joke with friends here now. That's the one place in the world where I've been told my buds were too big to fit in a bag. The dude wanted money off me. I'm like, wait, what? You know, I'm like, wait, what? Right. You know, I know a few things like that. You know, it's like, wait, what? What the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I remember. I remember that being a complaint sometimes too, where they were like, well, I have all this, and then in the end, you'd show them the actual weight that would come off of it. Yeah, right. you're like, well, look, dude, you know, or they want to sell it wet. They'd be pissed that I would cure their drought because I was always back in into the biggest showing people the difference between 
Yeah. Driving up to smoke in a joint, driving up to smoke in a boat with a blowtorch are actually cured. You know, which there's a lot of difference between those three. Yeah. So actually a couple people, because now I'm getting, you know, I, I uh, had a few people who hit me up and were like, you know, ask them about this and ask them about that. And I was like, okay, well, um, oh, no. you know, <laughs> exactly. Well, no, one of the things people were, I had at least two or three people ask me about the NL lines, um, just yeah. because it, I mean, we, you know, uh, we haven't actually had the full sit down yet with, um, um, the guy from Hawaii that's, uh responsible for the the original lines there um but when you were when you were uh did you get did you get a chance to work with most of the nl2 five and one or uh yeah i tell you the truth i got kind of handed off from a few things around in a certain period when i was doing some educational i got to go to school in europe to uh me being injured in the military and they paid for a lot of my scholarship. Well, I didn't. I got a scholarship. A professor put me into. I actually dodged going to medical school at Yale to go to school in Europe and uh, get uh, some further, you know, uh, advanced degrees in botany and horticulture. And, uh, well, I did. I got to go to school in several different places and teach. And uh, it was really cool. But, uh, you know, the train systems over, as you know, are shit. So every weekend, my ass was in Amsterdam, you know, and... Uh, I was smuggling shit back, you know, with potassium limitations. It's well gone and good by now, but because uh, British people were too chicken shit, man. You know, it, that's what bugs my mind about Europeans, you know. If there's a one in a million chance of going to jail, they're like, fucking, I'm out. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas in America, it's like, ah, fuck, we'll get away with it, you know. Right. I'm like, shit, I got so much metal in me, man. They couldn't see me if they had a damn world powerful uh, X-ray machine. So that's how I ended up seeing the, in the, in the smoking hash and shit, because so I made as much money off bringing that back to my schoolmates as uh, so I probably have anything. That um, little bus from London so to Amsterdam dr- so back dr- and forth. <laughs> so they were wondering if the NL was just a Hindu Kush straight, like a straight Hindu Kush. Uh, it depends on what version of it is. And it's like, this is one of the ones that's like, that's Neville's baby, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know, like, I know. I can't believe y'all. Real, that's one of the people that needs to be on here worshiping. So many people are getting lost by this and not realizing. Well, he's going to be. A lot he, of this shit I had handed on down to me, you know. Right. When I was a little kid, but other people trusted me because they saw that mm-hmm. I was actually going to university and shit like that. You know, it's like, I always tell people, I'm like, right. I'm standing on so many people's shoulders, I can't see a fucking ground. You know, and it's like like Clark's work and reading and studying and learning and mm-hmm. pouring over my life. And, you know, there's a few people out there, you know, it's like, you know, this, like I always, when I teach people, I don't use the wee shit. I actually teach from college textbooks because like I always tell people, people have been growing plants for hundreds of years, way before weed was around. Mm-hmm. It was valuable, very valuable. Orchids, tulips, all kinds of shit. You know, there's been all kinds of booms and busts. Yeah. And all of them have pretty much same requirements, you know, it's this little acronym I learned in grad school, I teach my kids, and it's called C. Hopkins Cafe, managed by my cousin, Michael. That's every element a plant needs in order it needs in this lifetime. Everything else is a game. Right, right. Want to repeat that one more time, just so I can, because I think it broke up a little bit. Uh-huh. C. Hopkins, H-O-P-K-I-N-S, uh-huh. Cafe, C-A-F-E, uh-huh. managed by my cousin, Michael. Gotcha. That's, That's cool. got me through many and many a botany test there, but, <laughs> <laughs> right. but you notice the last one is M-O-C-L, uh-huh. and that's chlorine, and that's where everybody fucks up with these RO filters. 
They have options that see that's another thing. Since that's why I've disappeared. Uh-huh. Since I got bit by the feds on my seed business with Mark and all that shit up north, I fell into a gold mine. And then the feds come to me after they agreed to drop, you know, uh, eight hundred thousand plants on me at eight felony, eight you know, eight serious they were giving me life in prison. Right. And then five years for that taken off to Canada and they're like, Look, motherfucker, if you go away for five years, stay out of the business, what do we do if you quit? And give up all your houses, your bank accounts, everything we see from you, and shut the hell up and stay out of it. So I started working for my boss and then as a consultant since then, and man, I make six figures and draw a paycheck, you know, and then it's like I get taxes now, and I love this, man. I've got a bank account. I'm not fighting with the feds no more. Mm-hmm. I can't overemphasize how much I love the legal environment coming in, up in January. And working for WeedMaps.com mm-hmm. saved my life because I had four bouts of cancer now from the military from getting exposed to Agent Orange after they plopped me on the dirt. And that's where I've been gone. Mm-hmm. And my boss took care of me, man. He took care of my back while I was their science advisor. And that's why most people don't understand. He's like, I'll work for this dude as long as he'll have me. I'll wash his car. You know, and it's like everybody I see all the time cracking on some people that, you know, do this to weed maps. And I'm like, oh, y'all don't understand, man. People like me, they're alive because of this. Mm-hmm. This ain't just like, you know, some of the kids partying shit. It's cool, you know, people see. But there's a lot of other shit like me and some of the best shit I do and mm-hmm. they support me doing and pay me to do that other people don't see. Yeah, no, I think Weed Maps has gotten. I think the the funny thing with a lot of those companies is that they're a lot like how the dot com companies were, where people don't understand what they do, so then they kind of like they see the one side yeah. because the only time they ever kind of understand what's going on is when it's what they understand, which is like a party or a basic kind of thing. But Plus, it's kind <laughs> of a mother company, you know. They hold so many other companies mm-hmm. in that we like, you know, like SC Labs, and I could go on all day long, you know, and that's part of what I do is advise, hey, don't buy that or not a piece of shit or yeah, buy that or yeah. But well, that's a great job. Like, that, that's a great job. That's literally like I tell people, you know, because uh, I, I I always have a, the uh, when I watch other people who are ca- cannabis consultants, right? You know, we were it's a pretty overused word, but I like back in ninety three, yeah, very right, much. Back in ninety three, like I was like printing up cards already that said cannabis consultant, that and then you know, and I still have yeah. copy, copies of those, and it's kind of funny where. Like now, I don't really want to say cannabis consultant because it's kind of like overused. So I always I tell people, you, if, I tell people, if you want to move up, you got to become an advisor because if you're an advisor, then you just sort of it's what you say, and then you're not like that's what I started <laughs> going to science advisor, you know, because I got two <laughs> so, titles. So, so I do like, like you know. no, I like it because I'm not a title guy normally myself either, but I do would like to know at one point if I print something, I wanted to have something on it, right? So um, at yeah. the end, at the end of the day, I was always telling people like, yeah, I think advisors are better angle nowadays because it sounds like plus now it's my turn to make big contributions like they have great big plans now for that's the nurse thing most of these people get ready to blow out and expand on this don't understand i wouldn't be doing a quarter or a, any public of what i'm doing right now if it wasn't a i didn't be totally convinced in my talent and in my staff that i've trained over the years mm-hmm. and b i got dough behind me and that's what it takes if yeah. you ain't got i tell everybody now like if you ain't got dough stay home or stay little you know just don't go don't go there because yeah. What we're doing is trading, paying huge lawyer fees mm-hmm. for giving it to the government up front, you know, really. Yeah. And because I really like my bank account. You know, I really like where I live in Irvine. You know, I love all these things, you know. Right. It's really nice to be treated like a real human being. Uh-huh. That having the gold mine in Canada taught me for the first time in my life. Because right. I grew up, you know, on the wrong side of the traffic, you know, growing weed my whole life. Mm-hmm. So to wear a suit and get to go down in a bank at a president of Tomorrow Dominion's office and get treated like a gentleman. 
I kind of liked it. I mean, it was pretty fucking cool. <laughs> right, right. Well, but uh, it taught me business, you know, and that's what I'm trying to teach some weed people now. Right. Is if you don't know business, we're going to let you squirt through our fingers, and it's all going to end up Monsanto's hands. Well, um, let's jump to uh, the fact that, okay, we got this, we actually got back together on this uh, show because I saw you had posted a thread because uh, you were kind of bitching about some kids who were not understanding some some history. And I was like, well, this is pretty much what half my shows are about anyway. And Yeah, I th- I oh think yeah. It wasn't just the history, it was the genetics. Yeah. It was the fact that they couldn't do what they said they were doing. Just like, you can't take a Northern Life number one plant in a Northern Life number one plant and breed five million seeds together and ever get another true Northern Life number one plant. It just can't fucking happen. Right, right. If you don't have the P1s to make the F1s, which are all 100% alike, which mm-hmm. is, you know, hell, I, got a, I got an old article you should joke about on when you moved here. Mm-hmm. And I told some people then and I posted it on like Facebook or some dumb shit like that. And I'm like, see, there's some pros like me and this dude right here coming. You're going to stomp the shit out of you real easy if you don't get your shit tight, man. I told him that six or seven years ago when you first came up from, mm-hmm. I don't know, I remember. Yeah. You know, I'm like, hey, man, I know this dude, man. I know some other people who are coming here now. We're getting ready to not be playing in a few years. Mm-hmm. And it's coming to that now. You know, I'm watching it come to pass. Yeah, it's interesting because we're both similar in the, in the time frames, uh, but you've uh, kind of taken a completely different road. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, and at the same, I mean, the tornado that, takes you where it takes you, bro, you know? 100%. You know? And, and living in Amsterdam, I was always able to see people in their, in their kind of glory moments, let's say, where they would be like, oh, I'm finally free or I'm finally, you know, well, a- see, able to my just... My stupid ass was sitting in Amsterdam in 96 when uh-huh. 215 passed. And Perone talked me into... Hey, man, why don't you go to Humboldt and open cannabis center? Ain't nobody up there knows what the fuck they're doing, the science we and all that. Right. He's like, I know all kinds of killer growers up there you can meet. And now i got some of the best family and friends in my whole life in Humboldt, you know. But uh, uh-huh. it's like that just opened my mind and my life up to a whole new world. Of, and then from living in Holland and having Kentucky genetics mm-hmm. and then getting access to certain people in Humboldt's genetics who were like third and fourth fucking generation growers as well mm-hmm. is where we started putting together a hillbilly dream seed company. That's where heroin got made. That's yeah. where I ain't the one that made train wrecks and boys of mine did. That's been around forever. Yeah. All we did was took an unstable, cut on me fucking bullshit clone, you know, and turn it into a stabilized seed variety. I mean, that's the big deal. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I can name that about 20 other strains we did. We actually developed 20 other that I thought nobody would ever steal because I gave them such fucked up names. I was like, man, nobody would ever use this name. Right. You know? But they did. It's just that much hype to it, you know? And I'm like, and what gets me is I've helped a dozen seed companies and gave them P1s mm-hmm. and taught them shit. I've even, like, won three cups and not claimed none of it. Said, fuck it, man, you know, half of it was mine. I collaborated because mm-hmm. I either worked for certain companies at the time that were running it or mm-hmm. didn't want to get called to pay all that. Or I wanted to see my boys get to accolades. And i got enough heat for everybody right now, to tell you the truth, man. Sure. I, I blew hash smoke in the drugs are space, man. I mean, that's just about as far as a man wants to push it and not go to prison. And I got tortured like three times over weed in my life. I don't want to go for four. Yeah, well, I mean, Canada is also pretty rough in its sense. Like, if you get in the wrong side of the tracks up there, I'm pretty sure. So it's, uh... Yeah, shit, man. I got a couple of refugee buddies up there got fucking enslaved by the... uh, Hell's Angels? By by the Hell's Angels, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that happens. It's nasty shit, man. I saw it go on down up there. That's what blows my mind. When I was younger, growing up, I thought everybody grew weed was cool. Yeah. And only, you know, coming out here and getting into the professional world and then going to Europe 
Yeah, I see. Well, man, it's a nasty-ass people doing this shit, too. You know, you really got to watch who you fuck with. It's true. It's true. It's like... Uh, you know, it's. I was watch, I was watching one of these shows recently, and I was just showing like the different how the cartels are working, and and you know you were looking at it like, I can't believe they're still shipping that much weed over here. It's like oh, who the fuck's buying all that? You know, because we're we're. we're Shit, from, I know some people shipping it to the cartels, bro. I would imagine so, because I mean they're quality. I got some buddies in Humboldt right now that do outdoor man. It's sitting on like four or five hundred, you know, grows each and whatever and around it. We'll just call it the triangle. They're talking about eight hundred dollar price points this year, I mean, for the funk. Oh yeah. So if some boys ain't ready to play, they better stay home. Uh huh. It's gonna be. It's gonna be. Uh, a, it's definitely getting to that point where uh, prices we never would have imagined. You know what I mean? Like we were like, huh? You know? And and car- I'm ready to go industrial, man. I understand like you price the scale, and I'm also I'm not into the screw top market. Yeah. I want the Dom on for the shatter, for the wax, for mm-hmm. the vape cartridges, for the inhalers, and for uh, only the top 20% of our flyers have already started flyers, and I plan on putting them in box cases and presentation cases. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean... You know, it's just there's so much money and everything else, and indoor, and there's already a market shit. I got people clamoring for our shit right now for leaving, get the damn growth set up. <laughs> well, that's good. If you got people clamoring before you've even built, then should be a uh, should be a no brainer at this point. So yeah, uh, that's what I mean. I just, and my thing is, if we can keep sessions down, so every you, time I get one step further, I want to step a bed and breakfast in a breeding facility and let people come see how it's done and all this shit shared in all But every time I get one step further to get a farm bot or getting it set up or getting investors lined up. Chopper sessions will run their fucking mouth, but ain't a scare them. And they're like, wait a few more minutes. And I'm like, man, I'm 50 years old, bro. I'm not waiting a few more minutes. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's weird because a lot, a lot of people who are just getting in the game because they haven't really ever gotten in trouble before and they don't understand because they see it as a legal market um, are taking risks uh, quickly and also cheaply. You know what I mean? People are coming in undercutting. Oh, yeah, believe me. I've got some federal attorneys that laugh at some people right now. and don't. They think a lot of people mistake not getting busted yet for it being what they're doing okay. You know, and there's a big difference. Well, yeah, and I think if if you, um, especially if you've grown back in the '90s and '80s, and, and you know, throughout uh, the more oppressive years, then and even in Holland, people don't understand. Like in Holland, it was interesting because you could get busted and keep working, but you definitely then were on the map. You know what I mean? And then at a certain point, yeah, you were you like, got taxed too. You got to shit. To, but also uh, in Holland, when I was hard, over yeah. eight like grow was a big grow. Mm-hmm. I know exactly. You know, I run an eight like grow in Amsterdam, and I had people thinking it was huge. I'm like, fuck, man, I had this in my closet in Kentucky. Exactly. No, and I, I, but in Kentucky, every five plants is a felony in your ass is doing five years. So we learn real quick where I'm from. People don't know two yeah. loose lips sink ships. Mm-hmm. So, you know, everybody I've seen get busted has showed their old lady or bragged or showed some girlfriend or had a disgruntled employee. So I tell everybody we're doing this. I'm like, you're living in a world of shit at your bottom lip. That's yeah. a fucking wave, and you're going to get a mouthful. Yeah, I just remembered, actually, earlier I was talking, I was actually going to ask you something, and then right in the middle of the conversation, I was like, oh, yeah, for totally sure, sure. There was a guy named Jim, actually, in Amsterdam that was uh, from Kentucky also that was right around the same time period, around 93, he was there, and he was actually hanging out um, at my spot. Do you, I don't know if you remember this guy. He was redhead with a beard, really tall and skinny, and... Uh, Super. And I'm just was wondering if you'd met him when you were there in in that time because you were there exactly the same time. Yeah, I met him when I was there, and the last time I seen him was about '98. I ain't seen him since. I have no idea if he. There's about a dozen people like that. I'm really curious 
because, you know, there's not a Facebook for growers. You see what I mean? I've worked with over the years, and it's like, you take this gunner and go, hey, man, it's such and such a, in prison, still around, on the down low somewhere, you know, it's like you just catch up when you can, you know? It's yeah, like, I had it a lot, I had it a lot where people would come and go a lot with, especially with Amsterdam, it was like, you know, people would come, they'd be there, and they'd come every year, like a certain time frame, and then all of a sudden they would yeah, not. Yeah, for a week, you know? You know, yeah. and then they would not, and then all of a sudden I'd see them, you know, five years later and they'd be like a oh, totally different person and they'd be like yeah dude I was like oh I got caught with a ecstasy on the plane or something me, <laughs> it was the same way when I lived it. dude I, lived, I worked at Pot TV for four and a half years too and lived up in the Amsterdam cafe there mm-hmm. and it's like the night that I blew hash smoke in John Walter's face there was maybe 200 people in this cafe that night Right. And I bet I've watched 3,000 people claim to have been on social media and other bullshit man and I'm like what's well, fucking physically impossible Right. It's burnt down now, you know, but it was fire and hell. Yeah. It's uh, it, it's funny with a lot of the memories in because we we weren't so uh, <coughs> camera savvy, you know what I mean? It wasn't like everybody had a camera in their pocket, so people got away with no. a lot more. And nowadays, everything's like uh, being taped in 15 different ways. You want to hear something funny? I got a sure. complete box that's huge, full of 35-millimeter film from them days. Really? And I've just now been getting it developed. And awesome. I just now had a roll like two months ago come back. It was the 95 Cannabis Cup. And it had the white rhino and a fucking few things like that in a little booth. And all the Americans walking around staring at it. But I used to make fun of them all. I'm like, dude, I'm here for a part of the year, year around. And it's like, you wouldn't believe how funny it is. Because we all know when the cup is. Because it's like, where the fuck did all the Americans come from? Yeah. Yeah, you know, was, I was, <laughs> you're just like, damn, they just come out of nowhere. You know, like, damn, where do all these rude motherfuckers come from? Yeah, taking over the whole shop and being loud and want to touch everything is basically oh, what it came yeah. down. Yeah, I want to do all kinds of I want to touch right? it. I want to smell it. I want to really like, no, sir. Oh, no, oh, you, you know, can't like, touch can it. Can you split grams? Shit like that. <laughs> right, right. So, um, t- so tell, me, tell us about the heroin because that's actually where we started with the story. And we were, you, I mean, cool. that, that is something that you developed from the ground up. So, was that, it was developed that's for my pe- baby. I put the most work in. I did for me. That right. was one that still, I have, we're going to put back down again. I have an improvement on it, even, and uh, I have the original. We're going to play it back now, too, but uh, I still got... This is what started it, man. It was in a buddy of mine in Humboldt who were named Nameless, who lives in said town, after that other strain. And anyway, that's where Hestrash come from, too. That's a 30-year-old, too. He's been third generation. He's been... He practiced shit off the hippie trail, and he couldn't get none to pop. And I got this little trick that I use. It's called a pressure bomb. And what we do is we use a mayonnaise jar, put a DMSO on it, a couple of hormones I got, and we scarify the seeds just a little bit, and I put an aquarium bubbler through the top on an aquarium stone, and then I silicone around it, and I just use it for positive pressure, not a whole bunch. And the DMSO will carry H2O into long dormant seeds. So I popped some 30-year-old fucking Afghanis. And that was the mother to a whole bunch of this shit, you know, the original one, and that's where... Head stash even was come from, you know, mm-hmm. and there's quite a few along the line. Headband, as a matter of fact, is is a parent as a child of one of these, and that's what I meant. Like after Overgrow blew up, a lot of us big growers just gave a lot of this genetics away and was like, "Here, motherfuckers, don't let the police get it," because that's what was happening. And we're like, "Here, breed with it," you know. So a lot of people just threw a lot of bullshit together. That's why I make fun of everybody now about OG. I'm like, man, fuck, there's no such thing as OG. Show me one seed of OG. It can't be done. Ain't nobody ever going to show me one. I'm like, it's fucking cut only. It's just like, you know, and I know, 
that California Orange was one fucking seed that came up one skunk number one plant. Right. It's called a sport and genetics. Mm-hmm. You know, and just like every pink, pink lemonade or grapefruit in the world came off of one branch off one fucking tree and clones off of it. You know, and that's the way genetics runs, you know. And that's what's happened to a lot of these clone-only strains everybody's passing around. They're just sports. People got out of lottery packs of people breeding F-27s together and praying to God they get a good, you know. And well, we got, we got like... a hundred, right, you might get one. Right now, I mean, if you want to get... I think if you want to get a good OG from seed form, you'd go to Josh D., who's at least, you know, working with the original material, and he's s one Well, they've crossed it a few times. I'll yeah. give you that. You're yeah. right. There's a few people who have bike crossed it a few yeah. times. And he's... And he's have, and he's a worked somewhat in, stable product. Exactly, exactly. And the thing is, it is turning into. But the, you're still liable to get a fucking Hermie. You know, that's of my course. point. With all. I'm like, you're still like, you know, maybe thirty percent likely to get a fucking Hermie out of the best of the lot. But for instance, like you know, like sour is already Hermie on its own, and, and there's other strains that are exactly. already that are already Hermie. So train wreck. That's why train, train, wreck, train wreck. That's why I'm big thing made it. You know, <laughs> I mean, you look at train wreck wrong, and that motherfucker on Hermie. Oh, it's super Hermie. I mean, I've seen that go. I don't even like the buzz, dude. We was passing it along for people with MS. You know, well, the thing about that's the train wreck is it, about train wreck. it was fast. I'll give you that. That was my thing. I was like, wow, that's a really Dude, fast. I got one from South Africa right now. It's a pure sativa. Uh-huh. Come off a cubing, off of a Durban, and another one that will remain nameless because I'm tired of giving recipes away on the internet and on TV. But uh, that will do five fucking weeks. Nut out twice more than that. It's got about 8 9% THCV, 26% THC, and will blow your fucking head off. Tastes well, just like candy. Well, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, I'm it seems to pass like it to some people like you to work with. It seems like African it, next year, you know. Yeah, it seems like African really do carry the THCVs. Uh, ability. I keep seeing it over and over, and we keep finding a couple of them, like the Malawi Cob and mm-hmm. a few others like that, and back crossed on themselves. You can even double the THC, you know, all the THCV thing, you know, as far as that goes in there. Yeah, and it's in the production, it, and and that's a huge I'm a chemical hormone way to interrupt the THC well, cycle. Well, eight percent is huge. Eight percent is huge. I mean, that's like actually the highest I think I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> to be quite honest, well, I got it for my diabetes. Is what I'm working for. It for we call it meals. As a matter of fact, I've never released it to but a few friends. Every yeah. time I've ever grew it, sells out five minutes. Mm. And it's like, it's one of the best tasting sativa. I don't even like sativas, dude. I'm an indica dude. Right. And it's a sativa with an indica buzz, and it tastes like candy. And it's got a couch-like buzz after about 15-minute creeper. So so I was looking over some of your... But uh, it knocks my blood my blood sugar down, excuse me, 50 points every time I smoke a joint of it. Wow. No, that's, that's awesome. Uh, that's something to be looked into very seriously because... Uh, uh, that's what like, a bunch of us are wanting to do now after January, man. That's why we're all praying. You know, piss on the commercial bullshit. I still think there's billions in the medical. Yeah. Well, it hasn't even been scratched yet because the whole thing is everybody's still scared to invest a bunch of money yeah. into it. And you're just like, because they think, they're thinking about, the, now they're seeing the wreck coming into the spotlight. So they're all of a sudden like, oh, wreck, wreck. Well, I wreck. actually had the DEA set my ass down in 2001 in a chair before I went to Canada. and said they was going to, link me to every goddamn grow that they could genetically link to any one of my strains that they found growing in our 8,000 plant grows at the Hand of Cumberland Canvas Center. Really? And That's crazy. that was when my lawyer told me they had an out-of-state judge, or out-of-city judge, put a warrant on me to put me in jail and take my meds away for me to go hide. My stupid ass went to Canada to hide. But, uh, 
Oh well, it's been I mean, a game ever since. At, you know? least, at least you're staying predictable, right? You know, you went to Amsterdam back in yeah. the '90s, then you got to Canada when it opened up, and now you're just like, right. you know, you're doing. You're I doing... got a few friends I follow around who take care of me, man. I stick tight on their heels. <laughs> no, I respect it a lot. And the thing is, I was looking at some of your videos online, and I, I've done the same thing with some of my strains, and it, it is kind of. I, I have to tell people it's hard to describe cannabis on a daily, like because it's a lot of personal information. So you're like, kind of like trying to like, trying to make it sound somewhere that exactly. other people understand yeah. it. And I listened to the yeah. Sage one again, because I listened to the Sage one before and I was like, oh, okay, well, this is cool. This is, uh, let me, let me see what this fucking guy is talking about. And then I was like, oh yeah, I remember Steve. And this is a while ago that I saw the video. And then I looked at it last night because I was like, oh, better, better double check and see what, where I can hit him on. And I was like, eh, you know, actually, this is this is definitely spoken from a person who grew it, not from a person who's uh, talking about it because of something they read. And they, and, and and you hit. Oh the, yeah, I read somebody else's shit about it. And, and then, that's what and, I hate too. And then I, and then I and then I read about people's shit they've read. Well, then I read the then I read the, the all the different people's reviews or, or different comments underneath it. And there was like one guy who was like, this guy doesn't know shit. And then the next guy was all, this guy doesn't know Adam Dunn, blah, 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 blah. And I was just like, wow, these people are like super hating and not. Dude, they hate my guts, dude. And I, I got was like, some haters. And what I was it like, is, is my boss tells me jokes with me. That's why I don't do more YouTube videos. I'm a Kentucky redneck. Yeah. I got thin skin, man. Where I come from, people just don't talk about people like that by getting their ass kicked. You know, I kind of want to. I, I used to joke, I was going to pull a Jay and Silent Bob, man. Yeah. I'm going to trace some of these damn IPs and I'll just go stomp some ass on their porch. You know, my boss laughs at me. He said, man, just quit reading this shit, man. He said, they're just little internet haters. Just getting the... He said, when you were doing your shit, these dudes wouldn't even masturbate. Man, he said, fuck it, man. Don't think about it. Mm. No, and it's it's one of the first things you learn about from our generation is like, just don't even feed into it because we're not as quick on the type we're not as quick with our thumbs and we're not as quick to fucking sit there and waste other people's time because people just want to oh, get yeah, they want to get your work to do. I'm not going to argue well it. they want to get your work that's what gets me about people whose whole identity is around some of the strangeness well, well, I'm like look dude do something else mm-hmm. I mean that can't be your whole fucking claim to fame is because you did this or that or whatever I'm like what the fuck have you done since then or Mm-hmm. I mean, who else's jock are you hanging off of? Right. I mean, the thing is, and, and breeding is a, is a never-ending thing. It's one of those deals where you're just hanging on to what you're hanging on to, and you're moving ahead. Oh, yeah. And you can't... You and can't... I give credit to the people. I give shit, man, like Neville and all kinds of people. Man, dude, the Cedro, man, there's so many... I, I, I can name a hundred names, but I just don't think the dudes want their names named. You know what I'm saying? It's like, that's my point. I always get into it with other people. I'm like... You know, I could tell you off right now about pretty much the drastness, you know, about a double dozen people who I, I, I might be busted and my name's out there, but I don't think they want to be. Yeah, and, you know, that was the key to staying uh, alive back in the day was to stay anonymous, but at the same time, you kind of wanted to create a, a reputation so people understood yeah. that you, you put out quality. Uh, you know, when, so when you were in the certain, like, let's just go way back in time. We might as well. we got time to kill. Um sure. When you go way back into your uh, injuries that you received, bef- let's say when you were at your healthy, before, before you ever got injured, what, 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 just as right before you went to service? or uh, Yeah, before I went to service. And uh, so you went in uh, to the, what, kind of give us the whole history of that. What, what was the reason for going in the first place? And, and, I caught uh, growing pot, man. It was some people in my family or people around me and uh, was given ye old choice, like, I always tell people I got drafted in the military and I just chose to like volunteer for some other shit. Right. Because uh, I got told, 
you're going to military, you can go to prison when you want, but you're going somewhere. So Gotcha. So, and I'd been like putting some horrific juvenile bullshit over weed as a kid. So I'd already been there, done that, when I go play no more. And right. When I got hurt in the military, you know, uh, they paid for me to go to school. So that was the only reason I kept getting to go for so many years and shit and go back and do all the other shit. You know, and I'd, so I started college for some 15 years old at Western. And then, and then, uh, in the military, like, I mean, you obviously had to go in for, uh, to avoid prison, which is, which is probably what a lot of people would do because it's, it doesn't sound as yeah, bad, but pays better, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but although in hindsight, I'm not so sure I made the right decision. Right. Well, did you, uh, so, so tell us about the injuries received. I just got a bad jump on a parachute accident. Smacked the ground doing big fat, and I went to Walter Reed for about a year after that. Uh-huh. And then, after about two years after I got out of all that bullshit and got back on my feet again, me and my brother-in-law was building some houses and doing a little framing on roofs, and uh, he had a car wreck, put the car nine times bumper to bumper, and threw me out the window, broke my fucking back again, caved my head in. So it was like a double whammy wound, too. Right. And, and then... Um... So did you? So I mean, this is what this is like the early '90s, or yeah. And uh, so compared to nowadays, what, what was the medical? What, what did you end up? Did you end up? Uh, look on my Facebook page and look at all those damn pictures of X-rays on there, full of metal. That's my spine, dude. I got 32 screws in my spine as big as your little middle finger, holding it together, front and back. Wow, that's crazy. And steel plates. And I spent a long time in a wheelchair. And I'm walking now. And uh, just because I'm honoring, I wouldn't give up. And I had a pretty cool old lady at the time who wouldn't give up on me and kept my ass moving. That's a lot. Of, that's a lot to deal with um, and still maintain growth because, as we all know, growing is fucking strenuous as hell. So you that's the problem. Most of these videos you're talking about are. I had me fucking doctors at the time. See that when I came back from Canada, I had no insurance. That's what nobody gets, man. They took my disability away. I was 100% disabled from the military. And because I couldn't make a fucking physical in Canada, they canceled every bit of that. So then they put child support on me. Then they turned a bunch of my college grants into loans. And then they canceled all my insurance. So my cancer that I was getting treated for in Canada didn't get operated on until 2005 from 2010. I mean, 2015 is when it got operated on. From wow. 2005 when they grabbed me. It's Ten years? And it pisses me the hell off, man. Hell yeah, because I got real insurance with my company now. Before I could get my cancer shit, took out my prostate, my bladder, and my there. Then it turned into my pancreas and my liver. It was a mess. It took my gallbladder out. And it pisses me the hell off, man, because I told the American people they was going to do this to me over weed, and they didn't believe me, and they thought I was bullshitting, and they did it to me. And all these night days, because I'm on your motherfucker. Right. Um, so you have... Uh Going like during this whole time period, have you had uh, you, you have a, a significant partner that works with you, or you have? Uh, had I did for years until after Canada bullshit. She tapped out, man. After the government dumped her panties in the dirt enough times, I think she's had enough. Right. And I don't really blame her. Yeah. She ain't leaving Kentucky, and the last time I visited her in Kentucky, the head of Kentucky Marijuana Eradication landed a helicopter in her yard to bust me with a half ounce of marijuana put me in a fucking jail in Kentucky and called my mom at 1 o'clock in the morning when I had a heart attack for him taking my meds away. Tell my 70-year-old mom she better drive down there and pick me the fuck up so they don't want to have to pay the hospital bill. 
in Elizabethtown, Kentucky. And then I was a week and a half in the hospital. And then they made Justin, my boss, pay him $12,500 for me to come back to California alive. And he said, I can't go back to Kentucky until them motherfuckers crawl out of the cave and get some brain. That's some nuts shit. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is, like, people... Uh, Dude, they landed a helicopter in their yard 40 miles from town, man. I heard it around outside. I never dreamed. I just blew a joint. There was little kids around. They threatened to take my stepdaughter's cake kids if I didn't give my weed. I had a half ounce of fucking pot, man. That's crazy. This purple that. weed from Cali. They tried to tell me they was going to put me in jail. They made me do three weekends. I didn't want to have a heart attack. That's nuts for for a half ounce of weed to bring a helicopter. I mean, that's well, like that. Well, what blows my mind is three years before that, man, I was in Kentucky and got stabbed by a dude over some dumb shit at a party, and the fucking cop at this same state, a different state trooper at the Harbor, at Harbor Memorial Hospital, handed me an ounce, ounce of pot in my pipe back. So I kind of assumed back then because I had a script that was going to be cool about it. But obviously something's changed because. So I was invited to come talk to the legislature there day in Kentucky, and I'm like, only on assurances of safety. Yeah, I mean, it's like uh, Kentucky doesn't sound like your spot anymore, for sure, to be hanging out. They don't like me, but no, they don't like me, bro. I think, I think you've worn, your, worn that welcome out. That's where all my family is, you know, shit, man. You want to see your family. Yeah. Um, so back when you were growing before... Uh, before you went to Europe and stuff, where did you acquire all your genetics from? Did you, I mean, did, was it local stabilized stuff that was coming out of Kentucky or was it, uh, were you bringing in, did you have I had other? some hillbilly send me to Europe. I had some shit from local. I had, I had some people who were a lot older than me that was like, hey man, he's the brains, let him do this shit because I was into, I was a geek of the bunch. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of putting, sorry, so they even sent my little young ass out of Mexico one time for another kid to grow weed for a little while. So I had to call somebody in the middle of the night and be like, they're going to cut my head off with a machete because I cut all the males down. They said I killed a machismo at a crop. So I took a midnight plane back to Kentucky. And I'm like, man, I can't deal with this shit, dude. Right. Um, so as far as land race and stuff, it was kind of like... Uh just good, just did good product that came through at different times, or I mean, because I mean, the whole time I was in the military, I was doing some cool. We won't talk about shit. I was collecting shit then. Mm-hmm. I was. Uh, I have a lot of shit from Central and South America as well. Nice. And I had some friends that was in there that collected Africa for me while they were there. That's the beauty of being military and helping vets. Man, I can make a phone call and get anything collected, dude. Anywhere. It's just because people don't realize we have fucking soldiers in every country in the goddamn world but five. Right. It's true. I had a friend of mine who's uh, who's uh, doing time now, but he was uh, using his military uh, ability to maneuver uh, things exactly. everywhere for years, and it was one of those guys who right. just like like anything you wanted anywhere, it didn't matter, he could make it happen just because of that. You know, and I was like, damn. Like I had a buddy that literally mailed a fucking Humvee home, man. I tell people that all the time joking. I'm like... You know, he's going to show me anything could be done if he got bothered enough to do it. You know, that's an old cliche joke, but I really watched this motherfucker when they first come out Mellow Humvee home, man. That's I was nuts. like, yo, and I was like, you're going to jail forever. Yeah. And we had another dude in basic training, man, had 12 M16s under his fucking bunk, man. They didn't even know it, man. CID come got him. They ain't not two on the ball. <laughs> right, like obviously. <laughs> you know, man. Well, and of course, I don't know what homie thought he was going to do with him, but he had him. Uh, that's wacky. 
It's wacky. So um, going back to those videos, because I know uh, I had another guy who was calling, who, who said he was going to call in, because uh, he was, because he was, and, and it was actually funny, because it was only, I, I didn't have much time, so I looked at the Sage one, and then I was like, oh, let me check out this chem dog one, and I was like, well, that was not much there, just pretty much. Obviously, you never had much yeah, access to. Yeah, I tell you the truth, I really didn't want to fuck with them right at the time. I was going through Xanax, mm-hmm. and I was coming. I would withdraw on purpose on my own. So right. I had a bunch of doctors who had me on high amounts because my legs were paralyzed. Well, it was. Stevie got tired of it and it stopped working on me. So, and my, I was like, you know, not in the best frame of mind during all that series as it was. Well, that's funny. Funny to hear, but I'm sure at the same time, uh, you probably came across some different chem dog. Uh, Varieties in that's what pot. my point was when the dude asked me, but it wasn't on film. You don't get mm-hmm. is it? I'm like, which one are you talking about? Right, I'm like, I know a dozen of them and a dozen different people claim, you know. And I'm like, I'm like, what's Grateful Dead likely talking about, bro? Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, man, because I lived in Humboldt, I've yeah. been through, dude, I've been through every goddamn fucking hippie, vegan, vegetarian argument in the whole gender, you know, in the whole world because I work with hippies and I'm a hillbilly. Well, we have and a. I see a lot of good to their shit. You see what I'm saying? I'm one of the people. I'm fifty-fifty hippie. We have. A, but I still won't go full hippie, man. You know, I won't go full hippie, man. We have a we have a breeder. <laughs> we have a breeder, Duke Diamond, who uh, is skunk VA, who you might know yeah. of, and he uh, yeah. he's he, he's part of that whole chem sort of family as far as like you know he's keeping that thing going for for years, and. Um, it's pretty distinct. I mean, well, I always like, joke with people, man. Just find a scene in the bag of weed. Throw that motherfucker away. Ain't nobody put that there on purpose. And that means there's Hermie in it. If there's Hermie in a plant, this is what drives me insane about people growing fucking female seeds, man. Me and three other botanists at the time, me and Mel and a few other people, showed some people how to do that to save it if you were getting busted, how to save a strain yeah. in emergency. Right. It was never meant to be a marketing ploy. Uh-huh. It was never meant to be sold as female seeds. That was the biggest joke of them all. Is clowns are paying double to get fucking Hermione. And you know what I know. If you've got a fucking thousand light grow, what do you think five Hermes are going to do to all the plants? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, if you, you, know? if you want seed, you want to start a seed company, I guess. <laughs> that's what you I do. Well, that's the problem with growing from Hermione, though. Then you're going to be handing out everybody in the fucking country Hermes, and they're not going to be happy. Right. No, it is. It, it is uh, cats out of the bag, unfortunately, with a lot of uh, a lot of strains out there because of the fact that people are working just between pack to pack of whatever they've got, and it's like, okay, well, yeah, we definitely. Yeah, I, I try to tell people unless they're maintaining chrome lines and, and at least of, of of the normal P ones or original genetics, or you crossbred it some bitch a million times like skunk number one and finally got it true breeding almost. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a joke to say. It's anything more you're selling a lottery ticket. That, that's what I tell people. I'm saying, I always tell them, like, man, you should say this was bred with some really good shit. Because mm-hmm. that's pretty much what you're saying. Well, I mean, you know, it's before... 57, you might get the funk, you might get a Hermie, you uh-huh. might get some bonk. Who fucking knows, you know? Right. Well, I mean, before the names were, like, more interesting, it was kind of like labels on, like, you kind of just knew what was good, so you kind of went in one certain pile, and it was like, at the end of the day, like a lot of our stuff from from NorCal was just like a X or a double X or a triple X, you know what I mean? And that was pretty much all we needed. Well, see, so. a lot of that's my fault. That's because I refused to play the name game for a while. I was even going to take it to the point where I was teaching a bunch of breeders up there to go alphanumerical. We got root squashes and shit like that of a bunch of these strains that we've kept from the nineties, uh-huh. and I showed them how to make them gel astrophrasis, where you can get DNA prints and all that shit on the cheapo. Uh-huh. And where we can at least show prior use later 
yeah. some of these idiots try to rip off our strings. I'm like, you can have the name. Mm-hmm. The strings ours, you know. Right. You call it Big Mac all you want, motherfucker, but it don't mean it's a Big Mac. Mm-hmm. Well, it is getting and, to that point where you have to put your own markers in or, or you have to do something and, and prove, you know, have something on exactly. file. Exactly. And I got poor boy patents on about 400 strings. I'm willing to take the court. I don't care. Mm-hmm. That's just like when Dr. Small came to me. Mm-hmm. For health Canada genetics, man, because they didn't realize back then they were they were within a week of that getting taken away from them by the court. And he's the dude that wrote the book on cannabis botany. I mean, that's who Rob Clark learned from. So he was the truth, bro. Look at his book, see who he credits, Doctor Ernie Small. Mm-hmm. And when Doctor Small calls you and asks for genetics, you don't be, you don't live anywhere around. You know, now he's he's like the minister of agriculture now in Canada. He promised me, said, man, he said, you give me these, and I'll make sure they help people. Because he said I had five hundred strains, and Trudeau took them. He said, if I get my hands on them again, nobody will ever take them. He said, you have the chance right now to put every one of your strains beyond the chance that a pig's ever taking any more from you. This was after my ace raiding Humboldt. Mm-hmm. So I took a million dollars worth of seeds, man. I took about 58,000 seeds to Canada. And I begged Mark Emery in front of Richard Cowan to match me. Please match me, Mark. If you match me when they take you to court, you fucking got them. Because they came to us and needed these, and we gave them in the time of their need, and they were going to lose their entire program, and we was going to be declared legal. And this is everybody bitched at me at the time. I went, you helped them out. And I went, no, what I did was I got 400 strains now instead of you misses bullshit that can be uh, fucking uh, researched on. We're no longer researching pipe tobacco. And that's what nobody got, you know, was that I had to turn them through the thesis to get them to them. And they actually let me in Canada without... Zero of an ID. I had a fucking pot license is what got me in Canada and a code word with 50,000 plus seeds. Wow. And uh, those genetics are still alive or, or someone's holding Oh, yeah. Hell, yeah. Dr. Small said he'd never turn them loose, dude. Mm-hmm. He said they're in perpetuity, dude. He said they'll be there forever. And we were worried about GW trying to own the market then because he went to GW first and they told him to bite one. He went to Mark and said, fuck it, if you want mine, you'll ask for it publicly. And I'm like, well, fuck it, I'll give them to you. Mm-hmm. So I drove them on my own dollar from Humboldt to Canada and then flew them to his ass. Yeah, well... Uh... And he promised me I could live in Canada for the rest of my life. I found a gold mine, thought I was rich, told everybody to bite my ass in the weed world, woke up in the hospital with a DA just standing all around with guns pointed at me going, you want to come here, son? Yeah, and they pulled you out of your, actually out of your uh, hospital room? I was in pre-op, dude. I was in pre-op. I was not in the hospital. I was in pre-op. Yeah. You know, to get my prostate operated on in October of 2005 that I didn't get operated on until March of 2015. That's how long. And you know what the VA did for me for, for prostate cancer? They gave me a year's with an antibiotic. Man, it's a cool of and, and then they uh, literally... Drove you to the border, you said, also? and then Yeah, yeah. drove me to the border at 120 miles an hour with Richard Cowan and a carload of lawyers following me with a court order saying I could stay in Canada for the rest of my life. And by the time they got me to the border, they handed me to the DEA and it was boom, boom, fuck you, and then Normal and Matt, a couple other people got me, Douglas Hyatt, and a bunch of other lawyers, and old Dougie Poo, got old Stevie Poo out of jail because I was smart enough to get offered in Canada a chance to go to Denmark. And I was smart enough to turn it down and go, nah, fuck it, man. If I can't stand Canada, y'all won't let me do this. And they tried to grab me. I went, I ain't going, I'll just go home, whatever, and face it. And I played that back to him in court. And I had a federal judge who was sympathetic to my causes for reasons of his own. Uh-huh. Who, uh, 
pulled the deal with me that she did of five years probation and be out of the public eye. No more CDs for like eight years or whatever their probation duration is. And so I pretty much just had to be a good boy for a while. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's uh, crazy when you get to that level where they're, you know, obviously thrown, because that's the whole thing, is that they're gonna, always going to throw. Dude, they threw my ass in C-Tac Federal Lockup, man, with fucking gangbangers and Al-Qaeda. I hear all this dude in Al-Qaeda's fucking prayer book, like, prayer. And I was on TV while I was in Federal Lockup, they cheered me, man. I never been, I never felt like a hero in jail before. It was just a cool experience. You should try it, man. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it, but it's really cool. Yeah, well, But, uh, man, only through all the heat. And they had, they played jail tag with me for two weeks after that. They got so many phone calls from some supporters. And it was only that kind of shit that got me from being, like, I don't have no feelings. I got misdemeanors. But, uh, right. after talking and shit with you and Poet now, <laughs> I have to see about my travel abilities next time I go to Spain. <laughs> So how long did that last? How long were you in lockup then? Oh, shit. About three weeks, man, before Dougie got me out of jail, man. I was in fucking about to die from a draw. And uh, Dr. Chanel Agarwal, you've probably heard of him, I'm sure. He took me into his custody and let me live with him for a couple of weeks while they fed. You got it all worked out for me to go back to Humboldt. To get a $420 fine for a misdemeanor failure to appear for eight felonies that were dismissed. You yeah. like that? You ever heard of that? That's pretty classic, right? They were, yeah, I thought it was cute. Somebody, somebody, you know, somebody, I was going to say. $20 sign. Yeah, I was going to say, somebody, somebody thought it was cute, so at least, at least you might. It was a humbug judge, bro. You know, it was a humbug judge. Right. Man, He's know? like, well, come up with a number. <laughs> Not too much. He came up with that one on his own. He's like. Yeah. He's like, well, I get in $420 fine. Failure to appear. Yeah. He said, you can't. He said, yeah, I'm going to see you on the fucking internet for five or six years later. Right. I'm like, yes, sir. Because, you know, I mean, once you had the shit stomped out of you, man, you don't want it again. I promise any backer thinks they're cool and tough right now listening. You just ain't had the shit stomped out of you yet. Because when we run the Humboldt Canvas Center, man, I had a buddy who, I mean, he's the king of Humboldt, man. They made him watch the sheriff's cars, man. And he almost went to prison. And we had another buddy who was our security officer, and they caught him in a compromising position. And he had to do five and four of them my asses in Canada. And, uh, man, these motherfuckers ain't playing, dude. It blew my mind. The police will break the law to bust your ass if they're pissed. Because they wanted to pay off. We wasn't the thing we had to give. And we didn't understand it. We had a local cop protecting us, male. And when he went away and retired was when it all got squishy and squashy. And uh, we didn't understand how politics worked until that moment of revelation when uh, everything goes to shit. Right. Oh, yeah, it's always... Then you start to go put the dots together, right? Like, yeah, oh. it's crystal fucking clear right here, <laughs> man, you know? You're like, oh, the stomach, once the stomach drops, you know you figured it out, right? You're like, fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, oh, shit, man. Now I figured it out. Great. It's <laughs> like when I lived on an island with some buddies in Canada and was growing for Mark, and uh, I told Mark, man, we lived on an island for a year up mm-hmm. in B.C., and uh, we had to take a ferry two hours to get to it, and I lived an hour drive from that, and it's the middle of this road. And I saw a cop at the end of my driveway three days in a row, man. I told Mark, you know, I'm like, bro, I'm going to get busted, man. You're fucking surveilling me. And he's like, oh, you're a pussy, man. You're jumping from being busted. And I'm like, no, I'm professional. And I ain't playing with you. And he's like, you tear it, grow down, I'll destroy you. And I'm like, my fucker, you come here and say it's yours, or I'm cutting it down tonight. And I did. And I, next morning, I buried it on everything. And next morning, I woke up to a fucking laser light show, man. Right. And I told him, he got mad. We got the big fight over it. But I told him, I was like, fuck you, man. I, you wasn't going to jail for it. I was. I mean, I'm already a refugee. You think I really want to 
stick my dick in that fucking grinder. And how, and how did that end up working out? Oh, I went to jail for quite a few days till John Connolly got me out. He's a cool person. He's a good man. Between so, Weed Maps and John Conroy and Douglas Hyatt, man, there's some good God's people out there in this movement, man. It saved my ass in my life. Normal. I tell you the truth, I'm not even real big on the leader MPP, but I'll even give MPP a shout out for some help, man. Me and Campy is not exactly buddies, but whatever. Right, but you've had a, We're yeah, all you've in definitely the war together, you know. You've definitely had the uh, the cat of nine lives of cannabis go- award kind of thing going on for a long time. Uh, oh, dog! I started mine at thirteen years old. I spent thir- by thirteen years old listening to John Prine's Christmas in Prison, locked up Green River Boys Camp, worse than any adult jail or prison I ever thought about being put in. With a buddy smoking a joint, whose mother Harold Durham, whose mother from Estill County, Kentucky, whose mom smuggled a joint in for us. And we sit outside on Fire Garden, smoked a joint, listened to John Prime's Christmas in Prison, and cried. And I experienced a true human moment, man. It was cool as fuck, man. Me and another platonic new deal, you know. It was like, right. we just both understood. We were fucked, and it was a bad deal. And yeah. The world was a shitty place, and we just made it a little bit better. That's awesome. And then that's, uh, that is the classic cannabis sort of moment there. Right? So that's yeah. sure that'll be forever ingrained and uh so now that you're at least got some good people i told john prine that one night at a concert man he thought it was funny i think it's great um so you uh are in a better place now at least with you got some good people around you it sounds like dude i'm in heaven man i'm off all the dope Mm -hmm. i've got to spend the last three or four years getting operations all my health is back on track my mind's at 150 percent I'm better than I was in 90. That's good. For the first time in my life now, all my education is coming together. From the mind, to the chemistry, to the botany, to the horticulture, mm-hmm. it's starting to flow and I see it, man. Like ways to make redundant ways of efficiencies, like mm-hmm. using solar power to feed into underground shit for free CO2. I mean, that's where the future is going to be about all this shit. Because all these fools rushing out to the desert just because they got a fucking permit are not got a long-term plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be. They think they're going to be efficient, you know. Sustainability. Just like I tell all my buddies out in Humboldt, you come up with a way to paint CO two on a plant, and I'll make you a billionaire. Well, right now, efficiency is like the key when it comes to large scale growing, just because people are are over are getting bigger and bigger. You know, it's turning into. Well, you know, the problem is, is everybody grew a four life growth and bullshit their brother in law a million dollars. That's what I'm joking with a bunch of people down there. They better be fully funded. Yeah. All they're going to give me gear ten cents on the dollar. I'll be glad to take it. Yeah, well, no, it is now getting to the point where uh, you got to see the money first because there's so much, uh, so many people. Well, the Michael Butenau is what burns my ass, man. The, 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 this big scandal with this fucking Eagle and Nova shit. These dumbass kids have uh, fucking done these cartridges and they don't understand in the shatter. Mm-hmm. And there's this mold's problem. And if you spray, if you don't have a mold system set in, it's not chemical then you're going to be spraying these pet motorcycles on there. And they got sign out of them, and you can eat them is what these kids think, you know, but they don't understand when you burn them, it turns into sodium cyanide. And that's the shit they use in the gas chamber, using cancer. Uh-huh. And, it's a, you know, when you concentrate it, it gets further concentrated to the point of being poisonous. Uh-huh. And that's, uh, I mean, that is actually like some of the stuff now that people 
are start because that's like, like concentrates are concentrating everything, right? I mean, they're concentrating the good. Yeah, and the you're getting hit at all, man. And that's another thing about chemicals and chemistry. You're talking about kids at high school diploma playing like they have fucking doctorates in chemistry, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, bro, wait a minute, I got eight years of that, and I'm not that sure of that. <laughs> wait, wait a minute now, because I know most of the people who play that game. I was in Florida for a while when it was happening, and in BC too. You know, so we was making honey oil in fucking eighties out of ether. You know, so this has been not the first. Rodeo, you know. Mm-hmm. And how is and how is ether as a as a solvent? That's not bad if you can reflux it. If you understand how to reflux something, any of them will work. Mm-hmm. I don't like using uh, the damn bullshit Rick Simpson uses. But right. other than that, I think well, all of them are pretty much equal, except for butane. Isn't he is using the he, easiest of all he, because? Yeah, he's using some. Uh, he's using the. Uh, hexane, bullshit, yeah, whatever, exactly. you know, yeah. 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 NAPSA. NAPSA, exactly. It's even worse than hexane, you know, I'm actually even worse than hexane, right? Yeah. And it's like, but it's carcinogenic as fuck. But I'm like, man, that's funny, you're going to cure cancer with a carcinogenic. Way to go, bro. <laughs> I'm well, like, nice shot, Well, the crazy part about it, and I tell people, is like, look. But you can safe. The fact that it actually works, though, because you have seen uh, Rick Simpson it'll work, it just shows you the yeah. power of cannabis. Like even through the poison, it's still working. You know, what I mean, it's like even through I that poison. Agree more. That's what that's what I tell everybody all the time. Yeah. Not just Rick Simpson shit, but a million dumbasses I know yeah. who I've watched do a million dumbass things to weed and make and it. The fact that it ain't killed nobody yet, you know, it's like a miracle. And sometimes it works even. Me better. and Micaria used to laugh about this. Me and Todd, Doctor Todd Micaria, we worked together for years. Yeah. We used to laugh our ass off about this about how many bathtub gin motherfuckers if it's with alcohol would have done like. And then people, I'm thank God he didn't live long enough to watch everybody start blowing the fucking neighborhood up. Who's that? Doctor Todd McCurry. Oh right, okay, yeah. He passed right. away. He passed away before that phenomenon become popular. Yeah, well, I mean, now of course, uh, yeah, like you said, a lot of people blowing their places up. That's kind of com- like right now. If you hear of an explosion, you're just like, I guarantee you that that was a fucking hash lab. Oh, and then, and then like two I'm days like, later, no, you'll hear no. it was a hash lab in a van. You're like, or in a truck, you know, and you'd be like, of course it the was. The only reason you've never seen me doing a video is shit about that, man. I got so many buddies that do it, want me to do it. I'm like, hell no. I'm like, I've done that too many videos in the past telling people steps and they'll skip one, fuck something up and blame me. And I'm like, I done taught this one to some people at Humbuck one and this buddy of mine's fucking nephew or some shit like that, his brother-in-law, he got lived in a duplex like shit back in 2006, 7, and he bought the whole fucking duplex up and did five and four some over it, but them dumbasses was blowing leaves and PVC pipes. I'm like, man, y'all fucking tarted it. This is what got my boy. He actually left the garage for an empty can, so his crib went from the fucking pot light on the, you know, that hot water heater. His garage went... Poor little kid next door got third degree burns and it kills my buddy, man, because he's you not know, hurting, but you know. Well, you know, Neville. It hurt his kid, too, you know. Yeah, you know, Neville blew himself up, too, doing a, a lab one time. Yeah, so. I mean, all kinds of people have, man. It's like, it's, you know, that's what I tell people. I'm like, it's one thing to know one thing, it's another to know another. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, it's when you're working with, uh, you know, some serious things, it's like you, you take that risk and. It, even you when you don't you're, do it in the house or have a damn hood. Yeah, well, definitely, definitely try to do it outside if possible. But then at the same time, you know how it is. The more people get relaxed about it, then the more chances almost there are is an accident. So I think when the people who are like overcautious because they're you know really like not very experienced. Oh, I don't know. But sometimes see, that's my thing is I learned this in college and I got the caution drums in my head. 
Yeah. And that's one thing I always joke with people on Richard. A bunch of people I work with do is like, man, you know how to do this shit, but Sting stupid ass went to college for 12 years to do this. I had at least two people you know, recently. Like, I, had, I had two people recently tell me that, like, they wanted to tell me just really on the sly, like, yeah, you know, <clears throat> had a little problem, you know, and I'm like, really? And they just, like, didn't really want to tell anybody, but, you know, almost blew the place up. <laughs> it's like, it's a lot of yeah, those, like, because there's a lot of, quit. well, there's a lot of almost, you know what I mean? And the thing is, people, oh, what do you mean? Uh, everybody in the business has got some almost if they want to be truthful about it, man. Of That's course. like dude sitting there telling you they ain't their sleepless fat girl, you know. <laughs> but when it comes to uh, producing oil and stuff, we've had a few explosions here, uh, obviously, because Colorado's pretty pretty hot on that one. Uh, and oh, well, I lived in Aurora when a few of them was popping off a few years ago. My host, I was around. Uh-huh. So Giddy Up was living with me when that was going on. Now Kenny lived with me, Kenny Constalis, Giddy Up, a bunch of motherfuckers lived with me mm-hmm. when they were making the Obey Dogs and all that shit, so. I was around it. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's interesting because you you definitely ride ride that cannabis wave as a lot of us do. Uh, oh yeah. Pick the hot spots, you know what I mean, and then when they get a little bit cold, move on to the next. Canada Canada's definitely been in a weird situation too, because I mean, up there you were kind of like uh, seeing the ins and outs of potential legalization, and then the fact that it's taken so long for them to actually come up with a real plan, you know what I mean? Now it's still not really. Exactly. It's like kind of... Also, a- getting to know all my heroes, man, it's really led me down to earth to... We're all just people. Like I joke with everybody, I'm like, man, there's no such thing as great men. Great mm-hmm. times make great men. That's all. You rise to the occasion or you fall by the wayside. There ain't no difference. There's no cool people. I'm tired of hero worshiping this goddamn business. I won't let people do it to me and I won't do it to another man. Right. Or a woman. You know what I mean? And that's another thing. I'm tired of goddamn... Dudes thinking that we can all do this. So we need to bring more women into this shit, man. But we need it at intellectual levels. I'm tired of them coming in because of their cup size, man. I want to see some chicks with some brains come in. It's I can teach them grow that want to grow. Yeah, it's definitely a male-dominated uh, industry by far. And uh, I'm tired of testosterone, man. I'm sick of it. And I don't think it is. I don't think it is when it when it breaks down to actual people who smoke. Because I think when it comes down to it, it seems like everybody gets weed and if they have a girlfriend or a wife they're getting weed and she, it, she, it's kind of for her in the end of the day you know what I mean they're like yeah I just yeah, get, I get what she likes you know most dudes are rich that's just like when we ran the Humboldt Cannabis Center we let me and four other big dudes we all changed our ego in and let my ex run it we let her front it and everything just so none of us could say hey I'm the big dog you know what I mean because uh, we, didn't want, we didn't want that vibe on it man. we wanted a woman's touch you know and she ran clean books no, you definitely, it's great to have uh, women on board 100%, and for a lot of reasons, I mean, for the fact that they are usually more organized than we are, because we're just usually all over the place, like... I well, she used to run a big life before, so she totally understood management bullshit, how to keep books, mm-hmm. inventory, you know, what what shrink meant, what, all that good shit, you know, and she taught us all, man, because we was all dope growers, you know? Yeah, we didn't give a fuck, shrinks nothing, you know, we didn't grow some more next year, but not in the business, it ain't. Yeah, and uh, at the same time, gives anytime you have a, a sort of companion, it doesn't matter who it is, just having somebody else who understands what you're doing and can be on point with you a little bit when it comes to growing. Cause oh, some, definitely. A compatriot, man. It's definitely watch your back. Yeah, and also just because uh, it, it's really hard as a one-man show to try to do anything. And 
I don't recommend it. <laughs> so when no, you have a partner, me, yeah. when you have a partner, it's sometimes easier when you're a couple, just because you can actually then yeah. trust them that much more. Yeah. Um, I got it, a job opening for that position. If there's any hotties out there that's wanting to apply, but at the same time, but <laughs> they, at the same time, you run the risk of having the classic where you're like. Uh, Oh shit! And now she knows about all that. <laughs> you know what I mean? So well, you gotta... now, I ain't even worried about that. My problem is, is where I live in Southern California, man. All these chicks I know want to grow her. They don't give a shit about nothing else. Mm-hmm. Honestly, you got just that income, and uh, I don't want to. I'm not that egoy, man. I don't think I need a showpiece, man. I get a car fix, all that, you know. Right. Well, no, I'm just uh, I'm thinking more on the work level <laughs> and a combination of, of having somebody there who actually knows what the hell's going on. Because over the years, I've had it too where it's been uh, really hard because I have to leave genetics from, you know, with people and move on to different spots and have them maintain yeah. it. And I've watched what happened with uh, Sensi when they took over all of Neville's stuff and then they kind of like fucked yeah. it all up. They kind of fucked it all up in the very beginning. Yeah, well, that's what happens when you get out of jail in the middle of the night and you have to sell your shit to somebody to get out of jail, don't <laughs> Exactly, exactly. And it wasn't done in the smoothest thing and then by the time Neville actually got, no. a chan- got a chance to take a look at what Marcel had done, he was like, the fuck is going on? You know what I mean? He was like, oh Yeah, that's God. another one that people need to know about. This way, there's another one that's like... Uh, is like Vernon, you know. I mean, his story needs to be put out there at some point. About yeah, I could, get, I, could, I could definitely get Vernon on the show at some point because Positronics. Because there was a bunch of us that met each other the first time uh-huh. at Positronics. I can name two dozen people that people know of. Sure. Yeah, and, the and, first time I ever met him was sitting at Positronics smoking a joint, bullshitting with Richard or whoever, you know. And he had his little electric pipe out or something. He'd go down the row and get everybody uh, hits yeah. down the thing. Um, yeah, Positronics was amazing just because. Uh, it was the way he had bought like the whole block at a certain point and kind of turned. It was a vibe, man. It was you know for the first time, man. A bunch of us thought, man. Yeah, this could be, you know. And qu- crazy we enough, make this happen. Crazy enough, my first apartment there in '93 was on that like a block and a half from there, and it was just like, wow, this is meant to be, you know. So I kind of hung out there, but I hung out there so much in the very beginning before a lot of people. Then I kind of like got over it, and I was in the middle. I was going to other places. Cool. I and always then, loved the Beethoven shop myself, man. I always had me a little. How the way there? Oh, there's some some nooks and crannies for sure, and uh, and then once I got, I, I think I, one year at the CIA in '93, I think I told everybody, I was like, I went outside like two days, you know what I mean? I was just in there like inside the whole time. Oh, <laughs> yeah, definitely. You, yeah, I was in there. You definitely there. had to be careful. Who knows what or where? Well, I just That's had, another problem now about all these people about going to these festivals and dabbing everybody up and. You get, you know, you take so much of your time and energy and everything. I joke with my boss and he wants me to always do this shit. And I'm like, I'll go for five grand, but I ain't going for less than that because that's a bitch for me anymore. Right. You know, to just meet that many people and have that much people in my space and be in pain and have to deal with all that, you know, outside. And plus, man, it's, after you've been to a thousand festivals, you've been there, you know. Oh yeah, hundred percent. If, you, if, there's, that, you know? if there's something there you really want to see, or some person you want to see, it's worth going. But otherwise, yeah. Yeah, I don't mind seeing people, you know. But after a while, even that all blurs together, don't it? Sure. It's for me. Sure. Like when I like, uh, I mean, for me though, it's always like Emerald Cup's a good one because it's once a year. It's December. It's a little like it's NorCal, and uh, people are happy because they got fat wallets because it's fucking after the season. Yeah, I have a bunch of friends, but I keep meaning to make it. But that's where that's, that that'd be one. Off. I keep making fun of them and pissing them off too, though, because I keep telling them to grow in ingredients for it. Well, that would be one. I'd say if you're gonna come to one here, I'd go to that and just get 
do that as a once a year. I'll check it out. Yeah, that's actually. I used to go to that travel stomp in Trinity every year, and man, Reggae on the River used to be a religion for us, but then it got all fun. Right. Well, this is definitely. Uh, you'll see a ton of familiar faces, that's for sure. And uh, cool. at the same time, it's kind of cool because it's like. Rob's there and all these people kind of rolling through and you're like, oh, it's like this year I had Annie. I don't know if you remember Annie who was living with Rob. Uh, she was kind of rolling through and just all different people. It was like, a, it was a good mix. We had like a whole bunch of people hadn't yeah, seen cool. each other and Mila's there and stuff. So you go like, okay. I don't know that. I don't went. Also, this year's the first year in like five years I've been in kind of hell. Yeah. Like it kind of a like plane or a car ride on a whim, you know, because of, for a while I was having to go to the doctor's like, it seems like I'd rather dead. So, um, breeding wise and stuff now, uh, like with the heroin, like we talked, we even just kind of started. And of course, we're, between yeah. you and me, our tangents are like about two and a half hours worth of tangents, so it's no problem. Um, but, but, but on the on, the, on that heroin, originally you uh, were kind of focusing that on a PTSD strain, pretty much for yourself at least, or for for. Uh, like yeah, I'm going to do the old eight hillbilly dreams and all that for myself. And then I've also got a, we queued it one more time back with the Indica just to see what it would do. And it really nudged up, man. And it put about five more days on it, but it's worth the trade-off. And, uh, mm-hmm. So I'm going to let some people try that too. But uh, what we're going to do this time, I think, is make a bunch of moms and I'm going to tissue culture this shit. And I'm just waiting for the legality to catch up this a little bit more. And I'm going to start mailing out micro-tubes. Micro-fuge tubes, cap huh. shut with a clone in it about two inches tall. Right. And that I'm going to take off of a tissue culture, and that way there's no more drift, there's no more Hermes. You can order one, you can order 5,000, and it's always the same, and I'll keep the mamas alive from till now the hell freezes over. Right. Well, and that way I'm not always scrambling to make damn beans. Yeah, and well, I mean, it's, it's uh, also cleaned at that point and you know here you go it's fucking well it's even when one. I was at the height of my seed business man I was pulling 30 a month you know what I mean it's like mm-hmm. shit dude I make so much more money in that growing weed it's insane everybody thinks the seed business is instant millions is smoking crack right they should give it a try I used to pick up Mark's money for him me and a dude named Josh and uh even he was making when he was making big dough he'd make a couple hundred grand a week or two and we'd go pick it up every Monday at all his little mailboxes and the he had a circle of ducks behind him. We used to call him the people that handed it out as fast as that motherfucker got it every week. Right. So it's never as easy as it looks, man. It's a high overhead business if you're doing it for real. Oh, yeah. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's to this day, it's, it's actually now in a real renaissance. You'd, you'd trip out on the fact when you got to, like, if you came to Emmercup and saw there was, like, you know, maybe about uh, over 100 booths of different seed companies and, uh, you know, you you definitely. Well, you've seen it. Weed match where my boss has got that side called Seed Mine, where he was uh-huh. selling fifty other, hundred other company seeds for him as like a middleman for. Right. I don't know if they're still doing it or not. I ain't messed with it in a long time, but uh, they had a plan to at one point. Yeah, and it's it's turned into a huge. I mean, and like I said, it's a lot of, uh, you know, kind of have to weed through the bullshit to get to some core stuff. There's definitely some good things in there. Um, there's definitely some crap yeah. out there also. And a lot of it is it is based on, like you were saying, like a lottery. It's not like, a, you know, people there are, are uh, sort of like on long-term little mini projects where you pick up the seeds in one year and, 
You got like a, I just think it's funny every time somebody hits the lottery, they then give it a name, come up with a bullshit crazy backstory, and swear up and down they spent ten years producing it, man. You know, it's some crazy shit. And I'm like, all right, bro, I spent eight years studying genetics. Where do you want me to start proving that's bullshit, man? Right. I'm like, you do know what a Punnett square is, don't you? You know, I'm like, I tell like the people. Man, the first time I showed Mark Henry a Punnett square. Me and him and Josh Halford was sitting in an office, and Mark said, I'll give you 25 grand and never sell it to another person. I'm like, fuck you, man. Yeah. I said, you know, you're really ripping people off, don't you? He said, what do you mean? I sat down at the Punnett Square, and I said, now, times that by 2.5 million, what do you think the odds are on them lining back up by a 9 to 3 to 3 to 1 ratio exactly the same way again? Mm-hmm. All 2.5 million. I'm like, you know, you got a better chance of winning a lottery six times in a row than you do of ever making anything you say you're selling. Yeah, and I mean, the thing is, it, it is like uh, we're lucky in a way that with cannabis that people are not to that, mo- there's not a lot of uh, sophisticated palates left where people are like noticing degrees. That's why we're getting some losses completely, but we're also getting uh, people sort of settling on a certain Because everybody's cowboying on these lab numbers now, and I'm watching them do it at the clubs and everywhere else. Everybody's scanning the menu, looking for the highest fucking numbers and saying, I want that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, if you only know, THCA showed me how much bullshit that is and how much bullshit the whole Turk game is. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen is the fact that fucking a few people who were relaying nameless between me and you are mutual friends who managed to pull off what I tell them is the equivalent of me going back to the 80s and convincing people that pop rocks and their cocaine got them twice higher, mm-hmm. charged them twice more for it. And got away with cutting their shit for free because that's exactly what Turks and THC acid is. You, you, and you're talking Terps. about you're talking about like non cannabis derived terps, or you're talking about uh, any terps, even cannabis derived terps have no social activities, home cuz. I'll tell you one, Bernard. I can prove it. I got four different cannabis acids that we've made off four different kinds of strains, and all four of it is 99.9 percent THC acid, but every one of them's got a different buzz. Riddle me that. Right, and uh, it, obviously it's either the ancillary cannabinoids, which we I don't completely understand yet because our machines are not set tuned enough to get that light, uh-huh. or there's some kind of interplay going on that, that I'm not getting because straight THC acid put on a nail, yeah. no matter what you take it from, it should be the same fucking buzz. Every plant that you take it from, if that, if that story rides up the same. Right. You see my point? Yeah. If you're only hitting 0.1% of anything else, and that's probably just statistical bullshit you see what i'm saying because 100 percent of nothing is almost impossible well i feel like the you're saying like the inner 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 uh the interconnection between the different things might be something because it's also like uh well there's also 50 ancillary cannabinoids we don't even know how to spike that on a fucking gcms or hplc well right yeah. now everybody's riding the dutch standards now that's what i keep joking with all my friends i'm like you want to get famous you want to get rich do a phd project on HPLC and DCMS spikes on all fucking cannabinoids, minor and major. Yeah, and then well, and and focus on in on that and because sell it's, it. It's such and a big And then push. sell it, right? You know, because that's actually because right now everybody's using C drug that standard. Mm-hmm. And I know myself; they were made in '92 by a bunch of dudes that I knew that knew a little bit more than I did at the time. And goddamn, do I know so much more now than we did then? Right. No, that's that's definitely a. Right at the cusp, because in 93 was kind of like the big moment, it seems like, where a lot of people were, people were really getting yeah, more, more energy. Yeah, it's just like, we just got, 
Yeah. We just got a headspace analyzer in it at SC Labs like four or three years ago where we could even do pesticides. Uh-huh. And that's my problem with SC. Everybody bitches at me about, well, you all said all this. And I went, yeah, well, me and Justin went and checked out SC Labs and we bought it. They do it 300 tests a day with, you know, old-ass equipment. Mm-hmm. Now they're the source for the state. Everybody's wanting to do like, you know, 40,000, 50,000 tests a day. I'm like, shit, man. Mm-hmm. If anything like that, somebody's going to slip or there's got to be a huge major upgrade in equipment. Right. Well, that's Which a lot. Is how of... Steve's getting him some new equipment. So. <laughs> the uh... I'm gonna start on our new grow we're putting together. Uh-huh. I'm testing everything goes in that some bitch for it touches anything. I don't trust nobody or nothing no more. Every ingredient, everything, everything going through it. I ain't playing no more. I ain't gonna get recalled. For sure. Uh, I, mean... I think to me, company's bullshit, man. Well, I mean, it's crazy that you. Uh... Like you kind of live the the story I tell a little bit even more than I do, where I just tell people like, well, you know, I just kind of like didn't realize I was studying when I was studying, but you actually went yeah. to school for the real deal and actually picked subjects that now are so relevant that other people are like just all of a sudden realizing like, whoa, by you know, like like chemistry and tell you the truth, as much as that was as much what really helped me was spending six years helping disabled people when we were one of the few clubs and we were getting calls from all over the state. Mm-hmm. So I traveled all the time back then. And I got to look at this from a thousand people's eyes that were succeeding or half-assed succeeding or failing for different reasons. Mm-hmm. So it was just like me getting to do a thousand experiments without a nickel in it and fixing their shit, you know? Right. And I started seeing commonalities, you know? And, and I also I picked up a million little tricks from other people. It wasn't my brain enough. It was just like, you know, I'm just smart enough when I see a cool thing. I'm like, well, that's why I put that in my little book, you know? Yeah, and that's what, I mean, now that's like what people really want information. I mean, now we're in the meta, metadata kind of phase where they're just cr- crunching all these numbers and trying to figure out what strains are best for what thing and, you know, what yep. what direction to go into. That's like the number one question when it comes to medical as a serious question, not as just like a general question. But like when any yeah. real doctor comes in, they're like, so what, what is good for what? And it's like, you know, you kind of have to do the big sigh and go like, well, everybody's a little different. And it kind of explains. Me and Nick has got four years of data on that. Well, we actually did MSDS sheets and everything. We handed out to patients and put it on your codes for illnesses. But if you had a, if you had access to like the same strains and stuff, then it, it becomes real data. And that's the problem with a lot of, uh, you know, general data is it's coming from different strains at different patients at different times. Never going to end up. Yeah, and it's, well, we always come down to percentages. You know, it was like eighty percent of our MS patients prefer this. And with me, it's not so much strains, it's families of strains. Because that's what I've come down to seeing, is that there's certain amounts of families of strains. And hybridization of those families is where we get F1 bigger. And it don't really matter about so much cultivars within the, within the family. Right. And then and, and, and it's understanding that, yeah, we're limited on those uh, original ones, and, and nowadays it's becoming... Uh, Chicken soup. I hate to say it, but I fucked it up, dude. Me and a bunch of other dudes back in the 90s, man, you have no idea how many people in how many countries I traded killer marijuana seeds and train wreck seeds and God knows what in Jamaica and Africa to rat myself out, but it's been long enough now. Fuck them. Yeah. But, uh, and, and they send these seeds back, but what it really done is I rat fucked the genome along with everybody, everybody else was doing it at the same time, so I was just getting my, you know, yeah. I was watching everybody else do this. You know, and I was like, hell, this is way before the strain hunters and all their bullshit, man. God rest his soul. 
Right. But it's like, you know, and uh, hell, I was like, that was half my way. It was like, yeah, man, you send me 50 seeds or whatever you consider local bullshit, you know, killer, and I'll send you whatever you want. Yeah, it's a... Uh... It, it is one of those things where you're, you're like causing as much, you know, more damage than you realize at the same time, thinking uh, you're helping you know. them out at the same, like, you know, of course they, they want something new and fresh and, and fast and all that. And they're like, Hey, like, I'm, well, they wanted something that could sell the tourists because it had bad appeal. Well, train wreck would be a, 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 a sort of double edged curse slash, you know, deal where you'd be like, you know, not only is it if I can, it's super fast. They'll be so, you know totally stoked about that, but the Hermie factor on an island would be just a nightmare, you know. And I actually got yeah. I, I had a problem. I gave some clones of Trainwreck when I got it in Amsterdam in 2003 or something like that. And uh, I gave some yeah. clones to these guys in Spain, and then they had grown it up on the mountain tops. And you know how dry it is there, and how the color scheme. Oh yeah, but and, hey, man, it's fit business. They send a little pollen back to Morocco, ain't it? Well, the thing that was funny was, you know how silvery they are, the kind of color of the leaves? Yeah. They, uh, from the bottom of the hill, looking up, you could just see them like they were like fucking like glowing, you know? So it was just like, they all got busted. Yeah. They all got busted, and they were all pissed off at me, and I was just like, you know, like, un- <laughs> it wasn't my really fault. I gave you guys plants. I didn't know the color was going to be a problem, but it was like, yeah. it was a real issue uh, at the time. That's like when we first started in Humboldt back in the 90s, man, there was this little bitty three-foot-tall Afghani there that was purple. And everybody called it Mock the Purple. And it was pretty much a P1. And it never got over three foot no matter what. But hell, they do quarter pound, half pound indoors. And hell, we started putting it outdoors, man. And the city comes down, you know, end of September. But man, I've seen pigs walk over the top of some bitch and not know it was there because it wasn't, you know, two, three foot tall. And it looked like damn Indian lettuce or some bullshit like that with purple leaves on it. And uh, uh-huh. shit, that's where Ken did Granddaddy Purple and a bunch of other, man. I gave Ken Hayes, or not Ken Hayes, but, uh, Ken, yeah, what's his name? Uh, yeah. yeah, I gave Ken Estes, a little crippled ass, that clone. Man, me and him almost got killed and robbed delivering some pot one time to, down in, uh, Oakland. He was in a wheelchair and I was in a suit and tie had 100 pounds of pot. We went in this little gangbanger club and I come out and there was like five brothers trying to rob us and, uh, I'm trying to throw Ken, my crippled ass, trying to throw Ken in the, my big old police truck while I'm reaching in my suit with no gun, pretending I got one, holding these big motherfucking gangbangers off, saying, who wants to be the most first motherfucker to die? And we held him off, so I got his ass in there, too, man. A miracle out of that place, 100 pounds and all. Wow. Yeah, that's that's a great, great, great uh, partner to have at the moment when you have to get him in the truck, man, because it's like, damn. Oh, yeah, man, like, you got to do it in a wheelchair. It's no use whatsoever, man. And what that means, he's running his mouth the whole time. I'm like, Ken, shut the fuck up, man. Right, right. Well, uh, that's Oakland for you right there in a fucking nutshell. I mean, that place is hardcore. Uh, so... Now that you, so now that you got your stuff, uh, you doing? T- you said you were doing tissue culture. Are you doing that in house already, or you have somebody who's uh, specializing? Uh, we're going to do it in house. Yeah. Do you have anybody who's specializing in that? Or because it's one definitely one of those like uh, it is. A, I came up with the formula with a professor of mine who yeah. is the world's foremost authority on dogwood trees back in 1991 at Western Kentucky University. Fell uh-huh. into it. Uh-huh. We were trying to do it for some other shit. We were both potheads, and he's like, "Hey, man." What about hormone A and B put together and then retro it back with hormone C? And I'm like, it worked. So, yeah, we can undifferentiate into such a root, then the shoot, right. pull it out, and it's, you know, it's totally easy breezy, man. 
Nice, because it's been one of those, like I've seen, like we're, we're going to have a show in the near future about it because I have a guy. Uh, Rogan's dog been trying to get me teaching for 12 years, and I'm like, uh, And it seems to be one of those, it seems to be one of those, you know, it's it's high cost maintain, maintaining kind of thing because it's not like you can just do it anywhere. You have to get, like, definitely clean room situation. you got to last for it. Yeah, you got to have a total clean room. you yeah. got to have total positive vacuum. Yeah. You can't and, fuck around, yeah. yeah. Exactly. It's not like you're just going to, oh, yeah, but throw it in the corner. It ain't something you can do in your garage, put it that way. No. no I do, every time I've ever done it, it's been in a university laboratory. Mm-hmm. So that's what, in essence, I'm trying to create. It, right. See, that's the beauty of California's new rules. Mm-hmm. All these lab, all these damn huge buildings that, that they're getting for me to grow in, man, I can only do 20, 30%, you know, a year for the first few years. So yeah. I'm going to lay in a laboratory in each one, and then we're going to also, I'm going to go in the back of them and go in high-end vegetables and go hydroponics right. and go in for some of these real fancy restaurants in OC and San Diego. Because really, like I said, success or failure in the future is going to be diversification. Yeah. Well, I mean, of course, and especially if you're not going to be able to use the whole space and you're going to be eventually moving plants into there, you might as well just get the, get yeah. the ball you're rolling. Paying the rent on it, you know, what the fuck, you throw, know? Throw, throw another acre or two of greenhouse in there and just fucking, you know, make it work. Um, exactly. So, Plus it's green, man. That's like right now putting solar units. This is a company. If anybody's listening right now and you want like a million dollars, I tell you, I do it and I ain't got time to fuck with it. I do this all the time to people. Yeah. What I need somebody to do is can come up with little 6-inch to 12-inch plates that we can put up in the corners of grow rooms on the inside and on the walls. And a little maybe later, we can use floors. And what I'm wanting to do is catch all wasted, bounced light once I'm done with it mm-hmm. and pile peripherals with it. If somebody can come up with that business idea right there, I guarantee you they're a millionaire right now. Right. Like I was thinking, like a, I kind of thought of that earlier, like a 12-volt system or something like that. You can just plug all your shit in and it's on solar. And you're... Yeah. You just like, put on a bank of batteries, the solar panels when the lights are on or charging the batteries and lamps. Well, the cool thing is you what, you, what you can do is you make like a uh, little clip-on. Because I had that idea when we was doing the generators year ago in Humboldt when we had the off-grid ones, you know, the whisper watch. Yeah, you need a shitload of like clip-on fans that you can kind of move around so you can adjust for the canopy and the bottom and what. Well, what if you nuts. put enough uh, little solar panels in there, man, I think you add up to a Google amount of electricity that gets wasted we don't realize right now sure I mean it's getting I mean it's still a cost deal of course but if you get it to that to where you can print your own fucking uh, hey man things. I'm all for greening yourself as much as we can man if yeah. it was up to me and I had to know I'd put a damn mine in the desert and I'd put a gigafactory around it yeah well there's enough you know but I ain't got that kind of dough right now well there's a lot of a uh, lot of uh you know, Google employees and people like that are now billionaires that are probably just thinking along the same line. So I'm hope, hoping we'll see some more uh, along those lines in the near future. But Yeah, I'd love to see this get green. And that's like I keep telling other people, I'm like, maybe you want to get green, go underground. That's how I found that gold mine in Canada fell into it. That's what nobody gets because I had some investors that bought me an old gold mine because of I set that one up I was consulted for in Canada for Flint Farm in the copper mine. Is that, and according get... to the Canadian mining laws, uh-huh. we had them in a, a little catch 22 of They couldn't do shit underground until somebody got hurt. Hmm. So that's why Flint Farm got away with doing, or, or pure prey plant systems got away with doing Flint Farm. Hmm. And that's who, and I didn't give the seeds to prey plant systems. I gave them to Dr. Small. He only gave them 10 strains. And then I consulted in that setup in that mine. And that was when I went to my investors, and I said, hey, man, y'all find me in Old So this dumbass is something in old gold mine about 10 miles from Whistler, and we were blowing the walls down to make the buildings underground the first day, and I found a steam of gold. It's a dumbass old gold miners 100 years ago, 
were mining the floor of it with a quartz vein, and they were mining, they were rolling over 28 ounce per ton gold to mine four ounce per ton quartz. I'm like, well, they were genius. And then later, we stood up there for four years, and we found 15 other veins. And the Seagram Company found out I was a refugee while they was negotiating for spending $31 million for a third of our gold mine. And three days later, they were standing in a hospital with guns on me, so... Tell me which one had to do with what, Russ. Well, well, that's uh, yeah, you can't go poking around the gold mine, man. You just get yourself in trouble, that's for sure. I'm gonna get that gold mine back one of these days. I didn't do it with my own money. Yeah. I told the old dude he's ripping me off. He's in his 80s. I'm like, let's see who dies first, you old bastard. Right. Sounds like a sounds like a good good thing to keep on the map for sure. Um, oh, they done got tight and shrunk it off about 15 of the claims already now. Really? That's nuts. Yeah. Um, so now that you're allowed to kind of freely move as far as, uh, you're in California now, uh, any other, any other places you've visited, like Colorado here or East Coast or, cause the East Coast is about to pop off now. It's kind of crazy. Like Massachusetts is, yeah, I got is, people uh, I've been helping everywhere. I'm part of a vet group out of New York state now. Uh-huh. I'll probably be doing a lot more shit there. Um, I got Michigan I'm supposed to go back to Kentucky as soon as somebody can get me some assurances that uh, I could leave without getting killed again. But uh, I've been pretty active here lately about trying to spread medical to a few mm-hmm. places. And uh, I to a point in my life where I done been there, done that, seen that, and mm-hmm. see some other kids charging windmills, man, it might as well be my old ass, you know. Right. What are they going to do to me? I done lost everything they can take from me, man, really feeling the truth, man. My old dog. Well, you know, it's it's definitely uh, an interesting cannabis moment right now as far as uh, people that have been in the game a long time, uh, some finally just cashing out, which is good to see, but also a lot getting crushed, you know what I mean, as far as like, you know, not being able to keep up with what's going on. And also, and also having to deal with with the you know like I said over the years legal issues, or just whatever little things have been nipping at the at the at the base to kind of make it really hard to keep people moving forward. Um, and it's like California, like in the blessing that it's going to open up at the same time. It's a fucking like I also see the other side of the fence real quick because we're the growers and we understand like. Prices are going to go down. Quality is going to go down. You know, the, the quantities are going to go up. Oh, yeah. And it's going to turn into... Everybody's into- holding their breath right now, man. And the really thing is, is, are they going to pounce or not? You know, and it's like they let Colorado go because the market's not... You know, I mean, it's not saying it's small, but it's not California. No, well, they, it's like, but they do. I don't, I don't think they're wanting to see some of us that is in control of the market in California. Yeah. get any more political pull than we already got. It's the problem. Well, they've tightened the net here, which sucks as far as like... Uh, you know, anybody who's growing outdoors has been visited this year, probably because they do flyovers, and it's a small state. Oh, they, they yeah. Sit you saw where my buddy's armored cards company got busted the other day, man. He's a bro of mine. That's run by vets and it's cops, and uh, it's been up and running for six months, and they're acting like they just now jumped up last week, you know, and it's like, shit, I thought everybody knew about that. And all they're saying is, well, they had to shut down until next year, and I'm like, next year's a week, motherfucker. You're busting somebody for being open a week too early? Right. What's that? Is that where is that up? Is that up there or? That's a tax. Yeah, it was. They had a setup. It was an armored car company. It was driving out though, down from Hunt, from the Triangle down to uh-huh. the area. Really? And they popped them with a thousand pounds the other day. 
Huh. But he's supposed to. Oh, he's, he's one hundred one. Supposed to have it done. That's a great. Yeah, a little little early on the uh, delivery company. Well, they've been shit. It's just like everybody I know. I, I can. Yeah. hundred people have been selling rent for the last year. Ain't nobody said shit to them yet. Right, right. Well, yeah. I ain't dry snitching on nobody on the radio. Yeah, well, I mean, armored cars obviously draw a little bit of attention if there's, you know, moving. Well, up. it was a cop and fucking military people. They thought they were protected. Yeah. And they were unarmed, so they thought they just had some badass some bitches to go and move some weed down. They got tired of getting robbed, man. Wait right. a minute, I got a buddy in Humboldt lost his front teeth for a shit, man. That ain't no fun when you get a gun shoved in your mouth. Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, the Cali market is, is, is huge, and we're all, you notice that all the people that I know are either moving there or setting up shop, and I'm like, uh-oh, here it goes, the big move. Anytime here. somebody starts talking about setting up a big fat girl and making millions to me, I send them to one of three neighborhoods on Google Earth, and I'm like, now look, fool, you really think you can outdo that? Right. I ain't going to mention them here, but I can name several of them in the triangle right now. It's like, look, man. Yeah. As far as you can see, there's ten pound plants. You really think you're gonna outdo that, bro? Yeah, no, there's uh, there's some some. Cause that's where I learned how. To, I mean, I did outdoor my whole life, but indoors my trip. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Cause of college and shit. But man, outdoors where I learned some shit in Humboldt. Uh-huh. I taught them indoor, and them motherfuckers taught me outdoor, man. And like, also like that, you know, in the greenhouses. Right. That's pure genius. Yeah, they all they all have their own. They all have their own. Uh unique style as far as uh, picking up you know you have to understand a little bit different indoor oh yeah 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 but indoor. it ain't cheap either like a bunch of people think neither like you gotta have bulldozers and real dirt and mm-hmm. land and it's not like you got water rights and yeah. I know so many people run up there with a hundred grand and think they're gonna be millionaires and I'm like shit man mm-hmm. I know a bunch of people came here with two million and ended up millionaires real quick <laughs> right right that's about right it's definitely, yeah. not, and that's the thing is, it's a you know we're chasing the bottom of the barrel almost in a sense as far as price goes and stuff with, you know everybody's shooting uh, for these ideas at the same time and it's like wow well there's not going to be all winners. You know well, I mean? we it's, had a union up at one time back in two thousand and one or so before I went to Canada man it was pretty much a growers union in Trinity there was one in Humboldt there was one in Mendo it was a bunch of old school old timer dudes who kept the young bucks under control. And back then, it all went out under about a dozen dudes that everybody knows their names who are distributors. And if it didn't come out through them, it didn't come out. And you waited till they got paid, and they paid your ass for it. That was when you got paid. And then after about 2004, 2005, it was a fucking free-for-all, man. Everybody started trying to bring 100 packs down. And uh, that's when the price went through the floor. Right. So I can tell you once upon a time, man, back in 98, man, I was getting $4,000 a pound for fucking out door my living room in Humboldt. I know. Well, that, that, those were the days. I mean, those are, those, those are not, I mean, and it's crazy because down south there's prices that are still 3600 and stuff that you hear about. And 3, Dude, I've, I've got people offering me that for mine right now. If we're by the warehouse, pre, pre-show <laughs> for the indoor, for the, cause it's for the car brand, though, not for, right. well, you know, awesome. just anything I grow. But right. it's got to have my name on it and it's got to be certain strength. Well, there you go. That's a, then you have, uh, you have achieved the, the miracle of these days because most people are not getting those prices. It's like, oh, yeah. Well, that's the trick is you got to be notorious enough. Yeah, yeah. I always tell people I'm not famous, I'm infamous. There's a difference. Right, right. And, uh, well, I mean, you got to get something, somebody, uh, and, uh, you know, presenting it nicely in, in, in boxes, it sounds like you're actually putting your work to get in, too, right? So. Well, people know I take pride in it, man. I don't put my name on nothing that I wouldn't put, you know, I wouldn't put pride in. I grew up with the Bean Boys and used to play with them in Kentucky and say, one of these days you saw bitches going to buy a bag of weed with my name on it. 
man, I'm so close to it now. I can smell it. I'm standing on the promise land, brother. <laughs> it's a, yeah. Well, it's definitely interesting days. I mean, we're all, uh, like, it, it's crazy, too, because the projects are, are getting to that point where we've heard such big numbers, especially sitting in on, like, sometimes I'll be sitting in on a meeting, and, and, it, and I can tell that the way people think now, it's, you know, it used to be, Two million or five million. Now it's like a hundred million, or there's not really like much of a conversation. And it's not oh, like yeah. it's not like my personal business. I'm just sitting in on it, but I'm listening. I got to investors it. coming to me now, going, "You sure that's enough money?" And, you know, that's the first time I've heard. Hell, since the gold mine, I haven't heard yeah. that. You know, you sure that's enough money? You don't need yeah. a little more, right? I'm like, and, no, that's good. That's good. I got it on that. You know, it's not going debt no more. We have to. Right, and you and you're looking at those numbers like it's crazy numbers, but it's just because there are people out there who. Uh, are lucky. We're in the right generation because it's like the shift is happening, which is cool to see. So it's like yeah. in in media and in you know in other not just cannabis, but cannabis we definitely got unlocked. We know exactly what kind of like where we're at. Oh, definitely. But we're also. Have seeing you ever it. thought about doing my little plan B, man? I'd love to have you involved in. I want to set me up a little bed and breakfast around here in a breeding facility. Right. With about fifteen twenty rooms in it, in a real fancy house, man, around Temecula or so, and. I want to take me in, maybe you or Mel Frank. You know, every now and then people can come stay for free at this mansion. I got four four bedroom brick houses, ten bedrooms in the mansion, and we can add more and do like a bed and breakfast where you can go in the breeding facility, you can meet me, you, you know, have breakfast, smoke a bowl, we provided, ride a horse, whatever the fuck you want to do, you know? Right. No, that's awesome. I, I think mean, that would fly, man. I what? think it would fly. Well, I mean, the cool, what I kind of envision in the near future will be the, uh, like we used to do the wine drive or, you know, you go from A to B and hit yeah, all the spots. Yeah. And they'll be the same, same for cannabis now. And some of those, that, that's the beauty of the, of the whole NorCal experience is that there is these great little microclimates that are already famous. And once, they, yeah. once they're allowed to put their name on it like champagne, you know, everyone will go to Mendocino and try something. Tell you the truth, we even got some down here in like uh, the wine country. Mm-hmm. You know, a little bit east of here in Orange County, where I live in Irvine. Yeah, There's I mean, really nice, beautiful. That's where all the adventure kids live. Is Temecula, all the dirt bikers and the right. surfers, and you know, I call them the Suicide Patrol. My kind of people, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, for sure, it's a uh, it's a definitely active area compared to a lot of places in Cali too. So, you got like. Uh, uh, Definitely an interesting, interesting spot, and and also like I mean, like I said, the Cali weed has always got such a good name to it. But also there is nuances between those spots, you know, and some of them are strain related, and some of them are the terroir, and that's why it's just like all of a sudden it, it becomes like a little wine tour, you know. And if people, I just love how Cali's always been cutting edge, you know what I mean? No, it's always to me, mm-hmm. even as a kid yeah. when we was taking it to Holland and everywhere else. This yeah. is the place where it was always being fermented was. Santa Rosa, Garberville, you know, sure. um, Fort Bragg, all the places, you know. Yeah. And it's like a lot of people who are forever named nameless too, but they don't want to be, you know, had a big hand in it, you know. And it's like I always give them the big props, man, more than dumb asses that say they found something in the bottom of a shoe. I'm like, man, you know, I know some old dudes that's fourth and fifth generation growers that you're pretty much shitting on when you say that. Yeah. I ain't talking about me either. Right, and, but these dudes are paranoid. They don't want to be known. Yeah, and I have a couple guys like that too. And it's it's interesting because you know a lot of my stuff uh, in the beginning came from from my friend who was born a big sir, and him and his brother, yeah. and, and it was like the classic where you know the older brother grew, and uh, yeah. he took seeds to Amsterdam, and the guy who was the partner of his brother, like kind of like 
was butthurt over it for years and like later complained about oh, it. Oh, I could name 30 seed companies in Amsterdam right now. If you put me in the same room with, I'll probably somebody go to jail. <laughs> serious stuff. Yeah. All right, let's see. Serious seeds, Breeder Steve. Uh, I could go on all day, man. I think they're as punky as they could be. Reefer, man, cool as shit, man. At least he kicked me down and shouted me out that at least his cup win was made by and half of mine and shown the top lot by me. Jordan at Islands is cool as a motherfucker, man. You know, for all the bad people are bad mouth, there's people that are doing it right and real. Right. You know, and it's like I try to kick them down for real because the damn ground shifts so fast. You can't, like, who was cool two years ago is a dumbass today. And mm-hmm. Shifts, well, you know. Well, you know, like, like uh, as far as breeding goes and stuff, I mean, Amsterdam was one of those places where you had people who were pretty old school and on point and, like, had real stable things going on. And then you had those people who came in and kind of like, you know, were all over the place and like everybody was doing different work in different places and it wasn't really consistent. Yeah. It was not really, you could see that that was not really the right thing. And at the same time, there was, um, you know, obviously like legends there with crazy, like at the end, I was actually pissed off that it took me a while to figure out stuff and I didn't figure it out until later. And I was like, oh my God, I was like right next to it the whole time. I didn't even know it was there, you know what I mean? And that was the whole thing is it was kind of the secret labs that everybody had, even if you lived there. You ain't one of them people that pretend someone knows anything, are you? Who's that? I said, you ain't one of them people who pretend someone knows anything, are you? <laughs> only thing I, tell about, only thing I say <laughs> about Soma. I'll say that in public. How do you like that? Oh, only thing I say about Soma <laughs> on this show, pretty much, is that I blame him 100% about ruining the, the whole Diesel story because of the fact that he came up with that NYCD and wrecked everybody's... I caught with so many things I could before we won't even go into Well, we also had uh, Mad Farmer on, and we had other people like that who are like the Urkel part of the side with the lavender, the original one. And Man, I grew purple Urkel original in Washington State when I first got hauled back. I grew three-pound plants indoors, and everybody in California said they'd never seen it like that. And I still think that's the most bullshit strain in the world. I couldn't get that motherfucker to track 24% if you put a damn, if I soaked wax on it. Which one was that? I could never get it to purple up either. Purple uh, article? Yeah. Okay. That's a bullshit strain I ever grew in my life. I think it's kind of finicky, right? It was like a finicky strain. But it was Whoever's claiming that, man, should be, should, should watch what you're claiming. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it became... Uh, one of those things. That's like plum. I'm like, man, if I, if I made plum, I keep my mouth shut about that. It's just that it came, it got used a lot, you know what I mean? So it's one of those things where, you know. You, well, yeah, you it's like blue dreams, man. You know, any idiot with a fucking backyard can grow blue dreams. Right. No, it's funny. Probably get a pound. <laughs> It is, it is definitely the easiest plant out there, and that's why people grow way too much of it. And then well, I tell people, if you can't grow blue dreams, give it up. Right. You might as well stop. That's like Northern Lights number five, too. I'm like, man, if you ask like Northern Lights number five, is the blue dreams of indoors. Well, it was definitely the most used. It was, it was a good strain at, at some times, but it was one of those oh, things. Oh, I like it if it's done. But that's one of the ones that shows me the skill of the grower. Uh-huh. Because it can either be bullshit or it can be great. And it depends on if somebody understands that it's 60 days of an onion and every day you fuck up, it's 60 minus one. Right. So if you have a bud that's a 60, it's great. But if you show me a bud that's a 30, then fuck it, it's bullshit, you know? Sure. Even if the last 30 layers are perfect. Yeah, and it's... it's uh... It's interesting too because, like, when I worked, when I lived out in Holland, I didn't use a lot of sensi strains in any of my. I didn't use any sensi strains at all, 
after I worked there, just out of respect, I just didn't want to be like, oh, I'm starting a seed company, Ben, and I'm going to use all your stuff. So I pretty much... Oh, you mean you don't got no Ortega mails and nothing? No, I didn't get any... Dude, I've even got a couple kickdowns to that, man. I've even got a homage or two of that. Really? Well, there you go. I mean, I could, I, I obviously could talk to Ben or to you know, Ravi or whoever and pick, up, pick, pick it up if I needed it. But it's one of those things that just, yeah. I kind of felt like it was like, well, I worked there. And then, and then just recently, I, I cracked some beans that I had that were just old, and, and it was just funny because I was like, "Huh, you know, I, I'll do it just now to just for fun because it's like kind of weird." And it's like when I worked there, uh, I grew a few things, and then after I stopped working there, I just took all my stuff that I'd already collected from other places, and I was like, "All right, I'm going to purpose." Always could have done it. Purpose a hundred times. I let Richard Cowan talk me into. You gotta go. Give this company your shit, and I'll make sure we sell it all and get paid. Now, ain't one goddamn time I ever got a nickel out of it. Yeah. Well, God love that man. He's a great. He's a great fucking activist and a human being. But I wonder about his business shit. <laughs> That's another one, man. He talked me into that dude used to be the head of normal. He, I, back in the day, man, when Bitcoin first started, I took Bitcoin for seeds for a while for a whole bunch of it. Huh, really? And I let Richard say, oh, shit ain't going to be worth nothing, man. You should get rid of that shit for it zero. I yeah. bet I sold $30,000, $40,000 of Bitcoin like a nickel of fucking coin, man. Yeah. I was doing the math the other day, and I was like, yo, motherfucker, man. You know how rich I'd be right now if I'd have kept that Bitcoin? Yeah, it's like, and literally those are the kind of things that you definitely could have kept because you probably wouldn't even notice the difference of, of that. Hell no, it wouldn't make shit to me, man. It was fucking wasn't nothing, you know? I know, and, and I'm all kicking myself because I had the option to do it a few times, and I was like, eh, nah, same deal. I was like, meh, it ain't, it ain't. Hell, I'm all proud I made it out of Canada with a storage unit full of gold nuggets. I still got, and I'm like, ah, ha, ha, I beat you, son of a bitch. You wish you didn't get everything. <laughs> got your gold nuggets, I had nuggets, to sneak huh? back in to get it, and I'm like, I had to sneak back in and sneak out with you, huh, man. Me and a couple buddies got took apart at the borderland for like 24 hours. They even took our gas out of our tanks and said, now, and after they found the gold, they're like, why don't you show us that first? And we're like, well, you did, you dumb asses. And uh, this is after I got kidnapped back and everything. And I tried it again about three months later, and this chick put me, got me busted because my Canadian ID. She's like, a, they said, y'all Canadian? She said, well, I am. And I'm like, well, thank you, bitch. So, <laughs> so uh, nowadays, are you going to have, so you have, does Weed Maps have seeds for sale? Uh, Stateside, or is there is it like a access? I don't know. I'm sure they have a seed mine. I'm sure you can get something through them. Yeah. They have a third party shit set up, but I don't know the, the mechanics of it. I, I, I on purpose don't know the mechanics of it. This is one of these uh, what do you call possible deniability. Gotcha, <laughs> gotcha. Well, no, I, I understand. I understand 100. percent And you know, it's one of those things where it's weird to come back to to stateside and be. I like my bank account. That's all I can say, but. Well, and I just got approved for a house loan through VA, and it's like I love my bank account. Well, that's a good. It's good to uh, hear that you're actually uh, making it work because that's one of those things in this industry where uh, you know, like I said, a lot of people are left to the wayside, and uh, especially after you know grinding away for years and years, and it sounds like the it grind. took me long enough, and I sure had enough people believe in me. And I tell you the truth, man, I've lost so many friends. And I know I where, if people, if people, I couldn't quit for them, man. You know, if people listen uh, to the show and they want to hear like a less, maybe a, le- a little bit Adam Dunn show all over the place kind of craziness, you guys have some good. Um, you have a bunch of videos up online, right? So if you go to YouTube and look up uh, Steve Tuck, there's like that one Weed Maps one is really good because that tells the whole story about you. 
uh, and kind of breaks it down in a very chronological order, which makes sense. So people yeah, they wanted that out there. I always never. I'm like, I hate this being about me. I better be about my work. Well, you know, the thing is, and 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 the reality is, I think anybody who listens to this show can tell that that's your that's your thing. And and like the reality is, cannabis uh, is every kind of person involved and you can always tell when somebody really likes weed, you know what I mean? And, they, and like, I think that's, that's, oh, that, yeah, that's the whole thing with you. Like I remember hundred uh, percent. And, and I think at that time, so when you came to Amsterdam, Dude, when you met me out here halfway down my back, man, I'll have to show you some old pictures. I was going to say you were super sick. I had a mustache yeah. and hair halfway down my back and was probably wearing camouflaged overhaul. Right, right. No, it's funny. And, uh, that was about three-fourths of me. And check this out. For the first two years that I was in Amsterdam, they had to book my services to set up rooms through Positronics or another place. And you couldn't be at your own crib or see me. I was that fucking paranoid. I thought everybody was FBI or DEA. First couple cups I walked into, man, I was like fucking Hunter Thompson fucking hit out, you know, like everybody in this motherfuckers to police, you know. And it took me years. Only after 2.15 did I chill out and come into the public. Right. And that's when they stomped me out. And I'm like, you cheating bastards, man. We're legal. You right. told me if you don't like the law, change it. We changed it, motherfuckers. Yeah, and it's funny, too, because over there they really uh, switched the gears. Uh, like, I left in 2010, 2009, 2010, and it was like, it's time to get out of here. You know, this place sucks. And it was just like, you, you saw that the kind of downhill of that thing go real quick. And it was, it was like just as hard to get paid, just like you said earlier. And it was like getting, like... It was worth more in some senses because people were finally understanding about real concentrates and you know paying yeah. for paying for that because that's the thing over there is like all that shit was never legal too so that was like you're back to that whole Definitely. thing again. Backdoor bullshit. Plus the game I remember back in the day is everybody owned a coffee shop made a hundred thousand guilders. I don't give a fuck if you made a million or if you made twenty. You made a hundred thousand guilders. You didn't report that your ass in grass. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, it's just like all kinds of cool games they play. Hey, did you ever know uh, Dan Sims? Who? Used to run the noon coffee shop. Dan Sims used to run the noon coffee shop for Alan Amsterdam. Oh, yeah, Alan Amsterdam. Yeah, of course. Yeah, for sure. This dude that used to work for him, Dan Sims, man, up in Humboldt, used to be my lieutenant for a few years. Uh He's a cool motherfucker, man. He's listening to this. And I talk to Alan. I talk to Alan sometimes also when I'm in Washington or if I'm around there, I'll give him a call. He's uh he's exactly the same. <laughs> he's exactly the same. Yeah. Guy, oh yeah. Well, that's just like first time I ever met Stevie D'Angelo. Man, I was in Walter Reed getting put back together like Humpty Dumpty, and he was doing hash in D.C. And I bought hash off of him for a fucking year and a half, man, before he was shit. Right. He was selling the funky hash back then for seven bucks a gram, man, from Holland. The funky stuff. Oh, he had a funky boy for them days, you know. Yeah. That's why everybody today thinks. Oh, we got the best ever. I'm like, shit. Dude, I've seen 70 and 80% double zero in the 70s and 80s, man. You crazy. Right. It just wasn't available to everybody. Yeah, it's it's uh, interesting how, like, the, the hash game never really took off in America. And when it did, it came in from a totally different angle. Like, now it's, like, all about pens oh, and, and it's all about dabs and it's all about, you know, like crystals. I took bubble hash to Holland and blew people's minds. It over blew like a rabbit like people, you know, like from Lebanon. People like, where the fuck you get that? And I'm like, I made it, motherfucker. Right. And people are like, wow, you know. I'm like, yeah, we're learning. But this, you know, doesn't this really prove Chris Rock right? 
that when white people and Americans make the best whatever in the world to legalize, he said, if you made the best crack, crack me, legal tomorrow. Now we finally make the best weed and the best hash, man. Hash legal, you see my point? Yeah, right. It's almost true. Yeah, for sure. That's the deal, man. Well, you know, I think the next... I don't think we'll make crack legal for a long time, but I think we'll make... I hope to God not. But no, but, you know, that was a good point, though. But they'll definitely make mushrooms legal, I think, in a lot of places. And then that's been interesting about Amsterdam and... Uh, well, you can blame me for the drugs are back when I blew hash smoke in John Walter's face that night. Yeah. Before that, he heard me and a buddy talking, and we were calling butter back in them days when it first got made in 2004. We were showing people in B.C. Yeah. We were calling it hippie crap. Right. He picked up on it at that night. The next day, he used the phrase in the fucking... Uh, you know, PR thing, you know, like a, uh, a conference. And I'm like, damn, man, I don't want to watch my mouth. <laughs> so you gave him the ammo, you gave him the ammo so he could use that the next day. Did it, so he yeah, called, man, because he, he that heard hippie. me mention it. Yeah, and he called it, he called that one hippie crack on, did he, did he Yeah, because I was making a big speech when he walked in with his Secret Service team, there was four Secret Service teams walking for he did. Mm-hmm. So he kind of stood in the corner before I figured out who he was and, I was making a big speech about how a white man can uh, profit off pain and how we now, you know, concentrated cannabis just like every other drug in the world towards dangers. And well, we, it, we made hippie crack, you know, which is essence of what butter, which is what shatter, what you call what we call wax today, is what we call butter back then. And it wasn't quite as clean. Sure. And uh, even just like everything, when you clean it up even further, all it does is get better it doesn't get more dangerous you know i mean we know that yeah it don't get more dangerous no. it just, it, well and that's the problem it don't get more dangerous as long as you ain't a stupid kid doing three grand fucking dabs all day long smoking glass blown yeah. wax it's got you know yeah. heavy metals in it from rust inhibitors and shit exactly that's the whole key and that's what we tell people too it's never it's never the actual product it's all the pro it's all the residual shit that's in there i watched my kid get himself epilepsy off the bullshit man it's doing mm-hmm. stuff i told him not to really uh, yeah, smoking homemade wax and Humboldt off a fucking outdoor. Uh huh. Well, I mean, it was real, like uh, a lot of lipids in it and stuff, and a lot of like. I don't know, man. They was making a bunch of bullshit wax out of canteen and wasn't reflexing it right or getting it back right or nothing like that. Uh-huh. Smoking the shit out of it. He turns up at thirty-three years old with epilepsy, and that's the only thing that changed. What do you think caused it? Right. That's crazy. Um, it, it's well, I mean, it's kind of a. That's just like I got that puking shit off of Michael Butenow already about three years ago in the valley up in uh, Chatsworth. Yeah. Buying cheap-ass weed when there were no real clubs around. And uh, only later taking it to some labs that I get so goddamn sure that that amesis syndrome these doctors are crying about is really just Michael Butenow allergies. And it was once I cut that out, I had to go without the weed for a year, man, before I get back to smoking weed again, man. It made me nuts, dude. Yeah, that's great. my serotonin off. What it does, it binds with your serotonin in your gut and it starts making you throw up really bad. They huh. took serotonin pills from Europe to cure me. And for anybody listening, there's a specific drug, it's called Restaurant. In Europe, they only sell in Europe, they have to buy it over the internet, it's expensive. But it will cure that if you can't find nothing else, it will. Huh. Yes, I have a guy that I know on the, who's on the show sometimes. Uh... Who definitely had like he had like, like that circular vomiting bullshit or whatever, and it just kind of yeah like, yeah yeah. And he got he would uh, he had certain w- physical ways to kind of deal with it up to a point, but he said it was just like hot showers, all kinds of shit. So it helped me and all that stuff. But I really yeah. it was ch- stopping the weed for a little while and then rebooting it with clean weed that I knew had perfectly grown from friends. 
Uh-huh. And then I, I can smoke now. You know, shit, man. I smoke a quarter pound of weed plus another half. You know, I smoke six ounces a month right now. On top of a little bit of about, I don't know, probably a half ounce of shatter a month. Right. And you know, I ain't had a problem in three years since I learned this. You know, but uh. Well, what you were talking about? I like smoking, and one time it's happened to me, so I figured it out. You know, I'm my own sweat access to a laboratory. Right. Well, what you were just talking about there with binding in the uh, in the gut and stuff, kind of like the same as uh, glyphosate, right? Where it's just sort of like all gut. Yes, all... exactly. Glyphosate's doing the same thing. Roundup is doing the same damn thing. Yeah. It's binding to your serotonin uh-huh. and your. See, that's another thing. Most people don't get the serotonin is produced in your gut, not your brain. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. Exactly in your gut. So that's that's why. Uh, there's a breakdown there in between the two when there's a signaling. Is when there's that's where that's why it treats the Crohn's disease. And all this other bullshit, because it's usually endocannabinoid deficiency. Sure. So, no, I mean, I work with him. He's showing me that, man. And then, me and, and him butt heads about a lot of shit, but I love Dr. Bell, man. He's cool. And, and what we try to tell everybody in general, or, you know, not we, but uh, I think the world should understand is that... Oh, dude, you're right up there with all of us, man. Is we that your gut, educators, bro. Your, your, gut, your gut is where everything starts, though, as far as health goes. So if your gut oh, is... Yeah. And that if your gut is unhealthy, then, you know, you're, you're gonna, it's going to affect you in other ways, and people don't get it. Yeah. And, and you see it a lot with young people that have stomach issues, you know what I mean? And then by the time they get older, they're... they're eating compl- habits, too, man. They live on hot pockets and processed junk and uh-huh. farm food. That's a big thing I'm into about my farm. I think I was grown by my papa this thing called stewardship. Mm-hmm. I personally uh, am a big fan of this dude named Wendell Berry from UK and this thing called Lisa Agriculture. I would put sustained yield, uh, use old-fashioned ways, make land better from us being there instead of worse than just using it up. Sure. Um, actually being stewards of the fucking land, letting the animals all live a great life up to the moment of when they're going to die anyways, you know. I mean, all kinds of shit like that. Yeah. You don't have to be cruel factory farms and diseases and antibiotics. And, well, yeah, they're you know, figuring so it. I know once I got enough money, that was my first thing I changed was my diet. Yeah. It's 100%. That's how you do everything. I mean, think we have chickens down at my mom's farm, and I can't eat other eggs, you know what I mean? Because now I'm just like, whoop. No, no, man. It's the only thing. That's the only thing. I try. I'll mess with food that I don't know where it comes from no more. Just especially when the, and also the quality. The quality can be so much higher. And also as a factor, yep. you know, we're all growers in a sense, so it gives us a kind of a, a more more rounded sort of approach at life instead of being. Well, I grew up on a farm in Glendale, Kentucky, man, with the coolest grandfather that ever lived who was World War Two and knew Latin of every plant that there was and taught me all kinds of cool shit as a little kid. Yeah, that's awesome. With a big fat cave in the backyard. Well, plus you guys had yeah, so you guys had some super phosphorus based uh, soil there, maybe. So oh yeah, somewhere. we had all kinds of bat guano we wanted too. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and right there naturally, that's awesome. And then on top of that, uh, Kentucky's got pretty uh, stellar soil. I'm, I'm assuming too, compared to oh yeah, stellar here. soil and also very hard water. Most people don't realize Kentucky's still probably number three in growing weed in the country. Always has been because of Daniel Boone National Forest. It's mm-hmm. just, we don't got all these cool laws like camp and all this hippie shit, man. When they fly up in Kentucky, there's some bitches in grid to grid with the National Guard and they're not playing. Yeah. And there's a law in Kentucky that says every five plants are felony and your ass is doing five years for it. So if you get busted, it's your ass. Wow. And uh, I, I'm sure over there it's a uh, classic where they, they're not going to bust you until it, the shit's almost done. And they, they time your shit pretty tight. Oh, no, too, they so. don't care there. No, they really don't care there. Really, yeah. that's the one thing. They'll start planting day to all the way to harvest day. Oh, really? They'll and they'll just pick weird days and days and nights and fly you. 
They're trying to get indoors with flares. And, you know, that's how we mistakenly discovered glass-top lights in the 80s. Yeah. Was we were trying to beat the flare lights in Kentucky, man, because they were flying us window to window, and uh, yeah. we discovered that if you redistributed the heat, you could put the lights three times closer to the plants, and that up the pars way off the scale. And we started getting three times more pot, and I'm like, thank you, Fed. I can't tell you how many times the Fed just made me money, almost as many as they took it from me. Right. That's crazy. And yeah. the dumbasses can't regulate something they don't understand. Right. And you have to stay one step ahead, obviously, too. So, I guess yeah, that... you just gotta stay awake. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, cool. I'm gonna. I re- wish I could tell you a hundred stories, but I don't want to blow my cover. So, whatever later. One more, one more person. I take some cool one. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be uh, calling and have another guest that's gonna come in in a minute. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, wrap it up with you because, because uh, yeah. I know we, uh, can, we definitely can talk for hours and hours for sure. And I'll give you a call again after this, and we'll, and we will uh, discuss the time when I'm, I'll be on Cali anyway. I'm, I'm sure before you'll get a chance to get to come out here. But if you do get, if you do, you're always welcome to come through, come hang out in the studio. Good, That'd be awesome. Uh, I'll go get me something to eat. And uh, so, is there any? Uh, are you are you repping yourself in any way? I know you're kind of low key, but besides, no, we, I'm. Yeah, we weed mats, and we're getting ready to put a whole bunch of shit together. I let my boss take care of all that shit, man. I love it, and we got it all put together, and the licenses and everything. And we're just waiting to see how we got out in the day. They say go, and we got everything took care of. I'm good to go, but I'll let my wife speak for itself. Okay, so basically, Weed Maps is your is your contact thing. Anyway, if anybody really wants to get in touch with you, I'm sure they can uh, hit up Weed Maps and yeah. uh, they'll they'll know who you are, of course. Because uh, you can always hit me up on Weed Maps. Nice, and then uh, we will definitely link you up for uh, around 4:20. We're going to be doing a, a thing out here. Maybe we'll we'll talk about that in the near future and get you out for that. Like, well, cool. They've been trying to get me to Denver for a while at work. Anyway, I tell them. It was the damn cold when I lived there for a year, and it was so hot. Yeah. I'm like, now that I quit smoking cigarettes, I can go back. I'm like, I can do it now. Yeah, and it's actually like in the time period that this thing's gonna be at is is that time where it could be a it could be a fucking blizzard or it could be like seventy degrees. It just I live there. You ain't telling me shit. You never, you, you never know. You never know in fucking Denver, especially. In and Denver. I was really sick too. So there'd be days I'd look at the window and go, "Oh shit, man! There's two foot of snow. How am I gonna get to the doctor?" Yeah, well, definitely. I mean, normally not, but I was here about. In, I think it was like in 2012 or something, 14. There was a. A pretty good, about two foot, about two foot of snow, and it was like right on to that. Uh, the year I lived there, man, it was like rough. Nice, cool. Well, uh, we'll link up soon, and uh, I'll definitely uh, get back to you at some point. I'm sure there's more to talk about. Like I said, because like I said, we can talk for hours and hours. But uh, oh yeah, and you then, have a good one. Man. And if you ever have, yeah, if you ever a good fight, man. 100. percent And if you ever have anything you want to uh, get out to the world, or there's something interesting coming up, give us a heads up, and we'll. Uh, we would love to help you out. Sounds good. No problem, man. Feel free to check in or whatever. Perfect, bro. And uh, take care. And thanks for all you do. No problem. Have a good one. Nice. And I'm going to link up, try to link up with Cheesecake here. and get a round down here, a little half Sweet. hour, 45 minute deal with her. That was um, awesome. Steve Tuck was good. Steve Tuck was good. I mean, it was, uh, he's high energy. You know? He's a high energy guy. Yeah. Um, like I said, it it's amazing because a lot of us have crossed paths in so many ways and never really understand the whole science behind what's going on. And the thing about Amsterdam that was always funny about that is that I saw people there and sometimes 
With him, I could tell because other people were, would re- react about him. Like, oh, that's Steve Tuggs. It's like one of those deals. I was like, Steve Tuggs? Who the fuck's Steve? And right. the thing is that the reality is uh, Neville and a few other guys out there that were really growing properly, everybody was in this you know, trade mode. Like, uh, I had Neville come to my place and want, he wanted Sage. He didn't want to trade me. And I was like, it didn't make sense. So I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. But it was literally, there was always like, you know, everybody was on trade mode 24-7 because that's how you do as a breeder. And if you had something really good to bring to the table, you know, you ended up talking to Neville at some point. It was so many people that I met over the years. And it was just, like, normal in a way. But at the same time, uh, now it's, like, stellar because of timing. You, you could just see that his brain was clicking in the right direction of, as far as, uh, you know, every time he brought somebody in like Steve or whoever, he'd, I'm sure, extract some <laughs> good genetics out of them. So sure. that's why there's so much good shit coming out of there. Um, also, let me one more time try to hit up her and say, you can call in now. Uh, what you th- what I, what I, tell us more, Mark, while I do this, can you elaborate on what you've sort of picked up from that crazy... Chat gang just really liked the stories a lot. Yeah, that, a lot that, of stories. Yeah, they just thought he was high energy and, yeah, man. Yeah, he is high energy. And like I said, a lot of that stuff, because we're all kind of like, you know, barely on point when it comes to some stuff, but we're also on point with other things. And you can take like, you know, always take everything with a grain of salt when it comes to like dates and times and stuff. But there is sometimes where like he's gone through so many major things in his life that I think his he's got that timing down because of such major issues in life where that's where you remember. You remember you had a fire. You remember if you had broke all your bones or you had pins put in your back or whatever. Right. So he's had so many crazy, like, long-term, you know, major medical things. And also on top of that, like, if... if Oh, here we go. Mrs. Cheesecake coming in. Here's another one. Coming in hot. Coming in hot. Yo, 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 yo. Hello. You just hanging out waiting, waiting on me? Yeah, actually, no, I completely forgot that I agreed I to do this. I know, that's how everybody does. That's exactly what Steve said. This is my last guest. He's like, this, that's the story of my life. I, I ask you, and um, it's, hours it's, later, it's you forget. I don't love you. Hours I later. I thinking of you recently. I drove, I drove down Welton Street, and mm. I saw that sad, empty building, and oh. and my heart hurt a little bit. Well, now you need to come over here to the Metlow and see all the happiness that's going on over here. We're a whole new spot. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, whatever. Uh, it's, it's, it's an exciting new spot. That's what you're saying here. Telling you, coffee, all, all right here. Things, coffee, beers, whatever. Torchies, you know Torchies tacos, of course, right? Because you're local, so you know Torchies. Or not? I don't think Torchies is actually local, but um, no, it's local I think here. They're from Austin. They're from Austin. You see, you're that much. You know more about them than anybody. Anyway, they're from Texas, but they're not local. But they're local as far as like landmarky here. Like, I- Torches. I know this because one of one of my tight homies who lives out here in Park County with me has a uh, taco truck, and I, and from what I've heard from him, Torchies are a bunch of little bitches, they and are. they wish they were uh, as good at making tacos as he is. Oh, of course, so, they are. Um, compared to your friend, I that's mean, just, can... that's just my my interpretation on having but, a friend from Austin who makes tacos. But they're but the they're uh, but they're really easy to tell people where I'm at because if I say Torchies, they know exactly. If I say like anything that's like more realistic. They won't understand what I'm talking about. You mean about. like like if, if we were just trying to tell like some millennial 25-year-old where to find you? Because I don't know if like 50-year-old people care where Torchies everybody, is. But you know, I keep everybody, everybody, everybody. They're like, oh, Torchies. Yeah. Anyway. I so, like tacos. Well, I have no objection to tacos. I think I actually ate there once. 
I think so. Yeah, for sure. So uh, welcome to the show again for the 50,000th time, which is nice to hear. And you're always bringing us good, happy information. And since it's the end of the year and everything's going to change and it's all going to turn to shit, you might as well be the one that brings it on to keep us all relevant. You know, my, my, my status as a quasi-correspondence for this show is really just a, uh outlet for my Cassandra complex. Right. And... And, I mean, I want you to uh, kind of give us the unfortunate news and then figure out some positive angle to twist it up, I'm sure, at the end, though, because you're really good at that, too. I I love it when you lie to me. It makes me feel like we have a real relationship. You know, if you didn't already have a woman in your life, this would count as a relationship in my world, um, because I think you understand me a little bit. But anyway, I digress. So we're going to talk about, you know, basically... What I have to share with you is that I, I went um, at the beginning of this month in December to the meeting of the Cannabis Clinicians, which is a pretty neat organization that puts out information about the medical marijuana registry, about emerging science. Um, you know, it's just a monthly series of, of talks that you can go to. And the speaker for the December talk was Natalie Riggins from the CDPHE, who is one of the um, very few people who actually administers that uh, medical marijuana registry at CDPHE. Now, long-term listeners of the show who are probably sick to death of the fact that I'm coming back to talk about the same topics, which have not changed, um, will remember that I have frequently flogged my disappointment with the online registry from the CDPHE um, because it violates a patient's privacy rights and HIPAA rights and has some pretty egregious aspects in its online user agreement. So at the end of November, beginning of December, the CDPHE put out like a little press release saying, don't freak out. Rural and like low-income people who don't have access to the internet can still mail in their application to be on the registry. And this is a thing that I had also been talking about for the most of the last year, that the online only option pretty much was a dick punch to everybody who lived in parts of the state, which is, you know, 64, more than 60% of the 64 counties in Colorado um, were not able to meet the technology standards of 50% of the citizens being able to use the online registry. So it was punitive to a lot of people who lived in the rural parts of the state. Mm-hmm. And, now they have, you know, made this like big hoopla, ha ha ha, you can, you can still mail in your stuff. So I went to this meeting and I had, you know, a litany of questions that I wanted to ask about the online user um, agreement and how it basically says that the state is no longer liable for one of the two things that's the, the, like in Amendment 20 in the Constitution, it says that the Department of Health, or CDPHE, would have two, you know, basically two jobs if they were going to get control of the medical marijuana registry. The first job was to keep 100% of the patient information on that registry confidential, Mm -hmm. and the second part of that was to spend no more money than it cost to issue the card. So all they're supposed to do is issue the card and keep everything about the card that they issued confidential. And if your online user agreement basically says that you are not reliable, like that, that third parties can data mine the, the online registry mm-hmm. as long as they don't use it for commercial purposes. Mm-hmm. So you can data mine it for like private information about my medical condition. You just can't market me a cure. 
fucking awesome. Right. And basically, it, it, my objection has been that the CDPHE has violated one of their two mandates, which they have done multiple times, um, to have control over the registry. Therefore, that they should forfeit control over the registry and the registry should somehow be independent or abolished. I don't fucking know. Um, but basically that, you know, the state is fucking up. This is not new news or a new, a fresh perspective for me. So I went to this meeting and I asked a bunch of questions and what I learned was pretty grim and depressing because what I learned is that, you know, I'm sure you've heard a lot of complaints over the last year from people who were trying to register as a caregiver, especially particularly in that online registry system. Mm -hmm. It's complicated and sometimes convoluted. So now what happens when you mail in your paperwork, the state creates a online profile for you that you are locked out of. So they'll send you back the, the bindle of, of photocopied paperwork. But the woman who now runs the registry denies that the state ever had a machine that was able to make a somewhat laminated like card. And she denies that there was ever a machine that issued a purple card. She seems to think that there was a red paper card and the current bundle of papers. But I kept saying, well, 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 what happened to the machine? It was in your offices. There have only been 15 people that have worked there in the last five years. They were faulty, like, too. They were faulty, too, those things. Remember? All the things, all my, yeah. all my letters fell off in, like, the first day. I was like, what is going on here? It's not even on. It's, like, just fell off. It was crazy. Yeah, but it was still the most superior form of the card that we've had over the last 10 years. <laughs> That's the greatest superior card. Yeah, it falls apart in one day. Superior. No, anyway. I'm, I'm sorry, but I, I don't, don't kill the messenger. I'm, I'm not saying, to blame I'm for the I'm poor investment of our patient I pull, dollars. I pulled mine out one time, and it was, like, it was like, there's no name on this. I was like, what? I, was like, I looked at it, and I was like, you're right. There's really no name here. It's gone. Like, it just disappeared. No, the only way to keep that thing intact was just to leave it in your wallet and never touch it and never use it to go shopping with. No, I didn't go shopping with it. I, just, I had it in my bag just too much. Too much, too much. Yes, I understand. No, like having it in your wallet would just degrade it pretty much. Yeah. Was... But basically, my viewpoint is that this, this, this was a foolish move on the state's part because I didn't click on a user agreement. I did not indemnify the state to put my information online, and they're doing it without my permission. So I'm looking for some patients who want to come together and form a class action lawsuit after the first. Um, to try and address this with the state because I feel like this is a good opportunity to basically address a bunch of the grievances of the way that the state has managed the medical marijuana registry. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think that there's going to be a... So that's, that's just an issue that needs to be addressed and has not been addressed. As, as we know, we are, what, two days, two days to harvest whatever plants you have over 12 fucking plants in your house. Mm -hmm. Or realistically, actually, whatever fourth plant... I mean, if you have more than four... If you're a single person living alone, and you have more than four plants in flower right now, that fourth plant is actually a crime. Yeah, but now, as we talked about this earlier, now, is this going to be just, like, residential? Is this statewide? Have they come to any conclusions on this stuff? Because that's my main question from the get-go, is, like, when you say fourth plant and twelfth plant, I mean, it's like... I mean, some people have, like, if you, I've, I've seen things where they say 24 plants max in the caregiver com combination. If you, doesn't matter what you come up with, it's still 24 plants. 
That's, that's all right, so it's probably good that I'm calling in today because I can clarify all of this. I've okay. been working pretty hard on all of this. Okay, that's, what I, um, that's my main question right there. All right, so in my opinion, this, the state is about to unloose a 64-county case-by-case shit show mm-hmm. because the bill is ambiguous and gives every... I've been working with a patient one-on-one to help him get his waiver we are setting up an appointment with a Denver City Council member early in July to follow up on this, but they aren't even having a meeting until early in, or Jan, I'm sorry, early in January um, because, you know, they're, they're, they're all going to holiday parties and gathering up contribution cash. They don't give a fuck about the actual consumers. But we, we did have a meeting last two weeks ago with this council person. He had never heard of 1220. He had no idea what the nuances of it were. The patient that went to meet with him has a rare genetic condition, so that was um, very, you know, he was empathetic about the patient's concerns that he would suffer if he could only have four plants in flower and um, wanted to obtain the waiver. But I basically put it to that council person under the duress that if you give one individual patient a waiver, you have now created a situation where due process is owed to every other patient that will want that waiver, which means the process of reviewing and approving every one of those things is going to become extremely cost. Mm-hmm. Like it's just going to be, it's going to just hoover up tax dollars. And, and if, if people aren't given their due process, then this city is going to be sued mm-hmm. in a way that hoovers up even more tax dollars in lawsuits. So, I urged him to try to create a blanket policy where any patient would be given the honor to use their actual medical plant count in their residence, regardless of how many patients shared a household. And I don't think he's going to go for that, but I'm going to, you know, I'm fucking sick to death of all these people who want to say that they're part of the activism. They don't like, like compromise involves you start asking for way more than you wanted Mm -hmm. so that you can give something. It doesn't start with asking with just what, what you can survive with because yeah, yeah. you're going to give something up. Of course. We need people who are advocating for medical and for recreational cannabis mm-hmm. that understand how to negotiate and that compromise means that we get something, mm-hmm. which we have gotten nothing. We have compromised 100% of, of our rights away over the last five years. And that's all I've seen happen is since 64, we have, it's just been a pissing match on who can put out the fire of somebody's joint quicker Mm. by pissing on it and ruining our rights. And it's yeah. Terry Robnell and it's, it's, you know, all of these newcomer, oh, we can make a better deal because we're less abrasive. Mm. The reason that there was any deal left to be fucking made is because myself, Kathleen Chippai, Michelle LeMay, mm. some bitch-ass fuckers took a hard-line stance for 10 years. And then we got thrown out of the room as soon as these newcomers came and said, invite us to the table. We'll compromise everything. And it will, you know, yeah. it... it we should have never been removed from the conversation because we had done a really good job of making the registry accountable. But as soon as there was this new wave of me too compromisers and live well owners and Mm -hmm. sweet leaf owners and all of that bullshit who didn't give a fuck about the patients, we have done nothing but lose the rights that the medical, Nothing has happened that's been good for patients in the last five years that anyone can point to and be like, wow, this has been a big upgrade mm-hmm. for the quality of life of patients for improving. Like, even the PTSD bill is such a Pyrrhic empty victory because they sold out the amount of plants a patient could have in order to get the PTSD bill forward, which they 
there was no reason to ever do that. That was a false narrative to get people in the back room to agree to something that the rest of us didn't know about. And if we had known about it, we would have been up in R. Yeah, you know, it was, it was a that, shock. And, and it's not like PTSD needs to have a plant reduction. It needs to actually, that should have been obvious that you're going to have people who are going to be like, okay, this guy's got PTSD. It's not just like some kid who wants to get high. So we're talking about, he might need like a hundred plants for himself, you know? So it's like, okay, what about him? You know, so you just fucked the guy who you actually made it legal for. It's like, okay, so now you, you can have it, but right. you can no, it have it basically, barely enough. It basically him. stripped every PTSD, every veteran that served our country. It stripped that person back down to being no better than a recreational consumer. Exactly. And that's what I don't understand. I, like there's not, there's not a middle ground. And then it seems like the compromise that I heard, I think, uh, that didn't sound very good. I'm not sure if it's true or not, but you, you can correct me, of course, um, is they were thinking about doing some sort of uh, reader's license, but it kind of got flipped. Oh, I, I had talked about that on your show. I went yeah. to all the hearings about that, right. but that got pooped on, got and in the rulemaking, flipped. that got just yeah. basically turned into a chance to commercialize mm-hmm. breeding for existing businesses, but no newcomer can have that license. No. And it's... It's so much more expensive than the existing OPC license to get that breeding license. Mm-hmm. And it's for, allegedly for research and so forth. But it's, A, just wildly more expensive, and B, cuts your amount of plant count back, that you might as well just get an OPC license and use it to breed. Yeah, because I was going to say, that's the whole point of breeding is, is plant count. So it should be unlimited plant count for research. But basically the original thing was supposed to be a really inexpensive license where this mm-hmm. product could go for testing purposes directly to a patient in an approved trial program mm-hmm. without, without remuneration. Now the new, the new industry of interpretation of the bill, the, the, I mean from the bill, that breeding and research license was supposed to be for caregivers who transfer their plants into a commercial facility for like $500 a year in licensing fees so that they would just still be the same kind of caregiver, but that they could keep the, you know, 100 to 200 plants that they had been breeding stock with Mm -hmm. for their severely ill pediatric patients for the most part. And so this was like basically going to be a bill that was going to cover, you know, one or 200 licenses in the state. They were going to be super inexpensive. And then the product of that could be given to a patient and that would be given some oversight by CDPHE to create a so-called pilot study program. But basically, any parent who was a caregiver for their child would immediately be able to enroll their child in this study. Mm-hmm. That would be given like a rubber stamp of approval. Right. Now, that didn't quite happen. So when the industry got their rulemaking on it, CDPHE was now brought in to be a um, approval board for any of these so-called, so basically it took the right for a individual caregiver parent who maybe has two children with a rare genetic disorder and each of those children has 50 plants. Now that parent legally has to get this passive license, but now they made it twice as expensive as the entry level for an OPC license. So now it's not affordable anymore. Now they made it that CDPHE has to review whether or not a patient is eligible for a clinical trial, not hey, we've already already been your caregiver and you're now enrolled in this thing that's just tracking how many people are getting specially bred cannabis from a caregiver. So that was changed. Then it made it so that the industry who did these breeding programs could give product to a special clinical trial that was commercialized and basically turned into a commercial for that whole dispenser. 
so all it is now is marketing. There's nothing medical or scientific about that breeding license, and it's not cheap or affordable for a caregiver to protect their plant count as of the new year so that they don't lose plants that they've been using for breeding stock for the past nine or ten years. Hmm. So basically, yes, we got pooped on by the industry people because of their lack of foresight and their greed and demands for commercializing that class of license. They, not, no one wanted to hear from me in that meeting that this was not what that bill was intending to do. They didn't really seem to care. They just wanted to be able to advertise and marketize the fact that they were giving free cannabis to a clinical trial with zero regard to whether or not that strain might be best for the patients in that trial. With, and so then on the other side of that, CDPHE got all pissed because they were forced into this position of being the review board administrator. And they said they won't even start to work on giving any patient access to the review board until 2019 because they can't get funding to pay an employee to be the review board administrator until the 2018 budget approves money for a salary for that. So nobody will be able to use any medical research out of that research class of license, even if it's under the thumb of industry, until 2019 because the CDPHE will not begin to administer the review board until they receive money that may or may not be awarded in the coming legislative session to them. Yeah, so that's just kind of, a, you know, a cock yeah. But we'll go back. Let's go back to the, to the 212-20 and the review and the mm-hmm. waiver process. I have talked to the town administrator of the town of Manitou about coming into Manitou and doing a presentation for their city council to help Manitou craft a policy that opts out. Um, but they have a new mayor, and the new mayor isn't excited about working with me, so I'm being patient and working the relationship with the city manager who I know and I'm friendly with. Mm -hmm. I'm doing the same thing in two other towns right now, just trying to get people lined up um, so that there's some kind of process where people can say, you know, hey, because basically the the wording of the bill is very ambiguous. It says it is not illegal to possess more than, you know, 12 plants in a residence if approved by a local entity or law, but it doesn't say whether that means the law enforcement has to approve the waiver, the local city council has to approve the waiver. It's just left completely ambiguous. So a local town council could approve a waiver, and then the local police force from that town could come in and say, no, we don't approve of this waiver. And it says law enforcement has, you know, by law, does that mean Law enforcement is by law, or does that mean the town council that makes the law is by law? Because it doesn't specify even who does the review board process, and it doesn't specify that a town has to set up a review process. Mm -hmm. So a town can preemptively say, we deny any medical patient their due process to have a review of of this clause of this bill, Mm -hmm. preemptively, or do nothing, or begin the process on a case-by-case basis, which will eventually become super consuming because... Once they get to the point where their budget is used up and they don't have time to schedule the next patient, that next patient has been denied what the patient before them was given. And that's not how due process works. So everybody who is a patient who's applying for that waiver that lives in that particular municipality or county or sheriff's department or whatever it might be that they decide that they're going to run these waivers through, every single person who wants to apply for that waiver is, has to have equal access to applying for that waiver no matter how much it costs the taxpayers. So I think that there's going to be a lawsuit in one of the 64 counties or in some town that's going to cost the taxpayers money. That's going to be a wake-up call that this 1220 
was not a practical bill to administer. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be, a ba- you know, there will be some sort of backlash. But it could take as many as two to three years for that to really happen. Because we're still waiting for Rob Corey to file the lawsuit about SB 15040. So we're talking about a four-year-old legislative bill that capped the plants in the state of Colorado at 36 plants. The fact that that has never been legally challenged in court, even though Rebecca Lockwood and Marissa Kisser put up, I think, like $25,000 to Mm. have a lawsuit filed in El Paso County, um, that the fact that that legislators in 2017 used the fact that the 2015 bill had never been successfully legally challenged in court to say, well, we're already at 36 plants, let's just scale back to 12. So the more time we spin and don't, I mean, the, the, the court case that's prepared to go to court now is fighting 36 plants. And it may well win in court. It has all the, you know, all the, all the ducks are in a row. But if we wait another year, who's to say how many plants we're going to end up with at the end of 2018? Because I don't think they're going to expand them. Because I don't think, I don't think that there's any attorney that's going to take this on pro bono. And I don't think that there's any patient who has enough money to fight this on their own. Yeah, well, I think, I mean, I think 36 is like the worst case scenario in my mind, but the best case scenario in this, in this situation. And I, and well, we were trying to fight the 36. I still want to fight the, the, the original bill from Arena Aguilar and Dan Pabone from 2015. Well, yeah, I know. Of like, course. I'm, but if I had to go for anything, it would not be 12 plants. I mean, 36 at least is a rotation. In my my feeling is that we should go to whatever your doctor recommends. Mm-hmm. Or whatever the constitute for a medical patient, whatever your doctor recommends for as many patients as live in that residence. Mm-hmm. Then your next step becomes up to up to ninety nine plants because we don't we don't want to defy the federal cap. But, exactly, exactly. You know, that's the same. Ninety nine. But basically, you know, that's common sense stuff. Yeah. So my thought was, anything up to ninety nine plants in an individual residence that is necessary for the medical needs of those residents. Then additionally, separately, and on top of that. Each adult over 21 in any residence in the state of Colorado has their recreational constitutional right to six plants, to three and three. Mm-hmm. And my feeling is the Constitution is very clear in the state of Colorado about what they call separate amendment clauses. So no law can be made to apply to Amendment 20 that also applies to A64. So 1220 is a fundamentally illegal in the Colorado State Constitution, the way that the bill is written, mm-hmm. because it covers a blanket on A64 and A20 at the same time. Right. And that's illegal. You cannot have a bill that addresses separate constitutional clauses mm-hmm. because they're separate. So in my opinion, is my medical need does not supersede my constitutionally protected right to recreate. Mm-hmm. They are separate constitutional rights that I have, and I have both of them in the state of Colorado. So whatever plant count my doctor recommends for me is my medical need. Additionally, if I want to be able to share with anyone over 21, mm-hmm. if I want to be able to go and smoke with people in, you know, in, a, in a social setting, I can't use my medical marijuana for that because the Constitution is clear that I cannot share my medical marijuana mm-hmm. with anyone who's not a patient. Right. So if I want to exercise my state-permitted constitutional right to share the produce of my garden with any adult who's over the age of 21, I actually legally have to have my recreational plants as well as my medical plants or my constitutional rights are being broached. Mm-hmm. So got, my feeling is the ground, to sue, 
the grounds to sue 1220 on are the fact that it violates the state legislative mandate that two constitutionally separate issues cannot be addressed under one legislative bill. And I know that I sound like a geek and a wanker when I go off on this shit instead of being like, you know, hey, I like terps and I like to fucking get high. No. I also like to get high. The only way I can get this shit out of my head and not think about it. Yeah, well, so I don't want your listeners out there to think like I'm just a geek. Oh, well, you're the worst. But like, and, they, and they know you're the worst. I am a geek. Yeah, but I'm a geek who's smoking no. weed so I can be around other people. They miss you. They wish you were in the studio. They were like, they were like, kind of like, yes. how come you're not here? They, they don't miss two all empty mics for you. They at least my heaving bosoms that are that are on top of the yeah. of the of the heart of a passionate boom. person who gives a fuck. We'd have different camera angles and everything now, but now we're just, it's just one day. One day I'll 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 haul these shits up back to where they started from and bring them into the camera. Okay, um, flop them up here. Flop them. It, it makes up for my complete geekery, but so basically, yeah, I think that the state has primed themselves to be sued in a million ways. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that there's, I, I think that basically the legalization has turned every attorney that once was kind of like, hey, let's fight for legal rights. You know, like the Rob Corey's, the Warren Edson's, the Sean McAllister's, the people I came up with through Ken Gorman's group who were good people, mm-hmm. but now they can make money. They don't need to fight some of these legal battles. They've, they've achieved name recognition for their years of hard work and they aren't young guys just trying to, to you know, break into something. So. Right. We really need like an, a young up-and-coming weed attorney who wants to make a name for themselves, who's willing to put the work in, and you know, show show results before they start making money off of the industry hand over fist. Because we're not going to fix this problem on the donations of patients. Patients have been just pushed to the limit, and the industry isn't going to pay to fix this problem because they created this problem. They pushed for these bills because it increased their profit margins. So, you know, I mean, it dovetails right into the next topic of the sweet leaf busts and all of that shit and then the the, right. the looping charges which is really interesting because in the rulemaking hearings that i went to in august which i think i came in and was on the show right after that mm-hmm. looping got at least maybe an hour 90 minutes of discussion time and all of the owners who were there at the table in the discussion about looping were very very adamant that they'd never encourage their employees to do it it just sort of happened uh-huh. and that the only people who should really be liable should not be the people who sign a contract with the MED that the buck stops with them, which is what an owner badge is, yeah, that's what I was saying. but the people who are making 10 bucks an hour, that, that basically liability should not move up the food chain beyond anybody who might be like some, I mean, these are not the top of the food chain people that were in those pictures in the mug shots in Sweetly. These were not people who were high, you know, they were, they were not pimping hard. They were basically uh-huh. low income. You know, they were, these were not people who had other, their other chance beyond working on the dispensary was not to go on like a full scholarship to Harvard, right. you know? So the fact that maybe they went to some class with Chloe where they got rubber stamped for showing up and giving her money so she could go dick around. <laughs> maybe that's what happened, but I don't yeah. think they ever learned what the actual laws were. Right. And I don't think that they were hired because I think that they were hired for their ignorance and for their enthusiasm for doing something. And basically, I sat through an hour and a half of meetings last August where all these owners said, oh, no, no, we aren't, you know, we're absentee. We're these investor owners. We're, like, actually in Baltimore and, like, you know, North Carolina. We're never actually there. We're totally not responsible for this. Mm -hmm. And so there should be no charges to us, and we should not be responsible for this. What's ironic as hell is the people from Sweetlink were there at that meeting. In that room, 
And they were part of the discussion of sitting there acting like they had no idea that this might be happening, but thanks for bringing it to our attention. But, but then they all sat there and said, well, you know, most of these bud tenders that we have working are just so dumb, they couldn't tell if that was the same person again. They just wouldn't have the visual recognition. And if we've got three people on staff and the same guy goes to each a different person each time, how should they know who the last guy, you know, like they don't know who their colleague just served, mm-hmm. which was pretty valid, you know, like that, that, you know, it, it was a weaselly argument from the people who were making it. Right. But from a strictly legal perspective, yeah, like if you hire somebody who's autistic, as more and more of our population of the low-income working level are having right. autism, mm-hmm. people who have highly functional autism have a really hard time with facial recognition. So that argument for like a 23-year-old bud tender who's got autism could be completely valid. And if I were one of the attorneys for those Sweetleaf people, I'd be trying to find one of those people in that group who could be, who that argument could be tested on. Sure. Because I think it is a, a valid you know, we have a lot of people, more and more people in our society who are going to enter the workforce who have zero facial recognition skills. Right. And something that, you know, people our age might think of as very common might be only half of the people who are 15 years old today might have that skill. Yeah. You know, it's, it's kind it's, of fucked up, but com- that's, that's <laughs> the consequence. Right. It seems, it seems like it'd be a common thing. Like, you're like, what? You don't recognize? Like, that seems so weird. But at the same time, now you do... You do understand that autism just is growing at such a rapid rate that it's like, holy shit, it'd be really weird if you had... It's like one out, of 15, one out of 30 to 60, 15-year-old kids right now has it. Uh-huh. So, like, yeah, we, we're going to have the consequences of that to deal with. And, and these are the kind of people who get these low-income, 15-buck-an-hour bud tender jobs. You know, their moms and dads buy them a badge in the hopes that something good will come of it. Maybe they'll get some discount on their medicine because they're probably a medical patient. Yeah, and now but, they get you know, felonies. They're catching, fel- they're catching felonies now yeah. at work. It's but, you know, the whole, the whole just laissez-faire, flippant, like, I'm sure the employees that work there are shocked at the way they're being treated. But after having sat in that meeting where they're, where they're whatever, their lobbyist, their person, their, their, their whiny bitch, sat there and said, oh, we can't be responsible for that if somebody who works for us hasn't been able to recognize the face. Mm -hmm. That's just a real simple situation where people don't recognize faces. And I do think that that's a valid argument. I don't don't dispute that argument, but I do think that the industry is full of weasels and two-faced people who set their employees up to catch a felony and then took off on a vacation to the Caribbean over Christmas. So, and I uh, also say this, you know, like, so here's what's interesting to me, because I was reading some in-depth stuff about this, and it said the whole thing started with somebody who was in that, um, that neighborhood there at 38th and Clay. So the Sweet Leaf is there, mm-hmm. and then there's Urban Dispensary is right there at the same exact corner, and on the other side of the corner is the Giving Tree. And I'm pretty good friends with the owners of the Giving Tree. Uh, I think they're really nice people, and they are honest and have good integrity. But I'm really, really curious to see... If these same cops, and it didn't come out in any of this story, hmm. were these same cops trying to go and loop in these other two stores as well, or were they just targeting Al the Sweet Leaf location? And why? Why, if there were three dispensers on that corner, were they not trying to target the other two? Mm-hmm. If it started at that corner, at that intersection where they put an a, a outdoor uh, camera to surveil mm-hmm. looping going on just at that Sweet Leaf. So it tells me that. If these loopers were just going into Sweet Leaf, wouldn't they try to go into Urban Dispensary and buy an ounce of weed? Wouldn't they try to go into Giving Tree? It would just hasten the process of getting mm-hmm. their looping for the day done. 
right. there's three shops on one corner that you can just walk out of one and walk into the other, and they don't know that you've been in next door, you could buy an ounce right there. Sure. And legally, you should be able to. So the whole new rule thing isn't going to change that. You can go to Sweetleaf, you can go to the Urban Dispensary, you can go to Giving Tree. Mm-hmm. None of the owners of those three different locations are liable for what you've done mm-hmm. because metric doesn't track you. Metric legally cannot track you under A64. Right. So it becomes a real serious conundrum mm-hmm. of the law, the law as it's written is unenforceable unless it's twist the, the way that they, 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 I feel that they somewhat twisted it. Um, you know, the med never shut down any of those licenses. The med does not seem to give a fuck. This seems to be strictly a Denver police department. But if you go on to the med's website and then look for anything sweetly, it doesn't show any revocations. It doesn't show that those locations are closed in the eyes of the med. Probably the med is just pissed that they're not getting their excise and their revenue out of them. Hmm. But I think it's really interesting to look at the bigger picture that this was not 13 dispensaries that were all standalone. This started from a complaint from a person living on the intersection where three dispensaries are. Mm-hmm. And I assume that the cops just went over there and started watching. But we have heard no actions being taken against Urban Dispensary. We've heard no actions being taken against the Giving Tree. And I would be absolutely shocked that he had a, a surveillance operation going on and they didn't try to hit all the places right on that corner. Unless it was, and, 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 if it, and if they didn't, and no attempt was made to loop the other two locations, then this becomes a whole other crazy thing where this seems very targeted at Sweetleaf specifically, mm-hmm. and I have a hard time believing that it's not due to some larger bullshit, and that the story about some neighbor tipping them off is maybe just fabricated, because, it, I mean, there's so many... Like, Literally in my in my well, Facebook most, feed, I'm most, scrolling most, along and I, most tip offs when they, I get, was that like uncorroborated right. like reports. Well, here? I don't even think it needs to be a tip off. Like I was just going to make this point to illustrate that yeah. I was scrolling through my Facebook feed and I see you know a post from somebody in our community about the sweet leaf thing, and then I see another you know post in there from somebody else in our community about the sweet leaf. There's links to two different stories. Literally, like they're they're on top of each other. So I see you know Joe Blow's post, and then I see J- Johnny Smith's post. And then the next post I see under that is from a bud tender at another, not Sweet Leaf Dispensary, saying $75 ounces all day long. Now, where I come from as a drug dealer for many, many years, all day long means you can come back again all the fuck day long. Right. So here's like, you know, and then this, I know that this third person whose post I read that from, nice guy, is friends with the first two guys has to have seen those articles. Still, somewhere, somehow, in his mind, he's thinking it's a good idea to advertise on Facebook that he's got $75 ounces all day long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Well, that's hilarious. And so, you know... There was another one we saw, there was another one we saw too, where they said, get a sweet deal on some leaf. You saw that one with the, curse, with the same text? Oh, yeah. That was From, Diego? what was that? The Diego? I, I, mercifully... Their advertising didn't work, and I forgot who the assholes who were that shallow who were who did that. I think I, I want to say it was not Diego, but it was somebody who was equally seedy and has a black and white logo and is right downtown near the Capitol, if, I think. Maybe it wasn't them. I don't freaking know. The good news is their advertising failed. I forgot who they were altogether and didn't have any desire to go shop there. <laughs> right. But, you know, basically, um, yeah, that I mean, that's exactly it. Like, I 
also sat there and I questioned in my mind. If I were Urban Dispensary and I were had my nose clean and the building right next door to me was somebody who was looping all day long and I felt like my business was suffering because I wasn't making the same revenue as those people and I wasn't getting the same influence at the med because I didn't have the same numbers and metrics because I only have one store and I'm struggling to keep afloat and I'm not looping and I'm not breaking the law. Would I be the one who called and turned my neighbor in? Mm-hmm. I mean, the mm-hmm. whole... You know, there's a lot of question marks around the whole thing. The well, I why? Gonna, I was going to say though, the thing is, if you look at any bigger company like that, like once you get to that level and you have a bunch of shops, you're going to get a bunch of haters. This is going to be part of the deal, and there's a million ways they could, because that's the whole problem about when cops get calls from from neighbors and things. It's like always, uh, a lot of times it's just we all know anyway, or you can. It's like well, really. We got the case going on right now in Kansas over the weekend where. Guys were, were gaming, and the, and the one guy tried to swat the other guy in some video, like, Call of Duty bullshit gaming thing, and had the wrong address for the person he wanted to swat. So the cops came to the wrong house and shot a 20-year-old man who wasn't even playing gaming and wasn't involved in the swatting. <laughs> That's, like, so lame. That's so lame. But, I mean, this is, these are consequences of our mm-hmm. police state, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, we see it every, every day. If you open your eyes to it, you will see it every day. You know, out here where I live, the fucking girl just got shot and killed, the high school girl, you know, and the cops tried to say, oh, it was no big deal. And then six fucking days later, the local police department issues a fucking warning that, oh, by the way, we think maybe, but we don't know, um, the person who might have shot and burned this girl in this arson six days ago escaped with a with 2,000 rounds of ammunition and a gun safe full of, of automatic weapons. Right, six days later, you said? No, but, but, but this is like six days after they put out a report saying, everybody just chill, no need to shelter in place, just go about your business. Right, that's just, crazy. We have no idea who this was, and he's got a, a gun safe full of guns and 2,000 rounds of automatic ammunition. Mm-hmm. Nothing to be alarmed about. You know what I mean? This is, this is how fucked up things are, you know? Our, our society is not in good shape, but mm-hmm. I well, digress. We've only, so, got, we've only got a couple of days left to uh, worry about it yeah. this year, of course, so... We're good. We got, yeah, we got but, a whole fresh new year to come tomorrow, next year. So. Yeah. So, as you are aware, because I've come on the show several times over the summer and ranted about things that were going on at the state level uh-huh. from the summer interim sessions, I went to all the interim sessions about police, about jails, about sentencing, mm-hmm. about opioid crisis. Pretty much all summer I stayed in the legislature, just still working on all the same stuff I work on during the wintertime. Mm-hmm. and kept my eye open and my ear close to the ground for anything that was going to come out cannabis-related because there were no committees that were intended to deal with cannabis. Um, there was one erstwhile 20-minute brief conversation about maybe po- creating a policy to do a pilot program to substitute cannabis for opioids for people who wanted to transition off of addiction. That has kind of just died in the water. There's like seven other bills that all rely on Arapahoe House. They closed two weeks ago. <laughs> but even after all of that, somehow behind closed doors, um, Terrapin Care Station and a few other industry operatives mm-hmm. have gotten a clubs bill onto. So in thirteen days, when yeah, it, it's 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 punitive to any basically. Private growers, people like you and me who want to sit down and talk about, like, hey, did you do a 37-day cure on this? Wow, at what temperature? And then, like, what, you know, like, that to me is, like, 
and you know, I'm going to wrap this up with something that, that is my overview of like all the things that I've observed over the last couple of years, because this is going to dovetail into that. But basically, you know, like the whole point of going out and being social about cannabis was not to be like, would you buy it from store? But yeah. to sit down with other people who really appreciate it and who grow it themselves, who maybe breeded something special, yeah. or, you know, just even people, like, I, I went over for Christmas dinner at a good friend's house that I've known for 15 years. After legalization, he and his wife bought a grow tent, started growing a couple plants. He gave me, you know, a little jar of, like, maybe two or three grams of some weed that he had grown. Right. But he had taken the time to really cure it, and it was really in great shape. It was, like... Mm-hmm. high crystal con- it was everything that we think of as a good quality nugget even somebody like you with all of your years and years of experience right. this guy two years in yeah. after you know two years with his grow tent he his first couple times he couldn't figure out the cure he was getting some decent looking bud but it was it you know one time he burned the whole thing i'm getting too close to the light you know yeah. he made a lot of these learning curve adjustments that you and i made 20 years ago sure. but when he finished them his quality of his product was pretty fucking epic. And, you know, as we were there after dinner enjoying some of the cannabis that he grew and talking about it, I had a lot of questions for him. And he was so happy that someone was there sharing, with, you know, that, that somebody cared. And, like, his wife was just happy that he's growing the weed. She doesn't really want to be like, well, what fertilizers did you use? And when right. did you switch to a flush? And, right. you know, like the kind of things that you and I consider just a normal conversation with someone that we're getting to know who's a grower. Yep. And... See. That, to me, is the fun of it. That's the joy in cannabis. Mm-hmm. And if the clubs are going to take that out and all you do is sit in a fucking squalid, you know, room with a fluorescent light in a strip mall and hit a vape pen with some jackass who went to a store, exactly. uh, count me out. I'm not interested at all. Right. And I was talking to this man who he bought a custom cake from me, and I went to deliver it, and we had a great conversation, really enjoyed each other's company. I'd never met him before. He was a super nice guy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we started to talk and we got into an argument. Now, I, c- I could have an argument and still think somebody's a great person and enjoy their company, but I think I kind of pissed him off because I wouldn't back down from my viewpoint. And finally, by the end of the argument, you know, and he was trying to tell me that this, some store was really, like, elegant and was it where he would want his wife to shop and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? 110% fuck this. Fuck this. Mm-hmm. I did not work for 30 years of my adult fucking life to make weed fashionable for the assholes that I hated in high school, for the people that have kept me out from having a better job because I smoked weed. For every fucking sacrifice I've made for weed, I didn't do it for fucking mainstream people. I did it for scumbags like me. And, you know, he was saying, well, they've freed weed for this next class of people. And I was like, no, they've freed weed from the stigma that they still want to hold me under. And fuck everything about that, because I've always been a smart, intelligent, good person. And I've just been misjudged and mistreated by society. And because I don't want to go mainstream and I don't want to wear a pastel sweater and fucking have my hair styled any more than I did want to 10 years ago, mm-hmm. I am still a scumbag. Because I'm still speaking about patients' rights. I am still marginalized. And fuck this. This is not what legalization was supposed to be. It was supposed to be so... Stoners could come in from the garage and join society and, and take advantage of everything that we had to contribute, now, not still be closeted. Now, is, now is the idea of, of uh, Terrapin and those guys, uh, as far as their lobbyists, is to kind of uh, block out people who aren't, don't own shops already? Isn't that what part of the deal, too? Like they wanted to 
kind of make it so that only people who already owned a dispensary could have a club and nobody else? Is that what? Right, what, because that way, that there would be no one who had the kind of legitimacy that you or I have could open yeah. a club. Right. So right. there would be no magnets to draw people to be like, you know, wow, I kind of want to yeah. go somewhere where I could learn from somebody who has street cred or learn, like, you know, about the culture from somebody who lived in it. Because sure. these people who own the clubs now did not. Yeah. No, there might be a few people still hanging on, a few decent people still hanging on, yeah. who, you know, like I said, my friends at Giving Tree, I think they're good people. But, and they, and they, he came up from being a fish head, and that's how I met him on Fish Lot, way before this was an industry, and he's a good dude. Right. But he's one dude holding on against the, the, the truncheon of being beaten by a store with 26 licenses. And you're back to the same, lobby. You're back to that same uh, problem in the beginning when you had vertical integration and you forced people into it and you said you had to do it like it, it's like it's a nice concept if you got the money but if you don't have the it money continues for medical. and, and uh, i mean vertical integration is still part of the medical licensing right and it's like the idea that you have to have everything <clears throat> under one roof and you have to do this and you have to be like oh well, i'm not really good at that it's much better when you uh you know put the right people in charge of what they're supposed to be doing instead of like making people do that and that's kind of sounds right. like this is what but you're doing there I saw 85% of the good growers that kept me in business through all the black market years were dead within the first two years of, of 1284 because of vertical integration. Because they came in somewhere, they brought in their genetics, yeah. they set up a grow, they got it going, and then the people who had the control of the storefront threw the baby out with the bathwater, didn't think they needed a good grower, thought they could just blast everything down with butane and get a profit if it didn't look like flowers that you could actually sell as flowers. Right. And, I mean, people have a hard time with me that I say, nobody did dabs until there were warehouses where the weed wasn't good enough to sell us flowers. Well, now, yeah. And, but and that's, the, the, that's the, sales, the truth. It all, it all ticked over around the same time where people had a... Right, but all these people who think that dabs are something better, hmm. no, dabs are the result of something being so bad that they couldn't sell it to you until they turned it into soup. Yeah, and I mean, now maybe the standard is a little better. Yeah. But the state testing is a farce, so you're not getting clean. It's the, still the dirtiest shit gets blasted down, and the testing is a fucking joke. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the definitely the, there's like a few people who actually you can tell because they do everything, like, you know, Green Dot and fucking Incredibles, and, and a few people actually, like, you pretty much know that their shit is fire, but at the same time they're far and few between, you know. Like, there's so many shops selling, like, green poop you know and you're like, what the fuck is that like, you're like oh, I, I don't even think both of the people that you named are clean you know and and ha- keep their nose clean i really just don't yeah. and you know you don't you don't see the evidence of it i, I don't really you know like mm-hmm. the 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 quality of i mean it's just grim you know like and so basically when we get to the point where clubs are just going to be a glorific you know it, it's just going to be like an empty chorus of glorification of mediocrity. Yeah. Well, I mean, the idea that there was one license here where they were, they were going for a place that you could smoke vape pens, which was, I could do that anywhere, and eat edibles. I was like, I can do those two things anywhere. I could, like, stand around and fucking in, 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 in like, Safeway and do that. You know, we can, we can, pick but, an, we no, can I, all pick an aisle in Safeway my, and do eat, and eat edibles. One of my closest gal pals got two free tickets to Zoo Lights, and we walked around there, and we ate ginger snaps and fucking hit a vape pen and that was like you know i'm not all that big on a vape pen but at least it's better than having to fucking walk around and hear toddlers and people with their kids in public 
without any weed at all, for God's sake. Well, I have to hit, listen to kids you know? and, and run around with my vape pen. Oh, so last night I went to see uh, Jane's Addiction with my kids, so that was fun. That was, that, that was, it's always, oh. a good, it's always great to go to How a, old is he now? He's like four? He's five. He's five. Five and a half. You took a five-year-old to the Fox to see Jane's Addiction? Five and a half to the Ogden. Yeah, it was awesome. It was like everyone. Okay. I, I, I didn't know where that was. I, I saw that, you know, I, I was sort of like, oh, I loosely am interested in that, but it's, Man. Yeah, it was actually it was actually really cool just because I've taken him to a couple shows and he he's like I've never been to a club though we've been you know like I've been to the festivals and I've been <laughs> to the big arenas you know what I mean but I haven't been to like the little club yet and so he was all excited and classically when we got there they fucking didn't didn't have me on the list I was like what are you fucking kidding me I put Vinny, I, I had Vinny on the list and I had myself on the list I had Vinny plus one and me plus one. Vinny got in and he just like he put his plus one and added it to my list, and they said that I didn't have a list. That it was it got all real convoluted and weird. I was like, all right, you're trying to tell me that I don't have a ticket for my five year old right here, and I'm on the list with four names. Come on, I got into the the classic where I was like the the angry dad with the kid. Look at him, he's cold, and he was all Nick's like, I'm cold, and I was like, this is like they're like, all right, <laughs> here's your fucking ticket, just get in there, you know. So yeah, it was pretty funny. And then, of course, he was, like, star of the show, ran around. Everyone's like, what the fuck? Kids here. Brain, like, meltdown. People just, like, it's so funny. They're in such a different world, you know. Like, they see a Right. Fight. No, I mean, honestly, I, I could say, even though I don't drink or do drugs, I don't want to see no fucking kids when I go out. Yes. That's hard I'm, enough. I'm, I'm middle-aged. I have barely anything left to work with here. I am not going to get laid if people are bringing their fucking diaper wearer up in a club. Yeah. It's so not helpful, Adam. Don't blame me for you not it's getting laid. It's just a reminder Please. of the consequences. Of yeah, I know. That's exactly what I saw. Yeah. I, saw I saw it in people's eyes. They're like, oh, that's what happens. You get stuck with a kid like that. But no, I mean, don't worry. We no, left, I mean, we, you're a fool. I'm not. We came in. He had his headgear. He was wearing his headgear. I gear, like for other we, people to have kids. I just don't want to fucking have them. I'm not, I'm not, we're definitely not asking you to have kids. We're none of us are, none oh, of, God, no. I, maybe I James, down maybe, James, maybe, James might you know, contribute if that's, if that's what you need. So. No. Practice, <laughs> not fucking execution, for fuck's sake. Uh, I'm willing right. to give him a practice shot or two, for fuck's sake, but not, okay. not squirting out any fucking... No? Oh, God, no. Fake one. Did you oh. ever change the diaper? It's horrible. Of course I've changed the diaper. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying. Hey, I got I've, through I've spent got most of my adult life avoiding even having... I was worried about it. But they put their false fist in their mouth, and then they bury it wrist deep in your hair. All right, let's, speaking of it's changing horrible. diapers, speaking of changing diapers, let's, let's continue with your last parts of your stories, because we got about... Ten minutes left. Oh, that, I think we're, we're, I think we've, we've, we're, we're over it. We've, 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 we've I, yeah. Do you want me to start over? No, no. Just say, make sure you have anything. <laughs> I, else I think I've, I think I've reached the uh, the the, the, the climax of my statement with saying fuck the yeah. gentrification of the weed world. That's that's my whole like hmm. ending note. And then and then that clubs are coming, but they're not anything that we want to go to or participate in. Nah. And um, I don't really know what else to tell you because this. Like I said, I go to all the legislative stuff, and the only thing that I've seen coming out of any summer stuff is a clandestine backdoor clubs bill that no stakeholders were invited to participate in. Yeah, and the, and I mean, at the end of the day, too, it's like you'll have you'll have niche places that'll just be able to thrive on the idea that it, they don't have to offer very much, but just having a, a non bullshit place because that's I mean, it's going to be if that even passes, I don't think that's going to make it. Either. That doesn't sound 
Sounds like a monopoly to me. Well, it's like as far as like if you're telling me that you have to have a shop first and spend a million dollars and fucking millions of dollars. Right, and so this means that like in the communities that have already voted to not have shops and they can't have clubs. Yeah, and not, yeah, that too. And if, if you have no other means but caregivers, why shouldn't your clubs be run by caregivers? Let's say you're in Grand Junction or Mesa County. Mm-hmm. There's no shops out there. Right. There are patients out there. Previously, their caregivers could take care of them. Now they won't be able to under 1220. So where could those people possibly come together and, like, you know, talk about how their grow could be improved so that the quality of the medicine they actually grow is something that they can get a benefit from? I mean, that's the part that other people just don't take into account that even if everybody was to do their six plants or their 12 plants just so that the, the need would still be met hmm. so many people are just not good at growing and even worse at curing i mean even i i see weed from people that that are big time commercial industry and black market growers unilaterally my number one complaint is y'all don't know how to cure this shit well, I mean, the problem is if it's if it's uh, if they're growing in a situation where they don't, uh, a lot of people just don't have the right space because they think that every time they harvest, they're like looking for a space, which is stupid. You got to like pre-build a spot and have it all well, you know, have that all climate controlled better than your grow, just so you can like make sure you don't fucking go too quick or too slow. Yeah, and nobody does that. Like, there's ways to do it with anal retentiveness if you don't have the money. Yeah, of course, you can do that too. it requires a lot of work. Right. Well, you, I mean, you, you just have to be on point. That's the whole key. It's like you just think you got to be out checking right. it, checking it kind of hourly. And whenever you're around, you got to just kind of be on point and looking because things change. Like all of a sudden in the morning, it's all perfect because there's no sun on that side of the house. And then all of a sudden it heats up and things change and you come back and you're like, holy shit, it's fucking hot in here now. You know what I mean? It's like, that's not a good spot. You know? So something stable, right. something stable, it. you know, easy. Perfect, crisp it. Sweat it and fucking burp it, crisp it and sweat it so again. You're having like, like a baby. It's like a baby there. You're perfect. You're, you're ready for. You're ready. You're, you see, burp. I, the only baby I'm interested in burping. I am. Yeah. I am not interested in biological babies. They're fucking. Sounds like you yeah. got you got some. Skills I mean, I, I'm interested in grandparenting. I'm like out there looking for a man who already has adult children. Oh, they're they're out there. Don't I'm you worry. I'm interested in getting them there for like the older years. You know, because because I mean, I'm a fucking. Eventually, at some point, I'm going to have to fucking accept that I'm aging, and someone else might have to too. Uh, but there's right now, my, we're not. There's there. there's people younger than me with adult kids and all over the place. So you know, this is bad. You got to go for the guys who have make bad decisions. You're younger than me. I mean, that's not the deal breaker. Like, I'm totally down with somebody who's fifty. I'm pretty close to that. I just look fucking good, you know. So like, it's a good deal for that person who's like old and ratchet, right? But still wants to be with someone who has kind of a hot young body, and. <laughs> You know, a bad personality. I got all of that covered. Yeah, you've covered that. You know? Double. (laughs) So, uh, well, great. I think we're going to wrap it up because we are uh, over over our time. But it was good to talk to you. I figured we would clear up. But we still haven't really cleared up my situation. So are are we, as of the, so we really, 12 plants per property as of that day, and there's really no options? Because that seems sounds ridiculous. to. Yeah, I I will give my interpretation of the law as you should be prepared to deal with it. As of the first, every local law enforcement agency, so your local police department as well as your local uh, Mm -hmm. sheriff's department, has the discretion to interpret that law. I don't know of any municipality that has given any waiver Uh for any patient or done anything to opt out. I'm completely 
like basically I think everywhere in the state goes into the first in the same boat and then the lawsuits will start. But as the, as the bill says, it's, it, it doesn't specify the zoning standards. Again, mm-hmm. it, in, in, in the discussion of the bill, it was all residential, residential, residential. Mm-hmm. But in the bill, it kind of says, it doesn't say like agriculturally zoned properties that have a house on them are exempt. Mm-hmm. So I feel that law enforcement will interpret that to say any dwelling that people, re- and it, the bill does kind of say any dwelling that people reside in. Uh-huh. So we look at a a friend, like, you know, a certain friend of ours who moved down south, and he's living in a building that's like agricultural zoning for the property. The building itself is commercial, but he and his friend are living inside of it. Mm-hmm. In the eyes of the law, the bill can be interpreted to say any dwelling that has domestic residents. Mm-hmm. So he just have to move out of it. Which <laughs> move out. just basically, again, cock punches the intention of saying, Oh, these caregivers can just get to agricultural land. Oh, these caregivers can just get a commercial space. But there's very few commercial spaces that are going to rent to somebody who doesn't have a med license. Mm-hmm. And there's very few agricultural spaces that are, if you have a farmhouse, apparently the outbuildings and the barns around it can be subjected to 1220. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. Now, do I, do I, I suspect most law enforcement agencies who are geeked and gung-ho about this and want to enforce it already have a list of names. In Park County, they already had a program where if they came in and you had more than 36 plants, they'd cut your plants down, and then they come back and check on you every 90 days. So you, ha- you were allowed to have 36 plants. I would assume that they're just going to go on January 2nd to every house that's already allowed to have 36 plants and just start cracking skulls there if those people have it, like if they aren't really fully informed of state law, which no article has been published in our local paper giving anybody warning. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people who live out there don't have a TV because... You can't afford a satellite dish. It's like $300 a month. And so, like, there's a fair amount of people who might be out there who might think that they're totally complacent on their 36 plants. Mm-hmm. But I know for a fact our sheriff's department has said that they have a list of everybody that they think has X number of plants and that they're going to go to these 12 plants on the first. And they've made it clear that they're not going to issue any waiver. They, the, the sheriff said it on tape, and I have them on tape saying he will not issue any waiver, which is going to be used in a lawsuit since once we get somebody who has the money to fight him in court Mm. so you know these are the things that are going on but but my interpretation is that the bill is very broadly written it is poorly written and it gives the opportunity for local prosecutors and police to use the widest interpretation of what they think that means Mm. and so hypothetically let's say you've got six plants in flower and six plants in clones and you're living alone, but you're technically caregiving for somebody who doesn't live in that house. Mm-hmm. They could technically interpret the bill to say that you are now violating, you know, the rules because you're living alone there. So, like, like I mean, it, it, it is mm-hmm. because the bill says per resident. So it, it kind of even says, like, the plant count is per resident. It doesn't specify if the resident is a caregiver for another non-resident patient mm-hmm. that that's exempted. Yeah, it's all stupid. Yeah. It's all stupid, so especially, especially the whole idea of, like, trying to say flowering and non-flowering. Because it's like, you're not growers, people. You don't understand how things work. So, like, I can't, I'm not going to come in here and try to tell you how to write a bill. 
and you're not going to tell me how to grow plants, and then we could just stick to that as a fucking starting point. Because it's I'll gonna... still try to tell them how to write a bill because I think I understand. Like well, you could, I the could. I'm just saying I could. You should have a better I'm, understanding of how saying. to write a bill than how to fucking grow a marijuana plant. Well, they should, but we don't. But, but we don't. And I'm just yeah. saying personally, I can't write a bill. You probably could. I can, but like they also can't grow. And I'm sure you know you can do both. So you're just but, one of those people. But I'd totally rather smoke some buds than you grew than anything that Jonathan Singer or Sherry John or Dan Pabone pulled out of their garden. Right. And at the end of the day, it's like, come on, guys. I'm like, are, are you kidding me with this? Like, telling us how many we can have in flower at any given moment, and how many in veg, and how big the veg plants can be. And it's just like, no, that's just bullshit. That doesn't even make sense. It's like. It's not even applicable. Well, and it, it doesn't take into account juicing. I mean, it, it, yeah. it's just it's just a knee-jerk thing. But since that bill has been signed, we've seen Sweet Leaf busted. We've seen the other bust with the woman who worked for Med working in the dispensary with the people. I forget the name of what the company was there. But we've seen, like, at least three or four major busts that all involve people from the industry. Mm-hmm. We've seen no massive caregiver bust that involved actual caregivers or people who were part of the registry. Mm-hmm. So we've seen bus where the cops could get the people based on, like, hey, you're not following Amendment 64 because you're not medical at all. Like, we've seen one large bus where it wasn't, there was no claim to being medical. They had a couple hundred plants, and they were just growing and growing and being like, fuck it. Cops didn't need 1220 to bust that. And we've seen a bunch of bus that involved the industry. Mm-hmm. But we haven't seen any situation where a private individual of a patient or a caregiver has been busted. And... I think it's going to be an issue where, you know, people are going to get caught up in this 1220 and they're going to go into court, you know, like the case with, um, you said to wrap up with some good news. So we remember the case with uh, Marie Jaramillo, I think is her last name. I'm not sure I'm pronouncing it correctly, but the woman out in uh, Mesa County, her and her son were, uh, she was acquitted by the jury um, for having, I think it was 60 plants and like a couple ounces of weed around the house. Right. And... The jury acquitted her because they, they felt that the medical registry paperwork was ambiguous and that the law enforcement had overstepped the boundaries and that, you know, if anything, they should have, you know, worked with the person, not just busted them and tore their plants up. Right. And so I think you're going to see some of these cases go forward, and I'm emphatically urging everybody to go to jury um, on these cases because I really think you're going to have a hard time getting a jury to convict people of these things. You know, you and think, so you don't, I, I you don't think, think with the new, you don't think with the newest climate though that is the still you think it's still a good idea as far as just the. I, I would I would fight it. You know, you have a I mean, and this is why people out there need to don't don't fucking shirk when you get jury duty. Go in there and acquit. Mm-hmm. Go in there and get on the jury and then acquit somebody. And if nothing, nothing in our judicial system being for profit and being about criminalizing people's behavior for profit will change until the profit margin is removed from criminalizing people's behavior. So juries are the key to that. Juries going in and acquitting people for victimless crimes and saying, I don't agree with this con- this, this law, is the only way to, to make it so, so... At a certain point, if the tipping point was that 50% of juries ended in an acquittal because people disagreed with the laws, it would be very, very costly for prosecutors because they would be using up all their own money and not getting money back from the victims of their lawsuits. And so this is the whole thing. Like, almost all cases that go to a jury are about money. Unless it's like a murder case or something. And then you guys got to use your good judgment. But, like, 
Like if it's a case like somebody being accused of a felony for having a, th- a 13th plant in flower, hmm. that's about, that person's going to get equal amount in fines hmm. and court costs and fees. That's what the, the, the prosecutor is just prosecuting them because the court costs that that person pays mm-hmm. keep the prosecutor's office going. If that person gets acquitted and they don't pay any court costs, the prosecutor pays all that out of their pocket. This is why people need to get on juries and acquit everybody that is a not. It doesn't matter. It's not just about marijuana. Like, go and acquit anybody of any victimless crime that's being charged with anything mm-hmm. because... It makes it expensive to prosecute. And once it's too expensive to prosecute, they're going to stop arresting people for some of this shit. Mm-hmm. If, it's, if, there's no money, if, if there's no money for law enforcement and there's no money for prosecution, there's no point in having laws that criminalize our behavior. But we have gotten really blind to the fact that, like, people our age all want to shirk Jewish duty. You get a lot of fucking old people in there who have conservative viewpoints. You need people who are in their 20s to go in there and be like, fuck this shit. I... You got a DUI, but you didn't hit anybody. You didn't, like, cause an accident. You were just out on the highway, and they just pulled you over and commandeered you, and the state's arbitrary testing system decided to assign a DUI to you. Mm-hmm. Fuck that. I don't approve of drinking and driving, but I know for a fact our state's DUI testing system is fucking corrupt. Right. Yeah, it's more like you're, so it's like, you're well, at that point now where it's just like, well, you smelled a beer, so you're, you're definitely going down, you know, so it doesn't take much. But, but you know what I'm saying. It's like, like yes, if somebody's out there and they're fucking drunk driving and causing... Well, we, just, you know, we just stepped away from the old days where they used to be like, all right, you know, either give me your keys and come get your car later or, you know, whatever. There's always like a little yeah. option, like a little way to not have to turn into a major deal. But now it's kind of the same thing with uh, how insurance companies work and how the fucking, you know, you get a ding in your car and people are like call the cops and you're like dude back in the day you just give them a hundred bucks everybody roll away and the guy never fix it <laughs> that's pretty much what usually happened you know so now, nowadays it's like exactly. no i'm gonna have, everyone's gonna pay and it's gonna cost like a thousand bucks and your insurance goes up and there's whatever you know just like just a big oh, game my, my insurance is like three hundred dollars a month and i'm driving a 26 year old fucking car mm-hmm. with with liability only i don't have full coverage on that thing right i know it's crazy but it's because crazy. i was in a Bad accident that was determined to be no fault. My insurance is like out the fucking roof. Yeah. Welcome to the club. You real? Yeah. I think you rolled down I'm the hill. Too. I crashed off the side of the road. Yeah. So good stuff. Yeah. Um, You're aware of my unfortunate tumble from the highway. Exactly. Um, so uh, I think we're gonna wrap it up yeah. now. Uh, I just wanted to okay. talk. Yeah. To so you we for... rambled on for another ten minutes and wasted your listeners' time. Oh Thank my God! God. We are the, you are the ramble crew right here. But we already had a, a, our first guest was super rambler also. Uh, Steve Tuck. You know who Steve Tuck is? Heard of him? Freeder? Maybe I'm just missing out, you know. We we, anyway. we, we haven't had the, the joy of, of basking in one another's reflected glory. Anyway. He he was a rambler too, so he we had the we had the crazy this has been one of those crazy shows. You probably listened to it five times or listen to it. Uh, one more time. I can hear one of the PIs laughing in the background there. <laughs> exactly. So um well thanks for calling in and what are you doing for New Year's? What's your what's your big plans? You know, I I'm still struggling to pull together what I want to do. Like all the bands that I want to see are playing at venues that I don't like to go to. Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's go. a conundrum, you know. Conundrum. Well, here and okay. then there's a part of me that yeah. just says, "Fuck it, I should just go by myself to the hot springs and do nothing." 
that's always a good Thanks. way to start, start it off. I mean, I, if I hear of something interesting, I will uh, link you up to it because I think I might know some secret secret gig going down that you might like. Wait, it's not actually on New Year's and New Year's Day, so I don't know if you're down with that one. That's even better. I can go to the hot springs and then bounce back and attempt to be sociable. Cool. I mean, that that's my biggest conundrum. I, I realize that mm-hmm. I'm never going to break free from my, like, complete asocial, like, life of forced celibacy unless I go out and meet people. Uh-huh. Um, but I really don't like to go out and meet people. Oh, well, I'm sure, I'm sure you, you know, once you get out there, you, 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 you change your tune. You're just like my mom. My mom's also, it turns like, she's like, why don't you just chill out and stuff. But once I get her out and about, she's like, doesn't want to go home. So I was like, there you go. You see, I knew it. So, uh, I don't yeah. know if it's, I don't know if it's an exactly apt analogy. I really don't. All right. I'm sure. I don't know. Like I go out and then stupid people approach me. Uh-huh. And engage me in their posturing and fucking bullshit. Uh-huh. Uh, and if they're not giving me money, it's not fun. See, that's the thing is you're too much of a, a lot hawker. You know, you're just like waiting for someone to go. Yeah, like, but my, yeah. my, 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 my heart of a lot hustler finds anywhere that I'm not getting paid yeah. not fun. I understand. I understand. And I, I, know the, I know the feeling. Uh, well, cool. Well, thanks, Colin and Jessica. I think we will uh, cross. You have a happy new year. And. I, yeah, well, Shout out to all my 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 three fans. Yeah. I love you, dudes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's more. There's definitely more. So, uh, the, the, but nobody wants to admit that they enjoy my diatribe because it's so. Um, yeah. Oh, well, you, you, I you mean, know, you get you get equal. I get equal hate mail. Don't worry. So uh, you're, you're still yeah. doing your job. Yeah. Cool. I I am trying to keep people informed. I'm you know. Yeah. I, I was not in the miscongeniality running. I know. I got you. I know that. Well, cool. Let's, uh, <laughs> we'll talk soon and, uh, have a good year. I will catch you up I, on the, uh, 11th when the legislative session opens, I will be there and I will, right. uh, I will have a full review of all the bills that are put out in the first week. If any of them are cannabis related, I, I will return to update you all. Sounds good. Thanks. Excellent. Talk to you soon. All right. Peace. Bye. Uh, Jesus Christ. It's the worst news ever. I want to hear, I want to hear 36 plans, 24 plans, anything more than 12 plans. 12 plans is dumb. Yeah, it's sad. It's not, it it's not right. Not right in the head. Nope. Just, they have to address the other side of it. Like, what are you going to do with the, you know, you can't have a, it's this whole 13th plant bullshit. It doesn't make sense. Like, how do I keep going? What do I do? Like, start from seed every single time? I can't just magically have 12 new plants to put in. I can't, like, start zero and then, you know, it's like, yeah, no, that doesn't make sense. Even picking out especially seedlings, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, where do you get them? When do you get wait? You know, you, it just doesn't make sense. Especially because a lot of people are using medically and they like can't just like go on that. So this cycle will not make sense. So again, it'll just go into litigation in some form or another, and somebody will have to pay the bills. But yeah, it's kind of yeah, it's bullshit. It's a bullshit move. I already like got my clocks. <laughs> chicken. I'm like, okay, where are we going now? I guess I gotta move again. Jesus Christ. This place blows. So, welcome uh, to legalization, everybody. Yep. Uh, California's next. Uh, the next place to get fucking beat the fuck up with the rules. Plus, over there, they just love making rules. So it's gonna be like rules, oh, on, yeah. rules on rules on rules. It'll be ten so, times more regulated than us. I know. So, uh, oh well, you know, there you go. That's what that's what you get. When you get what you want in the end, it sort of sucks sometimes. And this is a good 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 uh, case of that. 
it's the end of 2017 going into 2018 so let's hope that we have a much better year next year my year sucked at the end of the year i had a good half a year <laughs> i thought it was all gonna be good that it kind of went down to shit but you know i'm looking forward to the next so it's sometimes good to be in a shitty situation as far as like you know you had a bad bad end of the year oops but sure. then you got to work into the new so it can only go good if you're like all patting yourself on the back and you went from the beginning to the end. It's, it's a long fall from yep. that point. So. Turn adversity into an advantage. So uh, mm-hmm. look for, uh, I'll be doing pushing out Sage Master Select seeds uh, through Seeds Here Now. You want to check, take a look for those. There's four varieties on their menu right now and two more on the way and another, you know, a, little couple, maybe a couple of little hits here and there. So keep an eye out for that. That's going to be my New Year's uh, project there. Plus here at the Metlo where we're at, at 1111 Broadway, come on down here and check out what's going on. We should have a pretty full man, uh, calendar coming up menu. I was going to say <laughs> menu. Pretty, uh, yeah. pretty full calendar, uh, all different aspects, cannabis related, cannabis not related, whatever. Um, space is super cool and you can catch us in uh, unit, or should I say sweet, sweet 401. There you go. Uh, right now we're in 409, but we'll be in 401 uh, with Hoodlam Gear and uh, Adam Dunshow if you want to check us out. Thanks for listening, and Happy New Year, everybody. Oh, big shout-out to my wife, Cece, as at home, and my little kid, Nick, who went to, like I said earlier, see Jane's Addiction. We didn't hang out and see Perks in the end. It was just too much time. You know, he wanted to go around 10... 1015 it yeah, was fine i was like let's kids don't last that long at concerts, yeah, yeah he was he was all pumped and running around like a maniac and then got to killer spots and then you know well anyway it was fun it was fun but it was like i was like kind of happy to go home early too it was like, people like i hear you you want you want to <laughs> leave i'm like yeah you know he's ready to go and he drank two cokes and that was he was done. oh yeah was like he, nope. cc was all mad at me <laughs> what two cokes i was like hey and it was funny there was one moment there where he was like kept hitting me and going like dad go get a refill and I was like I can't like leave you here and then I had these cool couple next to me so I was like alright you're gonna watch my kid I was like this is kind of weird leaving your kid at Jane's Addiction like this could all go wrong it's the best time like someone to run into you and go like hey Adam wanna try some mushrooms or something yeah Yeah, right oh man where's Nick oh no could have been a whole new story in my life but luckily I kept him in control there we go it was good that's good he was the only one to party he had two cokes I had of water (laughs) and uh beat about five times that was, that was pretty much the which is always fun to have to like deal with that five times in a show so yep. welcome to and, and blew everyone's mind and freaked them out they all eh, like yeah it was like she was saying they were just like some guys were loving it some were scared it's, it's a kid it's like, <laughs> it's like anyway uh, peace everybody talk to you guys next week thanks uh, and next, I think KTI is going to be around hopefully huh? we'll huh? see okay. we'll be back Yep. To bring us all his uh, amazing energy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the energy ball. Thanks. Peace, guys. Later. Practically every one of the top 40 records being played on every radio station in the United States is a communication to the children to take a trip, to cop out, to groove. The psychedelic jackets on the record albums have their own hidden we don't want you to smoke genetically modified ganja. We want you to smoke the real thing. We want you to smoke the natural herb. Some call it marijuana. Some call it sensimedia. Some call it lamb's bread. And some people call it...